warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 277. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. Hi, I'm Trace Balloon. And I'm Frank Conniff, TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and the Mads are back, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Mm, I love leftovers, especially pop culture ones. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah. Hey, we're back, Jake. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, it sounded genuine, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think yours might have been a, a notch more genuine than mine. Yeah, yours was like a little, like a woohoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like the robot chicken valley girl character. Yeah. Kind of woohoo. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not alone this week. We are joined by uh, my number one, Neil Follender. Welcome back, dude. Thanks for having me, Brian. <laughs> dude, I th- honestly, this whole number one thing is given. So- I didn't. I thought you know it was fun. You know, I said it like you're my number one guest. I think it's given a few people a complex, dude. I think so too. I got definitely a lot of shit last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Can you handle it, Neil? Are you okay with the pressure? I'm okay. I think. I'm I think. St- I don't know. There, some of those pictures that uh, Alenti um, made. Kind of gave me a little complex, I think. <laughs> but no, it's all it's all fun, and <laughs> yeah. it's 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 not, it's all fun, but it's true. I mean, you know, like I, <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm sorry if some people are butt hurt that they're not my number ones, but you're not. <laughs> you're not. You don't measure up, to Neil. I'm sorry. So you got to deal with it. This is just something that you're going to have to accept. All right. Uh, you need to go. You need to go through life knowing that you're not number one. Like, seriously, I was telling everybody at C2E2. I, I forgot. I think it was at C2E2. I was telling everybody Neil is number one and everybody else is known as not Neil. <laughs> I definitely heard that said a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, probably in a drunken stupor. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, hey, we got a lot to go over this episode. I've combed through uh, a lot of Reddit posts uh, that have supposed Avengers Endgame spoilers, and I've put together what I think could happen in the film. Some of, this, some of these are like spoilers uh, from somebody claiming to have been at an early screening, which 
in case you didn't know, those have happened, people. Um, those have been confirmed by the Russos. Uh, the other is from someone that leaked information about Infinity War to 4chan back in November of 2017. And a lot of that leak was correct. Some wasn't, <laughs> but whoever it was had access, I believe, to a script, whether it be a dummy script that had parts of it fabricated, um, but it still had a lot of correct info. It talked about how in this, like this 4chan script, it talked about how like, you know, uh, Iron Man goes up to space with Doctor Strange and, and um, Spider-Man tags along. Like, yes, there were things that were wrong, but there was a lot right. I felt like this was coming from a dummy script. Well, this person also had Endgame speculation on that 4chan yeah. post before it was deleted off 4chan. Somebody got a screen grab of it. And I have some of that that we're going to go over today. And you know what? I don't know if any of this is real or not. But you know what? It's, the, it's part of the fun. It's part of the speculation. And none of this could even happen. But you know what? If I had to place bets on, like, what's going to happen in Endgame, which Reddit posts I think are the most legit, these are going to be those posts. And we're going to go over those right at the top of the show, really. Um, after we do, you know, ask some, you know, like the iTunes reviews and all that other shit. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about that stuff. Next week is Shazam, Jake. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. Man, so I, I, I hope it's not another suicide, you know, squad scenario where trailers mm-hmm. got my hopes up and then I'm seeing a shit movie. I'm seeing mixed reviews and it's really, I guess, what you want from Shazam. I think a lot of people going into this are loving the comedy and the humor that they've seen at these early screenings. Uh, and then some of the people just feel like this is just too silly of a superhero movie for them. Like it, it just didn't work on, on that level. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, you know, they had the early screenings while we were at C2E2 and I was not about to just leave C2E2 and go watch a Shazam. <laughs> so yeah, I can't, I'm looking forward to seeing it this Thursday. Yeah. Very excited. Pet Cemetery next week too. I'm pretty hyped for that actually. Yeah, I'm, I, I want to see that as well. I, you know, I haven't seen the original Pet Cemetery probably since I was, uh, oh, man, probably since I was a teenager, to be quite honest with you. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, it's not nothing I've revisited very often. It's probably been 10 plus years for me myself. Yeah. Wow, I'm talking about 20. Yeah. Jesus, more than 20. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I uh, saw it for the uh, first time about a month and a half ago. Really, really, it's uh, yeah. yeah if, you, if you're watching it now, it's not a good movie. It's I I enjoyed it, I, um, I, but yeah, it's not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my it was because I and the reason I'm saying that is because like it's funny. My sister uh, was messaging me. She's like, "Do you have a copy of The Quiet Place?" And I was like, "No, I don't." And and but she's like, "Oh, we're we're watching Pet Cemetery with my with my niece." And she's like, this movie is so bad. She's like, <laughs> she's like, it's so bad. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see the new one, especially with the switch of like Gage not being, you know, the one that comes back and it being the sister. Yeah, the switch sounds interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm here to check it out. So it seems like it's getting good reviews from yeah, the early people that have seen it. I saw somewhere that Stephen King really enjoyed it, which is promising. Mm, he he really enjoys everything. He said he really enjoyed Dark, <laughs> Dark Tower. So take oh. his, you know, he got paid, so he'll say he liked it. Okay, damn it. <laughs> uh, see, I, I I do have an announcement, but I don't know if I'm going to make it on this show or make it 
on a sh- we gotta, I got to make this announcement before our endgame reveal. So, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it now. Um, yeah, don't be a tease. Let's hear it. If you've ever wanted to be on Pop Culture Leftovers, then um, first off, that's sad. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will make that pathetic dream come true for some of you because episode 300 is coming upon us and it's looking like it'll be sometime in September between now and then, barring like if I get sick or something. Um, but uh, I'll have a, a date locked down for 300 the closer that we get. I'm planning on recording on a Saturday or a Sunday, hopefully early in the day. Um, I'll let everybody know that information the closer we get to 300. Um, How it's going to work is we have basically 300 is not a regular episode. It's just 300. We have our it's to pay you back for listening. We have our listeners on that show. And how it works is our, our first listener will call in at a specific time and we'll chat. And then 15 minutes will go by and another caller will call in and we'll all chat. And then after another 15 minutes, uh, another caller will join the call and we'll let the first caller go. It's a rotating window of guests every 15 minutes. And uh, after that, um, once we get through all of our guests, we'll just continue to talk until we finish the show. Um, if you want to kind of get an idea of like what it's like and the madness, uh, you can listen to 100 and 200. And, um, I don't know there, these are some of my favorite episodes and they only come once every two years and it's now's your chance to sign up. And I wanted to get this announcement done before Avengers Endgame episode, because once we do the Endgame episode, we will have a lot more new listeners. And I wanted to give, our older listeners that have been with us for hell, some, some of you even close to six years now. And then the people that joined us last year for infinity war, we got a lot of listeners from that. I mean, our downloads were in definitely in the tens of thousands for that specific episode. And we gained a lot of new listeners from that episode. And I feel like we're going to gain a lot of new listeners for Endgame. And so I want to give everybody that's kind of like, hung in there you know (laughs) hung in there (laughs) everybody hey everybody that's put up with our shit for the last year if you made it through this audio waterboarding session and you get a chance yeah exactly um you know so the thing is though i i want to make sure that i'm not i'm just not gonna have anybody on i i mean i I want to know that you're a real person i i mean if if they're on the leftover army page as of like today jake like there's a good chance that they're going to be on um but if i've never talked to you before or seen you before there's a good chance i won't respond like i don't like like if somebody's like hi i'm I'm, uh barfy mcscoogans you know i'm like who the fuck are you i've never even heard of you like i would remember i would remember i don't know i kind of want to talk to barfy mcscoogans i (laughs) I don't know he's got to have some stories Ah, fuck him fuck barfy mcscoogans like just because you got a silly name doesn't mean that i'm gonna have you on the fucking show um but uh you know it, uh, here's here we go if you want to be on if you want to see if you can be on uh send an email and don't send me an email saying like hey you've never heard of me before but this this and this no if you're a fuck if i've never heard of you before it just uh, i'm probably not gonna respond to you okay barfy mcscoogans i don't know who the fuck you are um <laughs> but uh send your email 
to comments at popcultureleftovers.com with the title 300 and uh, tell me why you'd be a good guest and uh, I'll be choosing anywhere from 15 to 20 people to join us for 300 and um, that's how you guys can um, you guys are going to make the show like you guys will be the show and like I said it's just our way of showing appreciation for you guys listening every week and uh, we'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about um, you know within reason I guess Uh, but um, I don't care if you've ever guessed it on the show before. If we know that you're an actual person, we'll have you on. Um, and if you have guested on the show, I don't care if you've been on here seven times. If you want to be on here for 300, fucking let me know and send me, like Neil, like you know right now, you should be sending me a fucking email. Like, hey, you know, I want to be. <laughs> but uh, there are three people that are guaranteed a spot. Number one is Danny Murphy. This guy's been trying to get, he tried to get on 100, even called in. And I, I didn't see his call pop up or something. Uh, no. And then 200, he couldn't make it at the last minute. So Danny Murphy's guaranteed a spot. Nana Pratt's promised a spot. And then Sean from the League of Geeks is guaranteed a spot because he was upset that he was on 200. So um, <laughs> he was. And, and so I'm going to have him on 300. Um, but yes, so uh, send your email comments at popcultureleftovers.com with the title 300. And that is our 300 announcement. That's fucking awesome. September already. I can't believe it. Jeez. Yeah, I'm surprised I went through that whole thing without one of you fuckers giving a Spartan joke. Like, that's original. <laughs> I totally thought about it. Oh, God. God how my many, tongue. Yeah, yeah three, uh, tonight we dine in hell or whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I do my best not to reference Zack Snyder movies. <laughs> oh, man. Good, good policy. Well, uh, let's see here. Um, it, was a, it was a fucking graphic novel before it was Zack Snyder. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's close enough. Any t- anytime close anytime enough. you get the bash, Zack Snyder. Yeah, 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 I don't know. I open these little windows for you, Jake. Well, you're gonna have a lot to say about Zack Snyder later because that's <laughs> I do. Yeah. Well, there's a, that, that's basically DC news this week. Yeah, I'm excited. Fun DC news. So um, I'm going to let fuck it. Here we go. Uh, oh God, I gotta read these iTunes reviews. It's time for iTunes. It's one star. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. First one is a uh, five star. It comes from Lab Squirrel and uh, goes on to say, I have been listening to this show for so long that I know who the homeless leftover referred to at the end of every episode is. I was there before the dot, dot, dot and Frank era. And I remember when Brian visited Hoth and the show took a break for a few months. That being said, I have enjoyed this show for many years, and I'm just now writing a review. If you enjoy the show, don't be a D-bag like me and wait years to send in a review. If you don't like the show, just replay the intro one more time because it is speaking to you. This is the podcast to listen to for all of your pop culture needs. P.S. It's Dan. Dan is the homeless leftover. Yeah, this guy's been listening for a while. Jake, do you think the guy's actually been listening for a while? Do you think he just went back and listened? I don't know. Those are those are some good facts. I don't think you can get those just like skimming five minutes of an old episode. Yeah, so no, I'm going to give him credit. Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's not like just, Harry Potter books have been out for fucking over 20 years, but 
you know, I could read them all this week and then act like I've known about them for years. Well, it'd be a lot easier to read seven Harry Potter books in a week than listen to our 200 plus episode catalog. <laughs> it depends on the person's job. I mean, if the, per- if the person can listen to podcasts all day, they could go back and listen to some of those early episodes. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Usually I'm the one who throws shade at these iTunes reviews. I, I really like this one. I'm not throwing shade. I'm just bringing a question. Jesus Christ. Just because I say <laughs> one fucking thing doesn't mean I'm an asshole like you. Don't lump me in with your fucking bullshit. <laughs> Questioning whether or not he did the thing. It kind of sounded like shade. I, I said, hey, is there a chance? Oh, my gosh. God forbid I want to, like, have us, like, answer it, like, like, think outside of the box and, like, think of, you know. You know, I'm not, I'm not accusing this person of doing such a thing. I'm just saying it's possible. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely possible. Jesus. I'm giving him credit, though. Ah, fuck it. Uh, I'm not going to ask any more questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting on you about it. I love shady questions. (laughs) I don't Brian, please don't don't challenge this nameless listener. Make this guy feel like the cheating scum that he yeah, is. Yeah, you didn't fucking you just fucking you listen to you listen to three hundred hours of pop culture leftovers in like two weeks, buddy. No, I, I don't. He's probably been with us for that long. Those are some really good like those are some really good facts. Like the visited Hoth thing, like that's a that's a big one. And then uh, the homeless leftover being Dan, that's a big one. You know, these are yeah, these are these are like uh, these are pinnacle moments in the show that I'd say the average listener has no idea what we're even talking about right now, Jake. Yeah, this whole like last two, three minutes is probably the worst part of the podcast it's, for new listeners. Ah, fuck them. You know, I bet it's over Neil's head, too. Neil's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? No, hey. not number one. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, CastBox is really helpful. Yeah, CastBox has all the episodes there. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Download Castbox, everybody. Listen to our past episodes. Um, I've got one here from. Oh, that was a five star. I got another five star here from Nathaniel SP, and uh, it's titled "A Fan Since Episode Two Sixty Seven." Finally, an honest listener. <laughs> Finally, there's a lab squirrel over there, fucking lying. Oh, I've I've been with you since the beginning. Finally, hey, I thought you said you weren't accusing him of lying. Ah, fuck you and fuck him. Yeah, I am. You're a bunch of fucking liars. I'm, I am kidding. Uh, Nathaniel says uh, I am a recently subscribed listener. Wow, more honesty coming through. More honesty coming. I am a recently subscribed listener. That's all you had to say, Lab Squirrel. Just, just tell me you went back and listened to the old ones. And now you know these random uh, trivia facts about PCL. You don't have to lie to us and pretend that you've been there all along supporting us. I don't need your lies. <laughs> just bid to get on 300, I bet. Yeah, it's true. That's true. I'm going to get an email from Lab Squirrel. <laughs> I'm a recently subscribed listener. I love how this show structures its dialogue with each... Other like a couple of friends talking movies over beer, chips, and dip. Uh, that relax is perfect for me because I have ADD along with bipolar. And whenever I am at a low point, I throw on some PCL and listen to Brian talk about mommy flicking her bean while little, little Timmy is waiting for his dino nuggets. Um, or Rebecca's vagina really makes me laugh. And detours me from cutting love, Jake. Oh, wow. And detours me from cutting. 
Love Jake, love Brian, and salute to all the guests. I just hope this is even better the second day after it's uploaded. Wow, Nathaniel, that's a lot to digest there, buddy. Um, Number one, I am glad that we are there for you as far as being able to listen to us and detour you from cutting yourself. That is not healthy, dude. And I'm sure you know that. It's not like this is the first time you're hearing that. But I'm glad that we're there for you and that uh, we are uh, keeping you from doing that. Number two, um, get help, man. I mean, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It, like, I agree with you. I'm glad that we can be there for him as, you know, something yeah. to, like, kind of clear his mind or distract him. But, yeah. yeah, definitely. We are not the end-all, be-all solution to the problems you're describing. So talk to someone. Talk yeah. to your family. Talk to your friends. If you don't have those people, just talk to a doctor. Right. You yeah. get a therapist. Exactly. Therapists are really good for people. There you go. So, yeah, take care of yourself, Nathaniel. Please, every, everybody listening, even if you've given us a one star, take care of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody has value. Um, so, you know, you say that, but then it's like, what, what about what about murderers? Do, Do they, murderers have value? Yeah. Is it, yeah, I don't know. It's a It's a tricky question it is it is you know because like you want to say like i don't know that's too deep for this show fuck it let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about ant-man go, let's talk about ant-man going into thanos's ass instead um, <laughs> oh jesus next you know I, yeah i'm trying to get all he- deep and shit on this episode that is not happening hey this one comes from matt reddy and it's a five star it's titled super fun with two exclamation points matt it doesn't take that much to put a third in there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, third time's the charm. All right. Two just doesn't even look right. Uh-uh. No, it's, it's kind of creepy. Uh, goes on to say, this is taken over as my favorite podcast. It's lengthy and it's fun. It, doesn't that sound like he's talking about a penis? <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing I thought yeah. of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, lots of looseness with a hard, <laughs> with a, oh God. lots of looseness without a hard structure. That can't be right. yeah. The penis kind of got, got loose, it sounds <laughs> with flaccid. It, it, yeah, without a flaccid, a flaccid penis and a loose vagina is what it sounds. And then it goes on, nothing is rushed. So it's like, yeah, this is going to be a long session with a flaccid penis. Are we... Are, <laughs> and it, That's gotta be we might purpose, be reading right? too much into this. I think we are reading too much into this. Uh, he goes, <laughs> feels like hanging out with friends and trash talking. Um... And then he go, he gets into some criticism about Rebecca's audio because um, and I'll, I'll get into this. Rebecca had uh, her computer went down, and so she was using a different mic than she normally has been using. Um, as far as I know, from talking to Rebecca recently, she finally got a new computer, so she can use her old mic, and so her audio is going to be cleaned up. So uh, don't worry about that. So Matt, ready, and your two little exclamation points. Be happy when Rebecca gets her new laptop up and running, okay? Uh, next one. It's uh, titled Good Pod, and it comes from the, it's T-H and four E's. The, isn't it? Okay. And it is that go- him or is that, that's his name? His or her. Okay. The, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, are you asking, were you, were you questioning gender? I was not questioning gender. You better not be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah, let's see here. Yeah. 
is the shiznit? Is that what, what, is that a gender fluid name? Yes, like the or their yeah. or them. Yeah, uh, and it goes on to say, "Love it," and that's it. Oh. <laughs> it's a good review. Yeah, it was nice. Is it five star at least? <laughs> oh yeah, that was a five star. Yeah. That'd how can, be weird. How can you love something and then give it four stars, right? Yeah, that would have really pissed me off. Yeah, yeah, it's like you know, like, uh, hey, honey, uh, let's renew our vows. Our my four star love for you, like you know, it's you know, five star. It's a five star when you love something. It's you go, I think I think like is like four, right? Like three. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, three and four stars are like I like this. Uh, one and two are just kind. Of, I despise this, and then. You know, and then you love something, you give it the five stars. You reserve that for things that you love. Yeah, you got to be fair. You can't just dole it out to everybody. Uh-uh. No, you don't want to be a five-star whore. <laughs> just just slinging your shit out there for everybody to five-star on. I believe that's called an escort. Oh. Is it, okay, let me, hold on. I got to take a note. What is, how do you spell that, Neil? <laughs> How would I track down one of these uh, escorts? <laughs> anyway. That's Greg Alenti. Mm. Oh, wow. He's got stories? <laughs> he definitely does. Why are you throwing him under the Ford Escort right now? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I'm sorry, Greg. I, I, talk to Neil. I don't know, man. Jeez. Um I don't know why he's never heard of pros before hose. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do people still say that? Or is that like, can you not say that, Jake? Bros before hose. Bros before hose. It does not seem like it's held up to the test of time. You know, because I kind of felt like I was like, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to say it because I'm saying it jokingly. But like, I would not say that in like normal conversation. Like, bros before hose. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, even when it was cool to say that, I. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I never said that in normal conversation unless I was being ironic or joking. Yeah, exactly. Or like, or unless you were talking about pantyhose. Like, I mean, that might come up. Like, bros before, like, hose. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely would choose my friend over pantyhose. Like, that's there's no question. Yeah, and I think it's still fine in 2019 to have that attitude. Do women still wear panty? <laughs> do women that are, like, I don't know, 20 or 30 still wear pantyhose? It's like... Fuck. Are pantyhose a thing anymore? I, I'm not the person to ask. I don't. I don't see like the the aisle in Walgreens or the grocery store now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, like, like with the, all those, these eggs, those everywhere. fucking eggs. Yeah, like why were they in a fucking egg? <laughs> I, I like, don't know. I think it'd be these like. Are- I, I, I just like what are women doing? Did they gotta sit on them and hatch them before they can wear them? <laughs> gotta warm them up first, right? Yeah, it's fucking weird. They were in an egg. <laughs> women walking out of the store with a bunch of eggs in their in their in their that that, that aren't edible, right? No, no, you, I think they're plastic. Right, all the eggs in one basket, right? Ah, so. <laughs> that's why you're number one, baby. That's that's why you're number one. Ah, let's see here. Next one comes from Tay Potter fifteen. Uh, amazing podcast. It's a five star. What an amazing podcast! If you're looking for a podcast, I wonder if they said it like that, like in their, <laughs> like in like in their head. You know what I mean? Like when they were writing this, like if they were that fucking jazzed as they were writing this. What an amazing podcast! 
I'm going to think they were. That's why they're here on iTunes in the first place. Dude, I don't know if I want that person in listening <laughs> to our show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Don't let him on 300. No. Um, let's see. What a, what? I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hanging up from this guy. Wow. There we go. Uh, what an amazing podcast. If you're looking for a podcast about movies, TV, comics, or games – I just want to say, like, right now, like, you don't have to look that hard. Like, there, there's a million of them out there. <laughs> fucking everywhere. <laughs> Every fucking where, right? Yeah. You go to any podcast app, and they're right there on the front page. No shit. Uh, if you're looking for a podcast about t- movies, TV, comics, or games, this is your spot. <laughs> Ramblings and rants are great fun and full of laughter. Uh, Brian and Jake are amazing hosts who invite great guests each week. All cheesy aside... Give them a listen. You won't be disappointed. So uh, thank you so much there, uh, Tay Potter. I think that is uh, – I think that's our that email that I wrote, uh, read last episode from Taylor. Mm. Oh. Okay, okay. I'm not a big fan of that last review, Taylor's review there. Wow, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, Jake's true feelings, as usual, come out. Uh, what, are, what, what are your thoughts? It came out kind of robotic and, and not very personal, right? I like, you know – not a single like nothing to really grasp onto or anything, right? Hmm. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, Neil, Neil, <laughs> let's get let's get your uh, let's get your opinion here. You gonna you gonna shit on Taylor's fucking? And now that now that we know who wrote it, are you gonna shit on it? <laughs> uh, no. Wow. No, thanks. For, fun. Thanks for the input, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found I found Neil's response to be a bit robotic and not very yeah. personal. <laughs> I feel like I feel like my number one stance on Neil is a little bit shaky right now. I don't know. I don't know. A little oh, bit of no. weeble wobbling going on. <laughs> Taylor, I for one loved your review. I thought it was spectacular. Thank you. <laughs> Next one is titled Excellent Podcast, and it comes from Brickyard 1493. 1493, Jake, tell me about that year. What was going on in history? In 1493? And it's the year after Columbus, right? 1492, that motherfucker sailed the ocean blue. What did he do in 1493? I don't, I don't know. Killed a bunch of natives. Wow, thank you, Neil. That that, uh, that history moment was brought to you by Neil. <laughs> number one, number one. Um, right to the heart of the matter. Yeah, history. No, Neil's right. History has kind of proven that Christopher Columbus was a uh, was an asshole, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It, so it's questionable whether he even, you know, was the person that the history books say he was. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can't get into this too much because it'll open up a whole can of worms with listeners that are really familiar with Christopher Columbus. That's happened before. Like, we, we talk about things in history that we don't know 100% about, and then people get all angry. You guys got this and that wrong. Just because you watched fucking one special on the History Channel, you think you're <laughs> fucking, uh, fucking Poindexter over there with your history shit. Fuck you. Uh, you got your Wikipedia <laughs> Got your Wikipedia in front of you. I'm just, we're doing this off our memory. 
Yeah. J- oh God, we'll, we'll have Francis Key Scott part two. Oh, God, that fucking ridiculous shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, I started listening after Infinity Wars and I've uh, been hooked ever since. Uh, it's gotten to the point where I cannot wait for the next p- episode to come out. I haven't found another podcast that can fill that void just yet. But Pop Culture Leftovers is pretty much perfect. Thanks to Brian, Jake, and all the guests that keep it entertaining and worthwhile. Yeah, worthwhile. Sorry. So thank you, Brickyard1493. Yeah, that was good. I like that one. All right. Yeah. Hear that, Taylor? Hear that? (laughs) (laughs) She's she is she's stewing right now. She is stewing over this, Jake. It was just so generic, right? It was like the most generic, like what you'd see like on the back of like a movie box or something. Good for her. Good for her. Maybe she didn't give a fuck that day. She, she obviously like, didn't. She was like, "I want to give. I'll give them a five star, but I'm not gonna fucking suck their dicks over this shit." Yeah, you get on. You talk. You talk about movies and games. Good for you. Good for you. What do you What do you want? Oh, Jake, you want your little personal, little intimate moment that makes you feel good about what you do? Fuck you. You talk about movies and games. You do it well. There you go. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? I've had a long fucking day. I went. I worked a fucking ten hour day, and you. And now you want me to come home and deal with this shit. I want you to at least not use an algorithm and actually, you know, write a review. <laughs> oh, man. So demanding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this one comes from forever. These iTunes reviews pile up, people, and I apologize, but we are going to get to the Avengers stuff here in a second. Uh, Frankie8230 goes on to say, thank you so much. And he gives us a five star to say I love this podcast is an understatement. It's rare. I find a cast that I love and wait for new episodes to come out. But this is one of them. Love all the guests and friends that join the discussions. And I feel like you're all friends that I can talk to about my love of these movies and these genres. As an openly gay man, I'm often stuck between being told you like those kind of movies by my gay friends and Oh, you're gay and you like these by straight people. Yes, I do. I love them. I have one friend that will watch them with me, but he's not hardcore like me. But thanks to you guys, I have a place to listen and feel like I'm part of something awesome. Keep it up. And thanks so much for what you do. Jake, we were talking earlier about this one. You said you hated it. <laughs> I, I, I was actually going to give this the coveted iTunes review of the week award. I know. I was just fucking with you. Um, <laughs> that conversation never took place. It, it's a great review. Uh, I, I also think it's great. It was actually Neil that hated this review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said no. No. <laughs> no, it, it's it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, thank you, frankly, Frankie. Um, yeah, I'm. It's kind of fucked up that people like lump him into like a, a stereotype. Can we kind of just like not have that stereotype? Like, can't these movies just be for everybody? It's not like Frankie is just sitting around watching Queer Eye for the Straight Guy all the time, which is also a great show. Okay, I mean, you know what I mean, Jake? Yeah, it is very weird. It's like you know, if this is your sexuality, then you must like these genres yeah. of movies specifically, but you're not allowed to like these genres right. of things. And yeah. just all that kind of stuff is never, I've never really understood any of it. It seems like in the last like 10, 20 years, it's gotten better. Yeah. But with social media, like 
the faults of it have, are almost more glaring. So it seems like it's just as bad. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's uh, I, I think it's uh, everybody can. It's crazy. It's crazy. We can all love this stuff. Like I, you know, I never. Uh, just because I'm a straight white male doesn't mean that, I, you know, I don't know, that I love fucking baseball or football. I, I don't watch baseball and football, you know? So Yeah, I, I'm the same way, you know? I don't, I'm not a big football sports guy. I mm-hmm. love fucking Disney musicals. I'm as hetero as they come, you know? Yeah, I don't watch hockey. You know, out of all the sports that I did watch, I watched basketball, which is pretty much dominated by African-Americans. So, you know, I mean, that was the one sport that I really kind of like gravitated as far as like watching as a spectator sport and being a fan of. So yeah, just stop it with the that's silly. But thank you, Frankie. I'm glad that we're there for you. Um, this next one comes from 1227. Can you can you spell that? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I think I pronounced it the way it's spelled. G H H J J J H H twelve twenty seven. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that shit? <laughs> it's that's some, and Jake's gonna love this one. And this is somebody that clearly doesn't fucking care. You know, twelve twenty seven. You know, it sounds like the. Uh, the orgasm face of Nick Kroll in uh, the league. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I just got vinegar strokes thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Google it, people. Google vinegar strokes. You'll get it. Um, here we go. Uh, it's titled "Opinion," five stars, and it goes on to say, "I've recently started listening to your podcast, and it truly is amazing. It makes me laugh, and I like to listen while eating. It makes everything better." Whoa, that one's kind of creepy. <laughs> like the taste of things? Uh, we, That's we, the way I took it. I take it that we are the bacon of podcasts. Mm. It makes mm. everything better. He's probably yeah, I, eating bacon as he's listening. Uh, he or she, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clear your throat there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one comes from uh, Batman. Dis- Holy shit. What? What's going on? So many reviews. <laughs> I know. One. This is the last one. Last one. Uh, it comes from Batman. Like, when you said holy shit, I was like, what, what's going on? Is everything okay? <laughs> I know. I felt bad. You got really concerned. I know. I okay. Like, what happened there? I was like, oh, he's just interrupting me to say something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the norm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, it's like like I felt like I was driving a car and you like pointed and yelled and like now I'm like, what? I was like thinking I was going to get in a wreck. You know what I mean? And you're just like, no, look over there. It's a uh, uh, they're building a new Hardee's. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I don't care. I don't give a shit. What, what, what the, I, I don't care about fucking fried onion petals. You son of a bitch. Why the fuck would I eat at Hardee's, you stupid fuck? I almost got in a wreck. I almost hit the car in front of me because you're freaking out. <laughs> that was you as I was trying to read this iTunes review, Jake. Yeah, holy, holy shit, Brian. Like, like wow. <laughs> <laughs> Pull over. <laughs> What? what? As I grip the wheel, for <laughs> a lot of uh, iTunes reviews. Yeah, uh, yeah, you made that you made that uh, abundantly clear earlier, Jake. When you when you when you yelled out, "Holy shit!" <laughs> 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 and, and next one, next, <laughs> next, 
Uh, it's, uh, it's from Batman Destroyed My Vagina. It's titled Big Fan here. It's a five star, and it goes on to say, Man, Brian, is that your face on the Facebook pop culture leftovers page? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is my favorite review. Oh, man. Actually, no, that is not. If you have gone to the Pop Culture Leftovers Facebook page, uh, when we were out drinking Friday night with uh, a bunch of the listeners at a uh, bar in Chicago for C2E2, um, Greg Alenti made that new uh, logo, which features none other than Neil, my number one on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the face that you were looking on if you go to the page right now. So um, fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> uh, well, and you've been posting a bunch of stuff lately so on yeah. Facebook. And so, so your so face keeps I, popping I up. I've seen my goddamn face <laughs> like saying all this shit. Like, what the hell is happening to me? <laughs> Neil, you're on the pulse of pop culture news. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Holy shit. Goes on to say, if so, man, I've been wanting to put a face to the voice. Man, I've been listening since 2000. 2017, maybe 2016. I don't keep up with dates, man. Uh, Jake, you're my guy, man. I forgot my. I swear to you, I am not inserting these mans. These are legit mans that I am reading here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's man central here. Um, I like you're my guy, man. Uh, Jake, you're my guy, man. <laughs> Is Matthew McConaughey doing the review? <laughs> I, I, I forgot my girl name. Quote, I'm not good with names either, but she's in New York. She did the bit about The Rock when he played in the movie where he had one leg and was jumping all around a building that's on fire. That was a funny bit. But, yeah, that's all I wanted to know was that Brian's face. I listen every Monday faithfully. I couldn't listen to the podcast today. One day I want to come on the podcast just <laughs> just to laugh at Brian and feel you guys' energy. But I... I'm done now. And he spelled it I-I-G-H-T. So that's I, correct? Yes. Right. Yes. Exactly. So thank you so much, Batman Destroyed My Vagina. That is probably <laughs> the most entertaining fucking review we've had in a while, man. Uh, I fucking love that review. I like I like the book ending with the other you know, review that obviously, you know, did all this research and this guy can't even bother to find out Rebecca's name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm not good with names. Jake, you're my guy, man. <laughs> you're my guy, man. <sighs> <sighs> That's a fucking fantastic review. Yeah, that is wonderful. 39 minutes. We haven't talked about anything, people. <laughs> not a fucking thing. Not a fucking thing. Are you guys ready to move into the Avengers? Yeah. All right. Boys. This is uh, Avengers Endgame. I like to call this Avengers Endgame spoiled question mark, question mark, question mark. Because honestly, I don't know if I'm spoiling anything here. And that's part of the fun of this. And yeah, uh, could, could just be a bunch of bullshit. Exactly. It could be a bunch of bullshit. But I took, you know, the Reddit posts that I felt like lined up with a lot of the information that I've seen in the past. And... Um, Jake, this is really the only time, like, before – I think after this, I think we're going to kind of go on radio silence with Avengers. Like, I won't be bringing any more theories or anything else into it, unless it's huge. Um, I think we're just waited out until Avengers Endgame comes out. I mean, we're so close, dude. Yeah, it makes sense. It gets to a point where it's, like, a couple weeks before, and it becomes not speculation anymore, yeah. where there's, you know – 
the, the word is out there. Yeah. Looks like tickets are going to go on sale April 2nd uh, is the, the rumored date. But, like, showtimes are already popping up on the AMC app and I think it Regal apps and things like that. So you can already see some of the showtimes popping up now. And it's saying that it's going to be available soon. Um, looks like the runtime is set at three hours and two minutes. Uh, I'm, we did get an official synopsis this week uh, that is the grave course of events set in motion by Thanos that wiped out half the universe and fractured the Avengers. Ranks, com- uh, ranks compels the remaining Avengers to take one final stand in Marvel Studios' grand conclusion to 22 films, Avengers Endgame. So the... Reddit post that I went with actually comes from TRS80 maybe is the Redditor and uh, he he or she basically breaks down all three acts of this film and uh, I'm just going to go through these Jake and we're going to kind of like talk about these different points as you want as you guys want to Um, yeah sounds great so I guys you know possible spoilers possibly not if you don't want to hear this then you know skip ahead but uh, it looks like, uh, and I might put a timestamp in this one if I'm not lazy, people. What? Uh, yeah, I'm, for this, I mean, this is kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, this is kind of a big deal. And I think, like, since we're doing this at the beginning of the show, it'll be easier for me to put a timestamp in there to calculate one. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, and we did all those iTunes reviews. That's, that's a nice gesture. Yeah. Um, act one Tony and Nebula make it back to Earth. M- Captain Marvel is there entire team heads to Thanos. This is kind of like, it's kind of like what I'm reading here. Like it's not a lot, but like, it's kind of like what we've heard. Like, you know, Captain Marvel's like, let's go find him and let's go kick his ass. Like we've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked about how possibly he's defeated in the first basically mm-hmm. act of the movie. Yeah. Um, goes on to say here, uh, he's weakened the team, especially because of Captain Marvel. They kill him. The gauntlet is broken and the stones can't undo the snap. So basically this is saying like Thanos is weak at this point. The team shows up. They find him at the garden. Apparently it doesn't necessarily say the garden, but uh, that's where we know he is. He's at a place called the garden. Um, And because of Captain Marvel and and, uh, they, they end up killing Thanos. Um, the gauntlet is broken in the battle and they find out that the stones can't undo the snap now. So, um, it goes on to say that they couldn't protect the universe. So they avenged it. Um, then it goes on to say this, and this, this is interesting. Thanos meets death. The girl, everyone thinks was cast as Ant-Man's daughter. And he's pleased with himself. So this is like, Jake, this sounds like our big Red Skull twist from like the first movie. Like if we're to believe every report that's out there, like including the MCU wiki page, then we all believe that uh, the the actor Emma Furman was cast uh, to play Cassie Lang in Avengers Endgame. Um, she's a 17-year-old actor. She was 16 when they filmed this. They're... 
it was that, that hashtag show was the first ones to report that she was actually playing Cassie Lang. So there's no proof that she actually is. The only thing that we have is like her name showing up in IMDb. There's no name attached to it as to what character she's playing. And the only other thing that we have is like back in February of 2018, there's a picture of her on her Twitter page drinking from an Avengers mug. Like that's uh, or uh, an Avengers like uh, stainless steel mug. Th- that's it. Hmm. Hmm, that's yeah. This kind of made me pause when I was reading the synopsis. Just, I mean, it's kind of the thing where it's a. I think all the fanboys want this to happen, mm-hmm. right? The final Steph conversation. Sure. So it it kind of is the only thing in the synopsis that really kind of reeks of maybe this is just a fan service. Theory. Yeah, but a lot of is them throwing this in there. Well, I, okay, uh, Neil, what do you think? Well, <clears throat> as far as casting a sixteen-year-old to play death who is Thanos's love interest. That seems like something Disney would not do at, in this day and age, just because of the grossness of that. Do they, ha- do they um, so have that- to make her a love interest in this or do, or can she just be, they've changed things in the, like they're not going to have Hank Pym be a wife beater in the MCU. Like, and that True. happened in, in the comics. So, I mean, and in the context of the movie, I don't think – hypothetically, if she's playing death, you're not going to be thinking of death as 16-year-old – 16 years old, and there's probably going to be some effects laden onto it too, I would, I would Do imagine. Do they have to make her look like she's 16, 17 years old? I mean she could – they could age her up a little bit and – yeah, or do a completely motion capture CGI thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's ways around that. You're you're right, but I don't know. It just it just seems odd. That I know, it's a would, good point. I I know what Jake's saying as far as like the you know like, and I'm not saying like this is going to happen. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, totally. But Jake's saying like, oh, this is the fanboy's wish and blah blah blah. Well, mm-hmm. the fanboy's wish also was that we'd get to see Red Skull again, and the Russo brothers made that happen. And like, this could be that Red Skull twist in this movie. Sure. And like, for here, here we go. Let me explain this. For as long as I've been doing this show, it it helps because I've we've reported so many things over the years, Jake, and like some of the things like I think fans forget. And because I do this show and I, I, I put these notes together, I retain a lot more of this information than I think some of the average fans do. And one of the things that could back this up, this big reveal, if it does happen, is a quote from Josh Brolin from San Diego Comic-Con back in 2014. This was the year, this is nearly five years ago when Josh Brolin was announced as Thanos and he came out on the stage in Hall H and he was wearing like the toy gauntlet on his, on his hand and the fans cheered him on. Well, there was a quote that he gave five years ago and he was talking about Thanos. And, and sure, things may have changed from five years ago to now, but this is something that he said when he was talking about Thanos He said, quote, his relationship with death, who is actually the woman. I love that. You can take Sin City in which and and basically uh, and pump it full of steroids. And he's talking about in Sin City. He plays a a man who's obsessed with a, a woman with a dark heart. And he's talking about you can take that character from Sin City and pump it full of steroids. And then you have Thanos, Thanos, you know, and so. He goes on to say, I like that he's motivated by that, not just motivated by destruction or death or this or that. He's motivated by a very identifiable human trait. 
So that's that's interesting that he would bring all that stuff up. Um, but it's hard to say whether that's just because he read six issues of Infinity War because he just got the role, or he's already privy to kind of the you know the plot of the two movies at this point. Sure, yeah, and I mean we kind of saw this like we thought that this would gone by the wayside after we saw you know him show up in Infinity War and we you know and and um, there was no sign of death. See, that's the thing. It's like it felt like that first movie is his movie. Um, I don't know. It, I almost hope they don't have death, though, at this point, right? Because it, it kind of feels cheap. Like, it hasn't been established as a main motivator yet. So it feels kind of late in the game to establish it as one now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah not, he had his yeah. reasons for doing things prior to winning Death's Heart in the last movie. And he was so upfront about it. Why wouldn't he have been upfront about, oh, I'm, I'm in love with the personification of death. Yeah. And, yeah and I, but on the flip side, it's not like they have to establish a relationship like I was saying with these characters. They can change this up a little bit to where like Thanos is kind of like he's dead at this point and uh, death is now giving him the opportunity to see kind of like you know, what's going to be played out here because of his actions. I, I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. I'm not saying mm-hmm. this, is, I'm not saying any of this is going to happen, guys. I'm just, no, I, no, yeah, no, yeah. I know you're not. I'm just kind of talking it out in sure. my head. But yeah, I, I do. I think his motivations of why, you know, he did the snap are even more scary than kind of what Infinity War, you know, put out there. So if we're going to do death, maybe this is where we see how and why Thanos falls in love with her in the first place, mm-hmm. rather than it being the motivation for, you know, the big deed he did, maybe this is where the love attraction between the two actually begins in the MCU instead. Because he gets killed by the Avengers and meets her for the first time. That'd be interesting. Correct. The relationship starts here rather than being the motivator okay. for the genocide. Yeah. That yeah. would be interesting. Yeah. Um, act two. So now we've moved on to act two. That was act one. Um a few years later, Ant-Man Returns explains quantum stuff. I think that would be wild to watch this movie at the beginning. And, like, don't you think that that's a, that would be a crazy twist going into this movie, Jake? And then uh, Neil and, like, we're watching this movie. And at the beginning of the movie, they kill Thanos. But, like, that's not the end of the movie. Like, nothing's changed. <laughs> They've avenged the Earth. They've avenged, like, the person that, like, you know, decimated them. But mm-hmm. it doesn't change anything. And the gauntlet's kind of, like, destroyed. They So they – it's. So they it, they can't fix everything. Like the stones are still there, but the gauntlets destroyed. They just don't have. They can't restore everything. Yeah, I like I like that plot twist a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. it explains kind of the a little bit of the dark, you know, foreboding depression that the characters have. I mean, it's they avenged, just like you said, Brian. Yeah. But yet still, things aren't great. It's like how we we won the battle, but why are we even more miserable than before? Well, yeah, still yeah. lost the war. Exactly. Peter Parker's still dead. You know, you know, all these characters are still dead. They've all been. They're still dust, and people are still, you know, having to live with this. Um, act two. Now, where they where, where do they go from there? Is yeah. the question. Yeah, yeah. And, and it makes sense that this twist would happen too, because when you know when you describe the synopsis of this movie, you described it as you know kind of the cap to twenty one previous movies. So, and when you kind of think about how story beats have to work, you do kind of have to move past Thanos kind of quickly because you know the meat of the story is obviously going to be the relationships that all these characters have bonded with each other in right. all the previous movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Act two, like I said, a few years later, Ant-Man Returns explains quantum stuff. So here we go into act two and like we've got Ant-Man. We've seen this in the trailer. He's talking about, you know, the quantum realm. And then this is where Tony builds 
out quantum suits, teams split off to recharge the stones at various points in time. Um, rest of the act. So that's I've always kind of felt like this movie would be kind of like the first movie was like, you know, they the Russos explained it as a heist movie where Thanos was collecting all the stones. And I felt like this next movie would be kind of like the Avengers going through different points within MCU history and getting the stones back, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's just the perfect way to cap off the whole thing by kind of doing that greatest hits time travel stuff. Well, this is basically saying like they have the stones, but they have to go back into various points in time to recharge the stones, to power the stones. So the rest of the act is interaction between present past selves and teams powering the stones. Uh, It goes on to say Thanos has been watching the entire time. Now concerned they could undo his plan. He begs death to let him preserve his work. Hmm. All right. So yeah, death is definitely, you know, they're, painting death as a pretty main player in this story and more than just like an Easter egg moment with Thanos. Right. And that would be interesting to really delve into that as a character as, as, because we've already established that Thanos is such a big threat. Why not have something that's completely outside of our realm of understanding and, and make that the bigger threat. Mm -hmm. So it looks like uh, she does resurrect Thanos. I'm guys, I'm going to get emails. I'm going to get people sending me shit. <laughs> I am not saying this is going to happen. So you don't need to, you don't need to dispute me on this guys. I'm just, I thought that this was like the most interesting, um, and possibly one of the ones that might come true. And I've also, I've, I've got another one that I, that I'm going to go over here in a moment, which has nothing to do with death. So, so just get your little fucking greasy fingers off your keyboards. Um, it's just fun discussion. It's you know, fun discussion. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the only time and we're going to get to have exercises. Exactly. It's the only time we're going to get to have this because like in literally like three weeks, uh, three or four we're weeks. We have the answers. Yeah, we're going to have all the answers. So uh, act three. We're in act three now. Thanos and the Outriders attack Avengers headquarters to prevent the new gauntlet from being used. So um, – yeah, Thanos and the Outriders attack Avengers headquarters. Uh, Jake, this is yeah, this is like we've kind of like seen seen this. Um, you know, yeah, this, a lot of the toys have supported this. The Lego sets. Yeah, the, there's the the Lego set that uh, trailer too. Yeah. Um, well, the trailer shows them at Avengers headquarters, but it doesn't show the uh, actually who's attacking them i'm gonna get to i'm gonna get to that later can't you see one of the outriders in the flames that's uh, that's what i was that's what i was going to talk about later okay cool go sorry um number you're number two now i'm fucking with you cap Cap, tony and hulk quantum away to wakanda battle using the new gauntlet only to miss and end up on xandar after thanos's battle there so the new gauntlet, I've heard rumors, and I don't know if this is true or not, and I don't think that it is. I, I've heard rumors that they take the destroyed Mjolnir. Somehow the remnants of Mjolnir that got destroyed by Hela in the events of Ragnarok, they have Mjolnir, the, the leftover Uru metal, and they probably take it to Eitri, and Eitri turns it into a, into a gauntlet. Yeah, I don't buy that either. It seems too much like a rerun. Yeah, like Norway and pick up the little pieces that have been shattered. 
It it doesn't make sense. Like in that moment when she destroys it, like we, I mean, I thought, you know, that I thought Asgard was like destroyed. And so, you know, like, I don't know who, like what janitor on Asgard went around and swept up the (laughs) remnants. of. Well, they're in Norway when she destroys it. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're right. I was there on a cliff top in Norway. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's still kind of ludicrous, though. It's it seems like ridiculous. a lot of needless exposition. We're doing the same building of an artifact scene that we did in the last movie. Yeah, but, like, remember, hold on. <laughs> they hold build, on. like, a super metal detector or something to go, like, sweep up the fucking grass. Well, hold on, the- hold on. It's, uh, here, let, me, let, me, let me explain this. In the trailer, in the first – is it the first trailer? Yeah, um, we see, like, Thor and Rocket on a planet that could be Earth – and you know, rockets entering into that that hut. No, the hut. Yeah, that could be Odin's hut, where Odin was living. And maybe they are back on Earth to find like the. You know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you know, I'm just saying like. Yeah. 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 The more I'm thinking about it, the more plausible it seems actually, because uh, you know they would love to sell another Infinity Gauntlet replica that yeah. looks just a little bit different. Well, it'll be silver this time, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. and here's here's the thing, like if 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 they if the gauntlet is damaged, which we saw the gauntlet at the end of Infinity War, it did look damaged. The stones were intact, but the gauntlet itself did look damaged. If which would lead me to believe that they would need a new gauntlet and they would need a metal. Hold on. They would need a metal that is strong enough to hold the stones. And so Thor's basically at this point saying like, well, I know where we can get the metal. It, it, you know, my, my, you know, the Uru metal from, from Mjolnir. Yeah, I do buy that. that. That's a good theory. Like, they made a big deal like you need the gauntlet to harness the power of the stones, especially yeah. if you're going to do something as massive as restore time to what it was before the Thanos snap. They're right. not just going to be able to each hold a fucking stone and make that happen. Yeah, they're going to need some kind of harness. The original harness was destroyed. I just I guess I don't like thinking about it <laughs> being made from like it's just the how part of it. I don't like Jake the doesn't like Jake doesn't this. like. Jake doesn't like metal being recycled. Is that what you're trying to say? You're against recycling? <laughs> yes. <laughs> against recycling. <laughs> and the whole thing seems silly. Like, why? if it's such an important thing, why has it just been laying there the whole time? Has someone already collected it? Is well, Odin already it's sitting not, on the stuff? Yeah, I don't know. It's it, like after it's been destroyed, it's not like what – I'm – I don't know, like, uh, I'd have to go back and watch Ragnarok, but there, there definitely is no scene of, like, you know, Thor, like, you know what I mean? There's no picking scene up the of yeah. picking up the pieces. But I can't imagine that they would just be s- <laughs> sitting on that hillside for five years. I don't know. Just imagine you were, like, a dirt devil, like, like, like sucking up all the pieces. <laughs> I was thinking, like... I was thinking like episode seven, where just all the scavengers show up off camera and just grab all the pieces. Well, yeah, we get we get a, our plus selling that shit now. We get a scene of like how many portions do they get? We get a scene of Rocket Raccoon like emptying a dust buster with the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just can't imagine that. Like I'm not saying this is going to happen. I, I know I keep saying that, but I, I think it's <laughs> it's the discussion that's fun and um, trying to. No, I, it's the discussion that's fun and trying to find ways of making this work as crazy as it seems. I'm just saying, like, I can't imagine that any of this is going to be easy for the Avengers. I think that the Russos are going to try to make this seem very hard and very impossible for the Avengers to 
because we, you know, there's different ways like we can think about, oh, they're just going to go through the quantum realm and go back in time and do this and do that. And it's like jargon, jargon, jargon. Yeah, exactly. Time travel. (laughs) Time travel fixes everything. You know, it's like it's, it's, you know, I just got to go back in the past and make my mom and dad fall in love. And then Marty McFly gets to live. And my brother and my sister don't disappear in that picture where my brother works at McDonald's. Like, you know, and now he's going to work as a businessman. But, you know. I just yeah I, I'm sorry if I spoiled Back to the Future and like in the with the, the worst description of the movie ever. Fuck! I was just getting ready to watch that tomorrow. <laughs> but, but you know you've completely convinced me on the on the why of it though honestly like I I'm almost convinced now that they have to have a harness. They but have the, to the, the how I'm very skeptical on. And well, I, they I still have. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I would, I think that everybody wants to see Etri again. I really do. I think, like, that was, like, a huge moment. Guys, we're getting a three-hour and two-minute movie here. I think that they can find ten minutes to throw in Peter Dinklage again, right? Oh, fuck yeah. And if, and if, yeah. if they're going to go around recharging these stones, possibly, in different uh, points of the MCU, which I think is going to happen, that they're, they're going to the past for certain reasons, whether it's to just get new st- get those stones from that point in time or to recharge their old stones that they've got now after killing Thanos. I think that because we've seen the leaks, uh, leaked pictures uh, from the New York battle um, and three hours and two minutes, I think they, they can spare ten, five to ten minutes to, to give us Peter Dinklage, who I think was a standout. Uh, in the limited time that we saw him when they went to Nidalevere, Nidalevere, uh, and, and uh, you know, the, uh, Thor p- uh, harnessed the power of a fucking star and all this shit. And, and that was an awesome scene, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was good. Yeah. But, but does, I remember when, because I just recently rewatched Ragnarok, uh, that when he made Stormbreaker, he had a, like a whole bunch of Uru bricks. Like there, so what? Wouldn't they just be able to go there and have him make another glove out of what's already there? Yeah, there's something. There, but the thing is, the the um, and I don't know if this have anything to do with it, but like the Uru metal that's that um, that they used for uh, Mjolnir is enchanted by magic, mm-hmm. and so I don't know if like you know I don't know if Hela when she destroyed it she broke that magic or. You know, I don't even. Uh, Thor might just like throw out some Asgardian, you, you know, right. jargon. Like, you know, we need uh, the, you know, I, I, like we need the, the Uru metal, t- blah 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 blah. I don't know. Because I mean, Stormbreaker is ostensibly more powerful than Mjolnir ever was because it can summon the Bifrost. Right. Yeah. So, but it's and it can harness his power. But I get is it the worthiness maybe that there's a that, that's why they would need the the remnants of the hammer. I don't know. And I've also heard the rumor that, like, there's a moment where he gets the hammer back, like, in this one, because they go back into the mm. past and, like, you know, they get Mjolnir, he gets the hammer back, possibly. So. That seems like that would be a moment played for comedy more than an actual fact, in my opinion, where he would consider just taking the old one from the past, but I don't think he'd actually. Go oh, that'd be that. great to see a, a scene of Thor dual wielding Stormbreaker and Mjolnir. <laughs> well, I'm I'm wanting this. I'm, so I'm wanting to see them go back into the past, and I I want to see Cap use it. I mean, they've already teased oh, it in amazing. Avengers: Age of Ultron, where Cap wiggled the, and he did jiggle it, man. Like I I think that he I knew. Agree. I think he knew he could lift it because he is worthy. He's Cap, and he's done he's it. In a the, good guy, and he's done it in the comics. Like I think that quite a few people have like picked it up in the comics. 
Uh, God, why, the, yeah. why the fuck did Whedon make Vision pick it up? That's bullshit. Uh. <laughs> that still pisses me off. <laughs> um, but I, I think the explanation is that he's not human or some bullshit like yeah, that. Yeah, it's 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 about worthiness, and it's like if that, like so you're saying like Skynet could pick it up? Like I don't know, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> um, it's Vision, the good AI. Yeah, the good AI. <laughs> exactly. I, I just I wasn't a fan of that. Um, let's see here. Let me let's get back on track here. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fun. It's a fun discussion. Uh, the Gauntlet isn't strong enough to beat Thanos. So we're back at the Thanos and Outriders attack on Avengers headquarters. The gauntlet isn't strong enough to beat Thanos. Big fight between those three, which is Cap, Tony, and Hulk, until it's Cap versus Thanos. Cap is able to use the gauntlet one last time, and he finally says, Avengers assemble, bringing everyone to face him. That's the huge fight scene. In real time, Thanos as at Wakanda, Thanos at Wakanda sees the stones weakening from his gauntlet because in this timeline, he's defeated. Thanos is killed at Wakanda. Cap, this is confusing. How many Thanoses are there? Uh, Thanos is killed at Wakanda. Cap sacrifices himself. And now the snap never happened, so the events of the movie basically never happened. Doctor Strange does some hand-wavy saying the loop is uh, now closed for the 14th millionth time, and we won. That's interesting. Hey, um, I, it made me think about the whole, I'm back to the, maybe that's how Cap dies, is he harnesses the power of the gems without any kind of thing holding them to defeat Thanos. Yeah, and that's yeah. what kills him and sacrifices him. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's the whole thing, is they don't have a, gauntlet or any kind of thing to put the gems in and caps just like fuck it and grabs them all and does it right you know with his own body dude if 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 he fucking like is holding those stones and he's harnessing the power i just want to hear you got the touch (laughs) (laughs) you got the power and then like the stones like you see like yeah you know and then he does like a he does he does the uh, optimus prime flip in the air no i'm kidding um but it's this is making it sound like cap dies so yeah i agree and i've kind of been on that train for a while now and if that is the way he dies it's it's an easy way to bring him back in five to ten years to be honest with you yeah yeah sounds like body means no death Sounds like we do. It sounds like we do go back to Xandar in this movie. Like so. Like, are we are we to believe like uh, Xandar? You know, when uh, Thanos was destroying it. So is that like what we see in uh, in the trailers where Nebula's yelling and you got all these? You know, you got that destruction and Cap is like tightening his shield. Is that what we're seeing here? Is that battle on Xandar? That could be interesting. I still rebel against that thought, though, just because I feel like they are going to do that Nova movie, and that is material that you would think they'd want to save for that. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Could the Nova Corp show up in the film? This was a question that was asked to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy actor Peter Serenefowitz. Um, Screen Rant talked to him, and um, they, they asked him, they go, you are also a character within the MCU. Will they make an appearance in Avengers Endgame talking about the Nova Corps? And, and he said, which character? And they said, your character, Garth and Saul of the Nova Corps from the Guardians of the Galaxy branch of the MCU family tree. Will they make an appearance in Avengers Endgame? And he replied, I can't say. I can neither confirm nor deny. So I don't know if he's 
just trolling them or not, but like, I don't know. We, if, if this movie does take us to Xandar at all, we might see, like if they time travel to Xandar and it's during that, you know, when, when Xandar's decimation, when Thanos is battling them for the power stone, we might see the Nova Corps here. We might see his character. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. It's a lot. He, it's possible. I mean, we could see, you know, both things don't have to happen in the Nova movie. We could easily see the destruction of Xandar here. And then the Nova movie takes place after that. And it's yeah, just not, used as a prelude to what happened. Yes. And no, I mean, if Jake, if the events of Endgame and infinity war, if time is reset, that would never have happened. So there's no destruction of Xandar. Xandar is just restored. Like if they set everything right within the timeline and Peter Parker comes back and like we've kind of speculated this because we've seen like the far from home trailers and it doesn't look like, you know, like we've seen in the trailer, like they're talking about, oh, like they're talking about Iron Man. They talk about didn't they talk about? No, they talked about Thor. And it doesn't look like Peter is upset. Yeah, they they talk. uh, The one character, the one kid says. Oh, uh, talking about Mysterio. Oh, he looks like a mixture between Iron Man and Thor. And, like, Peter doesn't, like, put his head down and, like, start crying or something. Like, oh, my God, I miss my mentor. Like, he just kind of, like, (laughs) laughs, you know? You'd think, like, if he was still, like, reeling from the death of Tony Stark, like, that comment might bother him. You know, his mentor died. Yeah, it'd be, like, a too soon joke. Yes, exactly. And, like... So if the events of – because I've always thought like it would be so cool, just like you, where like the Nova movie starts off with the decimation of like we finally get to see that battle. Like Thanos going up against the Nova Corps and we get to see the insanity that happens there when he shows up with, you know – uh, the children of Thanos and, you know, Cor- Corvus Glaive and Obsidian uh, Maw and all these characters show up approximately midnight and they're just destroying shit. And, like, that's our origin story for, like, you know, Richard Ryder or, or Sam Alexander, wh- whichever Nova you prefer uh, or whichever Nova they give us. Um, I-, I always thought that that would be cool. But if everything's restored in the timeline, that never would have happened. No, I, I, yeah. I, I keep thinking about that. It would have happened because even though we're restoring the timeline, we're restoring it right there at Wakanda, right? We're altering what happened at the Wakanda battle. So all the previous stuff did happen, correct? I, it, it, it all it's did. just all the iterations afterwards didn't happen, and we're on a single one-line timeline again. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, that that's the question. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna believe like this supposed leak, then yes. But it, it makes no sense to have the the Xandar stuff involved because this thing that you're reading, the synopsis now describes you know more Xandar stuff that is yes going to get just wiped away by the reverting of defeating Thanos by the end of this. So it's like, what's the point of even showing that Xandar stuff at that point? Mm. Cause then if you're going to show it, it's like, you're showing the same thing again, but this time it's not getting time reverted in a Nova movie. Like that just makes no sense to me. Yeah. I'm just saying like, you don't have to have that. Whatever happened to Thanos be like the catalyst for a Nova movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I just feel like you can have, you know, your cake and eat it here. Like both, you can easily still have the Nova movie showing the Thanos destruction, and just because they fix the time loop doesn't—it's not like they don't remember who Thanos is anymore. 
right? Yeah, it's no, and I don't, I don't, yeah, and I don't think that they're going to go back too far because I, Heimdall's not coming back. Like that contract ended with uh, Idris Elba. He is now Deadshot in you know DC. Like he's not coming back to play Heimdall, so they're not bringing him back, right? So. Um, yeah, it's the snap. They they go right back to before the snap, and the snap didn't happen. So everything before the snap, everyone still remembers, is the way I take it, is how this is going to play out. Well, yeah. I, I, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I would say yes. Yeah, and, and so in that case, we can still have that Nova scene that we want. Yeah. As yeah. long as they don't do more weird shit with Xandar in this movie that is going to get time erased by them defeating Thanos. Sure. Makes sense. If we see a lot of Xandar stuff in this movie, it scares me to think that we're a long way off, if ever, from getting a Nova movie because we're blowing it on stuff that's just going to get erased in time. I Yeah. I, the more I think about it, like I was going back way too far and thinking like they're going to – because there is a lot of time travel in this and there are a lot of things that are changing here. So I was – I'm thinking. I was under the same confusion. You, it, they're gonna forget a lot of stuff, but most of Infinity War is still gonna stand. Let me say. Let me say this. Instead of all, maybe with them going back in the past now to Xandar, possibly maybe all of Xandar is not decimated, and some of it kind of survives this whole thing. That way, it does set up like they've altered the timeline in some way, so that now you can have that story as far as like you know. Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool idea. You know, I'd be perfectly fine with seeing the destruction in one of these Avengers movies. And even so far as seeing, you know, Nova fucking crash landing on Earth in a post credit scene and then picking up in a Nova movie. I wouldn't be against setting it up that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if we're to believe... If they're going to go with Sam Alexander, like that story's already been in motion. So like the kid, Sam Alexander, the kid, no, kid Nova already lives on Earth, you know, and okay. he just gets his father's helmet, you know, um, in the comics, it was delivered to him by Rocket and, um, and Gamora. Like they gave him the helmet and they kind of trained him and everything. So, but we'll see. I mean, they change everything up in the, in the movies anyway. Yeah, you could see them keeping like 80% of that, right? Maybe just the helmet itself is what lands on Earth and Sam mm-hmm. finds it. Yeah. Um, here are the, post, uh, the, the poster from 4chan. Um, here's his notes. Um, and if this is a dummy script, like some of this could be real and some of it could be fake. So keep that in mind. Hell, all of it could be fake. Uh, anyway, it goes on to say, Iron Man reassembles the Avengers and decides to build his own Infinity Gauntlet to undo everything that Thanos did. They recruit Ant-Man to help them travel through time and space using the quantum realm to retrieve the Infinity Stones from different time periods. Thanos finds out about their plans and becomes hellbent on stopping them. This has nothing to do with Thanos dying, either. Uh, the movie revolves around the relationship between Captain America and Iron Man. And that, this actually lines up with like the quotes from the Russo brothers talking about how the tone of this movie is different from infinity war where it like infinity war was like from the point of view kind of like through thanos we were watching his movie and uh, because it ended on him you know looking out at the garden and kind of like smiling at everything that he had done the movie starts with him the movie ends with him it bookends with thanos it's thanos pretty sure he might get the most screen time of any character in the movie too honestly right exactly this movie this 
poster is saying that this movie focuses on the relationship between Captain America and Iron Man. That lines up with what Joe and Anthony Russo have been saying about this movie and the tone of this movie that it, and I will read their quote later, but um, you know, them saying like, this is this, it's got a different tone to it than the first movie. They didn't want to spoil too much. Um, and that would make sense that we are going to like, you know, if one of these characters is going to die or, or both of them that we're going to want to watch it from their point of view and like how they're going to try to put everything back together. Um, this poster goes on to say at one point, Captain America and Thor fight Thanos uh, timeline alterations have restored Mjolnir, and Cap wields it against Thanos to allow the others to escape and is killed holding Thanos off. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, like that. that would be, I would definitely be cheering if that kind of crazy shit was happening, right? Yeah, uh, Cap you, uh, wielding Mjolnir. Yeah, how does Cap die in that scenario, though? Uh, he is, um, everybody else is escaping. Kind of like uh, he's sacrificing himself so everybody can get away. Mm. It's more of an absolute death, yeah, I imagine, in that scenario, where a more physical, like visceral death, where Thanos is like killing Captain America. You know, uh, at one point, but, ho- go ahead. I was going to say it's very less mystical in this scenario. At one point, Hawkeye must protect the unfinished Stark Gauntlet from Thanos's minions. He plays an instrumental role in Thanos's defeat. Uh, Thor's subplot centers on him assembling an army to challenge Thanos. Captain Marvel joins him. Um, Hulk's subplot centers on Banner and Hulk finally merging to become Professor Hulk. He is the one that ultimately wields the Stark Gauntlet against Thanos, losing his arm in the process. Like, in every... Has somebody? Well, hold on. Here, here, no, here's the. No, listen, listen, listen. Has in every one of these movies somebody's lost an arm? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I uh, Hulk. I mean, are we gonna have? Are we gonna have a Hulk with Hulk like with a, a big robot arm? Well, that's the thing. Like when he goes back to Banner, it's gonna be. I mean, it's, unless they use some kind of like Ant Man technology, that that thing's gonna either stay big or stay small. So it's, <laughs> he's either that's hilarious Hulk with a tiny arm. Yeah, like Hulk with a tiny arm, or Bruce Banner like dragging this gigantic Hulk arm around. <laughs> Can we get Michael Cannon on that? <laughs> there's your Michael Cannon. There's your Michael Cannon mashup. Uh, both. I want I both. Want Banner dragging the giant Hulk arm. I want both. Yeah, tiny arm. I want. Yeah, I want fucking uh, T T Rex tiny arm Hulk uh, banner or Hulk. Yeah, yeah. He's like trying to eat an apple or something. Yeah, just can't do it. Uh, Let's see here. Nebula's subplot centers on her efforts to redeem herself. Uh, At one point, she fights her murderous past self. Um, That's cool. I like that. That's, I'll say something that that's about dope. Nebula that I've never stopped thinking about. Uh-huh. It, it's such a crucial moment in the Infinity War story, and the Russos seem to love their little Easter eggs. Like much like putting death in there at some point, it seems like they're really going to focus. Like Nebula is going to play a big part on getting the glove somehow because that's the clinch moment in the comic, right? It's not going to go down the same. Yeah, but. They're gonna nod to it, right? They feel like they have to. They have to. Well, they're gonna, uh, something uh, something big is gonna happen with Nebula in this movie because of her relationship with Thanos. That something is going to happen, and I I hope that Nebula is in one way responsible because this guy has been ripping 
limbs off of her for years and replacing her with robotic parts because she's never lived up to what he's wanted from her. And it's a it's a sick and twisted uh, daddy daughter relationship going on here. Sick and twisted. And I mean, and so I, I do hope she plays a very instrumental role in taking down Thanos. I, as far as like what role she's going to play in this movie, I, I'm not sure. But yeah, in the comics, big time. But we'll see what happens here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's going to go down page for page. I never do, but I, I just feel like yeah. there's going to be a little bit of acknowledgement. Well, I mean, kind of. First off, we, we're not getting Adam Warlock in this movie at all. So yeah, no. I mean, that's we, it, not happening until Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is when we get Warlock. So yeah, and I think Infinity they're going to. Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> in Infinity War, they did the the little scene with uh, Drax and um, Mantis getting the reality stone things done to them when they're at nowhere, which is a direct from the pages of the comic, but it, yeah, you know, it was just like a nod to that. Actually, that would have happened in the book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But th- this, is, this, this is even bigger than that though. This is like nebula, you know, this mm-hmm. is, yeah. And we're never going to get like an infinity watch, like in the comics. So we're going to skip all that and go straight to the kind of, Illuminati principle where, you know, different heroes are going to get different gems, I think, is more of the aftermath here. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, This goes on to say um, uh, several MCU movies are revisited and retconned, probably not permanently, such as the Avengers retrieving the Power Stone, uh, creating a timeline where the Guardians of the Galaxy never came together. Uh, there's a pivotal scene between Dr. Strange and a fully CGI character being shot on a secret location with a skeleton crew and which takes up a sizable portion of the budget. Um, goes on to say that cap captain America dies. Um, the title was Avengers infinity gauntlet at one point, but it might be changed after Zoe Saldana accidentally leaked it. Oh, that was, uh, that's old. That's old news there. But that was the, that was from the 4chan guy. There's no fucking way that was ever the title. No, 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 right? no. Hold on. Excuse me, Jake. That, this is from the. F- excuse me. This is from the 4chan guy that posted stuff back in 2017. Back in 2017. So this was stuff that was kind of like that was correct. And he was talking about, I believe, the first. Yeah, I, I remember not buying that title back then. <laughs> it just, it just sounds so clunky. Maybe that was just the working title that they had going on at the time. I I, I don't know how to explain that. And and this again, like this just might be bullshit. So um, here's some other details from a leak that I read that could or could not be true. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Looks the Avengers use a proton cannon against Thanos in a final battle. Um, I don't know what I wanted to read some of this stuff, but um, not that. <sighs> some of that 4chan stuff, though, I mean, it does seem like there's a lot of weight to it. Like, definitely the Hulk stuff out of all the 4chan stuff is the stuff that I really think holds a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, let's see. First half of the movie is the remaining Avengers and newcomers reuniting to discuss the situation at hand and to come up with a plan. Ant-Man's rants on the quantum realm and the quantum energy and how he wasn't affected by the snap because of the laws of quantum physics. He also tells them he ran into a guy in the quantum realm who helped him get home to the right time, that guy being Dr. Strange. That doesn't make sense to me why Dr. Strange 
Um, maybe because Doctor Strange has been in the quantum realm before, but there's no he doesn't have that quantum um, uh, that quantum connection. Uh, uh, Scott has the quantum kind of like that quantum bonding with Janet Van Dyne, if anyone. Right. Maybe he left. Maybe his astral form left like a residue or something Possibly. when he traveled through it. Yeah, because the laws don't apply. Like the laws of space and time in our world don't apply in the quantum realm. And that you can go to the MCU uh, wiki page uh, and look up quantum realm, and it, it will tell you that. Um, so, and, and we saw in Ant Man and the Wasp how Scott was able to communicate. And Janet was able to communicate through Scott. So I was thinking, like, if anybody was able to help Scott get out of the quantum realm, it would still be Janet. Janet would be able to possibly, even though she's, you know, in the soul stone or wherever she is in the soul world or whatever, she might be able to kind of like navigate Scott out of there. Um, That was one possibility. The other possibility, of course, is uh, Captain Marvel powering, um, you know, since Captain Marvel was powered by the Space Stone, uh, Captain Marvel would power the the quantum uh, the quantum device that that Scott has in the van and be able to get him to where he, get the Avengers where they need to be in time. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard saying. I, I think how Ant Man gets the fuck out of the quantum realm is definitely one of the most loosey goosey. I'm not quite sure we've Ta- heard the correct theory yet. Thanks. Time vortexes. I mean, sorry, my cat. God damn it. He, he come here, come here, buddy. I love you too, buddy. Um, but um, time vortexes make sense to me. There's so many different ways. There, there, there are different ways though. Like the time vortexes that Janet brings up. Um, which maybe he goes into the wrong one, and that's where he ends up in the 70s. We've heard that rumor. Uh, maybe, you know, we know Wong has access to the quantum realm through use of a sling ring. Um, maybe, maybe Wong? I don't know. Uh, and we know Wong's or, in this movie. So, Or, again, if the, if the laws of time and space don't matter, that maybe when... Uh, Scott is in the quantum realm. Doctor Strange can just show up when he's traveling through there from his movie. And he's just existing in the quantum realm at all times and all spaces. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I kind of thought that too earlier, Neil, where it's just something he did while during the stuff we already saw in the last movie and when he was yeah. just looking at everything. Yeah. He also happened to look in the quantum realm and kind of push ant-man along his way he, he saw scott and and kind of helped guide him by yeah but like we know that scott at that time like we saw him at the end of the movie and like where he was when the snap happened and the snap like he when the snap it, happened he's in the quantum realm can at that point can dr strange post snap Oh, but if he if there's no time and space that matter in the quantum realm, yeah. then it, it, it wouldn't matter when where Scott was when the snap happened, yeah. or where Doctor Strange was because he's already like they're in there. That's and true. It just it's, it's all existing at one point. That's true. Yeah, there is no past, present, present, and future. Even though logistically, it, it's you know we know where Ant Man is when the snap happens. It, right. That kind of ceases to matter once Doctor Strange is searching all future possible yeah and and Mm -hmm. and when the quantum realms involved like you know uh, 
Yeah. And he it's still like had access. And he still had access. Now, time stone wouldn't matter because um, it doesn't apply in the, right. in the quantum. Realm. Just yeah. So we might just have like a uh, we might have Doctor Strange show up and and uh, in, in one form or another in the quantum realm and help him and guide him out of there. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't so. mind that. That'd be yeah. interesting, at least to as a metaphysical kind of explanation for things, just to explore. Back to the first poster, um, the the guy that broke down the different acts. He also, Jake, I, I showed you that post earlier, but I didn't show you uh, the post credit scenes. And I know you don't give a shit, but I'm going to read <laughs> the post credit scenes that he wrote down here. Um, and you're going to absolutely hate the last one. But I, um, <laughs> I'm excited. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I. It's 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 how can you hate Christmas anyway? Um, <laughs> Shit, I, become really, a Jew. I, I don't know. It. You watch too many. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Iron Man three. Uh, fuck. What's the director? Uh, Shane Black. Kiss, Shane Black. Watch too many Shane Black movies. That's how I hate Christmas. Yeah, it was a long journey to that joke that didn't land. Yes. Uh, I know, I was muting and taking a drink, and I, I was like, oh, man, Neil's yeah. dying. Neil's, <laughs> Neil's jokes are like a helicarrier in an Avengers film. They just fucking <laughs> fall out of the sky, crash and burn. <laughs> you need a special fucking gauntlet just to handle yeah. his jokes. Yeah. <laughs> no shit, God. <laughs> oh, man. I've only, got four, I've only got four stones. I can't. This joke isn't working. Um, <laughs> it's tearing the universe apart. I wish I could snap my fingers and have that joke decimate. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> let's see here. Uh, mid credit scene number one uh, is uh, Tony at the Captain America Memorial after after Cap di- uh, died, and he says, "You were right." And then he walks away with Pepper and their baby. Um, then the mid credit scene number two, which is class like. Most of our second mid credit scene or post credit scenes if, if have been kind of like the humorous one, like the, the Ant Man one. It was you know the Ant uh, the Ant Man and the Wasp one. It was the Ant playing the dr- uh, drums. Uh, this is the mid credit scene. It's uh, Hawkeye and his wife uh, drop their kids off at Peter Parker's apartment. Uh, Peter is babysitting them, and the um, and the Hawkeye and his wife finally have a night out together on the town. Uh, they come back, and the kids are sleeping, webbed up on the wall, and Peter is absolutely exhausted and says, I can explain. And so that's kind of like the jokey mid credit scene. And then we've got the end credit scene here, which is a man walking down the street. We never see anything other than his side and his arm. Two guys try to confront him. They want his wallet. They pull a gun. His claws come out, and the screen goes to black. So we're led to believe, like, this is a Wolverine. Um, this is something that we could they, they could put in there now because the deal is done with. And that shawarma scene was basically kind of, like, thrown together in a week. Like, this is something that they could throw together, you know, definitely within a month. And uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I guess, like, I have no problem with like getting a Wolverine tease. I want, I want to see what Feige does, like, with the X Men and with Wolverine. I, I, I would not be upset by this at all. But I would rather have, for me, if they're going to do something, like, with the Fox property, I would have rather have seen 
like a villain. And and what I mean by that is like now that Thanos is gone, that you know we believe that Thanos is gone after the end of this movie. Like I I, I would see this as like a chance for other villains to like make some noise here and and come out of the woodwork. Like oh the big bad's gone. Now it's it's our time, you know, and I would love to have seen like a scene with like, you know, Kang or Galactus or Dr. Doom or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Much like Avengers one introduced Thanos, you know, fifteen movies before it mattered. This this seems like the perfect spot to introduce the next villain that's going to matter a dozen movies down the line. Exactly. I I, I would have Mm -hmm. loved to seen like just like a like a green cape and a, a green hooded cape you know uh and then like maybe like dr doom's like uh you know iron fist i mean hell i would have been happy i would have been dude if we would have seen all three would have been cool would have been cool with me i would have i would not have been pissed off if we would have seen kang galactus dr doom throwing i mean all these villains coming out of the woodwork because thanos is gone right i mean it that that's cool but um, I don't know. I mean, this could all be bullshit um, as far as like the whole Wolverine uh, post credit scene. So we'll see. Oof, yeah, you were right about that, man. I fucking got nauseous and like vomited in my mouth. Oh, come that. on. Give me a I really, break. Was, I really was buying the first two. I'm not to be jokey, but I mean, I thought the first two sounded like just like not too ridiculous enough that it sounded real legit. Like the Peter Parker, Hawkeye babysitting stuff. Man. Like that really does sound like a legit fucking mid credit scene, you know? And I'm not going to be upset it, if we get claws i'm come on i I mean it's the classic way it's you know why introduce it in the movie why not just have it at the end of fucking 15 minutes of credits (laughs) it's fucking oh man and wolverine too i hope not i I, god damn it i I, I don't understand you fans that want to shelve they finally got these characters back and you guys want to just shelve them because of like we've had these characters in the singer verse for so long and we finally just got a great like logan movie and i mean and and uh i don't understand now we get we, we get the chance with like feige to to finally work with these characters and like wanting to shelve them i that just it just doesn't make sense to me he's got feige's got all the toys to play with and yeah i want to see what he does with them so i mean i I see what, what uh, both both sides of you guys what you're saying. Um, I personally would like to see the X-Men introduced without Wolverine first for like a movie and then have him come in as the wild card in like the, or the post credits of that movie or, or the second movie. Uh, so you establish the team dynamic like how it was originally established in the comics. Yeah. And then then bring Wolverine in later, uh, but not have him as the lead of the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. Please no. Yeah, I co-sign what Neil's saying. I, I just, I want to see the X Men front and for, you know, right at the front. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, they don't need to be shelved right away. I can see that shit in one or two years, but I just don't need to see Wolverine as the immediate first character I see because of the uh, Fox Disney merger. Yeah, but I know that's probably what's going to fucking happen. I don't know. I don't know if the, if if any of this is going to happen. I just, you know, I would love to see you know Xavier's school for the gifted kind of get like start up as well i want to see kind of like that original team and them and you know you know they've they've done the slow burn that you know that's how kevin feige's done it like you know they've Mm -hmm. they've come into this world slowly um i you know i can say that i I would be happy if they did it that way but on the flip side like i'm not going to be upset if if I'm watching the movie and all of a sudden I see claws on the screen, I'm just going to be like, holy shit, this is actually happening. And I'm just going to be like, ah, you know, like, 
we're going to get to see like what Feige does with the character now. We're going to get to see what Feige does with these characters. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I we've trusted Feige so 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 far. Like, I, I don't see him fucking this up now just because he's got access to hundreds, if not thousands, more characters now. In the- it's just the scene you're describing. It's like, just hold your horses. Like, they're obviously going to film it without casting at that point is what it sounds like. like. That's why we're just seeing an arm. That's why we're just seeing of claws. Of course, yeah. So we can get the imagery out there and everything. Well, they, they did the same thing with Thanos. Like, that was not Brolin in, the, in Avengers. I don't know if you know this, but I'm just, for our yeah. listeners, like... That was not Brolin. I mean, and if you look at Thanos, like his face, <laughs> like his, his face has changed. <laughs> the shade of purple has changed over the over the course of like you know Avengers to to even Guardians to then Infinity mm-hmm. War. So, yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting. I we'll see what they do. I mean, I get it. That's how are they going to follow this up and make more money? And I guess the answer is Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, real quick here. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the poster came out. Uh, the new poster. Uh, it kind of revealed that Shiri's dead, if we're to, led to believe that. Because we got the individual character posters that show the characters that survived in color and uh, the dead were decimated in black and white. And Shiri is in black and white. Uh, my question to you, is, uh, did, she, did she die or do you think that uh, this is more misdirection by the Russos? I think a few of these are probably wrong. Um, I I don't see it so much as misdirection as who are the sources of this information, right? This is what the Avengers themselves have compiled and decided the fates among all these characters. And they themselves may be wrong. You know, they may have assessed well, the situation Ant-Man's, wrong. Well, Ant-Man's – and here's the thing. Ant-Man's in color. And at, at this point in the movie where it starts up, Ant-Man, according to them, they were – We've seen in the trailer they're watching a monitor and Scott Lang's picture shows up. They they believe he's missing or dead. Same with Tony, right? Same with Tony, right? And Nebula, right? They don't know who that they're alive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of from the Russo's perspective. Then, well, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely don't think this is to be trusted by any means whatsoever. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything to do anymore. <laughs> I don't know if the Russos did this or if this is like marketing. You know, I don't know how how in control the Russos are with like the trailers and marketing. Right. I feel like, like, yeah, they seem like they are at least having a a hand in it. I would hope so. I mean, it seems like the producers do, too. Like, I've heard rumors of producers saying, like, yeah, from now until, you know, uh, April 26, like there's no new footage that's going to come out. You're not getting anything new. So, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I've, I've heard that rumbling. I don't know. We'll see if that's true or not. And I would think if a producer's saying that, that, that Russo's themselves have probably, it's come down from them too. Like they, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I hope that it's, it seems like Marvel Studios is a well-oiled machine and that they would, that they would have worked all this stuff out, uh, you know, with, uh, uh the marketing and, and the Russo's, so. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's there's bound to be some hiccups and some mistakes. I don't think anything on this grand of a scale of trying to, like, hide movie plots is almost... I mean, this is almost bigger than, like, Star Wars movie plot hiding at this point, you know? Yeah. it's These movies have come out in such a short span of time. It's like 21 movies, like, condensed into what? Like, six to eight years or whatever? Yeah. I mean, how... What, Ten years, I guess, right? Ten years, yeah. Yeah. Well, well eleven. Yeah, eleven now, so... I mean, and just because of that, just the scale feels so much bigger than, like the star wars you know where you just kind of have to it's nine movies that have you know the first one came out before i was born yeah 
<laughs> compared to this, you know, 21 movie tale that's been condensed into the last decade of my life. It just, I can't help yeah. but have it feel even more huger because of that, you know? Well, they've kind of built it up that way to, to feel like an epic saga. Yeah. This which is, is this really is, cool. This is the end of like the first, like, you know, we've had phases, but like, this is the end, like of the first, like, I guess chapter of these phases, you know, like this is the mm-hmm. first omnibus, Jake. I, I don't know, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like this is the last one of the of the you know box set when you buy it, right? Like, right. The next movie will be the first one in the next box set, and like for that, I really applaud the marketing. Like that's a bold decision by you know not just the Russos, but you know Disney themselves to fucking not want to make as much money as possible by just, you know, kind of shooting all the goods out in the trailers. The Russo's talked about like how this, the end game's tone is different. And uh, I'll just read this small quote. They said it's different tonally than infinity war. And it's told from a different point of view. It was important mm. for us in our minds as film directors to separate those two, because we do not want to make the same movie twice. And, Ways that you can differentiate films are through tone and point of view. So this goes back to like the first movie. I felt like it booked, you know, it started with Thanos, ended with Thanos. And I feel like that was Thanos' film. This next movie is going to be like Cap and Iron Man. And so we're going to be watching it through their lens this time. Yeah, and I think tonally this is going to be like a more sentimental movie, right? Or where the last movie was more like anxiety you know, of the bad guy just winning and winning and winning. This one has to serve as that closure, you know, as that last of these 21 movies, like we were saying. And on that level, I think it's going to be a little bit more sentimental and heartwarming than the last movie, which basically was never those two things. And, and I also think it's going to uh, deal with the grief and the loss a lot, too, and how that affects each of the characters. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also talked about test screenings and had this to say, we're vigilant about using test audiences to tell us whether we're on the right track or we're making bad decisions. With Endgame, it had one of the most incredible audience responses in Marvel history. Irrespective of the length, it's been consistently embraced by the test audiences. So, yeah, there have been test screenings out there, guys. So people seem to, to, to love these, uh, to love the film. So um, that's, I mean... I, I, I know we're going to love it anyway. Um, yeah. This is going to be one of those movies that I'm not, I usually a pre-order. I just don't worry about it. It always seems like you could just stroll on in anyway, but I, wow. Hey, I'm going to be day one that this is available. I'm going to be grabbing it. Well, see, that's going to be the case for a lot of people. Oh yeah. For me, it's like, I, I want great seating. So like as soon as these mm-hmm. movies always go on, uh, are up, like I don't want to be the guy that's stuck in the front. So I always yeah. get the I always go to the reserve seating theaters uh, and reserve my seat for these movies because on the flip side, like I don't want to have to show up fucking an hour and a half early at the theater to make sure that I get to pick the choo- the the seat that I want to choose. I just want to I want you know it's it's like pre-ordering a game at GameStop you know or, or a system at GameStop you know you just want to make sh- you just want to know that you've got it and I want to make sure that I've I've got my seat uh, for brand game oh yeah are they gonna be doing the uh, 30 dollar bullshit again this time where you can see it at six o'clock oh they're i think i think um they're gonna start these the the i would imagine that they were gonna that they're since this movie is gonna be three hours that they would that they would start this movie at six o'clock anyway um and Ooh, one would hope yeah and you, they'd want to play it twice that way too you're correct yeah yeah 
Um, last time we talked, we talked about the uh, trailer trickery and misdirection uh, in the marketing, in the trailers. And um, we know what our first bit of footage is from the trailers that we've seen that's been altered uh, in the second Endgame trailer where we see Hawkeye in a tunnel underground with that red glow and he's running away from an explosion. The 3D version of the trailer has been cut and it was thrown up on YouTube and you can see the same explosion. It's there, but this time it blows something up. And if you look at it closely, it's one of the Outriders from the end of Infinity War. Uh, Those monsters that were attacking uh, our heroes in Wakanda. So this lines up with the Lego set that we talked about last episode that was the Avengers compound battle where the Outriders show up. and it, But in the set, they showed up with Thanos. Um, I don't know if they're going to show up with Thanos. I don't know if they're going to show up with Thanos. In, in the movie, it could just be the Outriders sent to destroy the compound, for all we know. But maybe Thanos is included in the set just to give you a cool villain to buy the Lego set. But at this time, we're led that, to... That's where I'm at with it. At this time, we're, like, we're kind of like led to believe that some of the Avengers are on the Benatar headed to where Thanos is to destroy him. Like, Captain Marvel's like, let's go let's go kick his ass now. I'm here. And so, like, that's where we think they are. And some of the Avengers are left behind, and, and maybe there's this big battle at Avengers Compound that takes place, and you've got Ant-Man there, and you've got, you know, Hawkeye there, and uh, I think maybe Bruce, Bruce is there. I don't know if he's going to Hulk out, though. That, I mean, that that probably won't get resolved until, you know, second act, third act. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it'd be really interesting. There's so many theories all over the place. I can't. I'm just so excited to watch this thing and just kind of see it all fall in the place. <laughs> yeah, right? and yeah. I feel like we're going to know, like, about a half an hour into this, we're going to kind of know, yeah. you know, what the more reliable source was and be able to kind of see where it's all going, right? Sure. Hell, none of them could be. I mean, and that's, yeah. the, that's the fun part about this is, like, we only get the we only get to speculate this one time and kind of, like, go in and and uh, maybe even having, like, an inkling or an idea of, like, what's actually going to happen in the movie. But you're right. Like, if we start watching this and, like, some of these things start to happen that we've talked about, then we'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is going to happen, you know? Because, like, like, if that's the case at the beginning, if they kill Thanos, we're going to get to see, like, you know, that moment of, like, uh, you know, Captain Marvel punching him and, and maybe even, like, you know, Thor going for the head this time. You know, like, that, these, <laughs> these are things that we might see, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I'm really look- – man, I, I am so looking forward to this movie. I cannot wait. Yeah. yeah, I'm pumped. It, what a fucking event. And yeah. just a year after the last one. It's mm-hmm. crazy. I know. It's so cool. And then finally, after like this movie comes out, I'd say, um, I don't know if they're going to do anything at San Diego Comic-Con with this. But like shortly after this movie comes out, we'll start to find out what they're going to start doing for like phase four. Because we really don't know. Like there's no there, there's been no dates confirmed as far as like phase four stuff. We know an Eternals movie's coming out. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, but like we know, but we don't know what the date that movie's coming out is going to be. You know what I mean? So I've heard they're going to they're going to start filming Eternals like in September of this year, and so, but who knows when the movie's going to come out? So it'll be yeah. great. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to announcements uh you know shang chi like when, when like when's the date for that coming out and like what are some of the other movies 
Black Widow. Black Widow, Guardians Doctor of the Galaxy 2. Doctor Strange 2. But like, we don't know Black Panther 2. We don't know when these movies are going to come out, what dates they're going to fill. So, And like, probably yeah. get some new announcements. I mean, we could get even other movies being announced here as far as like directors and things like that for like some of the Fox property stuff. We, we just don't know yet. Oh well, yeah, they don't want to spoil anything for this movie, so they're mm. holding off on all their announcements until after people have seen this one. Do you guys think that like any of this yeah. Fox stuff could uh, like any of it? Like, I'm not saying the major stuff, but like some of these minor Fox characters might show up in the TV shows on Disney Plus. I could see that. You could start leaking some of the smaller characters and concepts at that point. It's why not kind of slowly introduce what you own into that world. I don't think it's going to be the big stuff, but do like an X factor show or something like these are the, they, well, no I'm, I'm just saying I mean more like mention of mutants on the TV in the background is kind mm. of the well, I'm not even saying necessarily mutants, but like, how do I say this? Um, Marvel actually likes like hands, you know, like the directors and stuff like that. And the, the writers, they, they, they say, yeah, here's characters you can pick from for, for this. And like some of the Fox characters like are off the table, but mm. like some of like the ancillary characters and like minor characters, maybe minor villains or something, they'll be like, yeah, you can, you can use these. And like these characters, like when you think about them, you wouldn't even think like, these are like big players. It's not like they're going to, it's not like, I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. One of the characters runs into long shot. Yeah. 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 Or whatever the fuck. Exactly. Just some of the real ancillary CD level characters. Right. I mean, right. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying like apocalypse is going to show up and like, (laughs) right. You know? Yeah. At the end of the first episode of Scarlet Witch, you see Wolverine's claws. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I get you. I think that especially Scarlet Witch is definitely a place where you could see some, you know, C level, D level, you know, ancillary X-Men characters come into play. I could, I could think, right? Yeah. 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 I'm just, I'm just, you know, throwing it out there, you know, like. I'm not saying like, you know, Reed Richards and, you know, Sue Storm are going to show up, but yeah, know. fuck. Yeah. Let's meet dupe now. Yeah. Why, why wait? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh God. <laughs> let's meet dupe now. Yeah, man. <laughs> Bring that awesome. shit on. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of really fun stuff you could do. Just there's, I mean, yeah. so many characters, right? There's like 300 characters just under the X-Men banner alone. Oh God. There's, there's gotta be thousands. I yeah, mean, yeah. When you think about when you think about Sony and the access that Sony has to Spider-Man characters, there's thousands, thousands. Yeah, I mean, if Sony's making a Morbius movie with the Spider-Man banner, you could just do anything with the fucking X-Men banner. See, here's the thing: it's like what happens with these movies is with James Gunn is they and, and some of these other guys like they they hand them like these books that have like all the characters that they have access to and they flip through and like James Gunn when he was like you know casting for like this new suicide squad like I'm sure they just handed him like the the catalog and said here you go there you go you have at it and he picked the weirdest fucking characters he could pick you know like he really did like <laughs> so <laughs> And, you know, DC has thousands and it just Sony alone has thousands of characters that you can choose from. Like I've I've heard their catalog of characters that come with Spider-Man is thousands. Like, you know, you got to think of like since Spider-Man's been around since like 1963, 64. 
They're 65. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there used to be two villains in issue, basically, in the first 100 issues. So, yeah, I mean, and there's just so many different characters that they can pull from. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll, uh, we uh, we got to stop. We got to get in the good pop, bad pop. Can't, can't wait for those Prowler and Cardiac movies. <laughs> oh, Cardiac. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm telling you, cut there. Yeah, Dan Slott did some cool shit with Cardiac, though. I'll admit. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go back and read. Like, I think it's like seven hundred and seven hundred one or something like that. Like he started. I think it was in those issues that he. Yeah, he did some cool shit with Cardiac, man. Oh man, (laughs) he was around like when I was like sixteen, seventeen, in like the Mark Bagley era. Yeah. All right, hey, let's take a break. Uh, We will come back with good pop, bad pop. Sounds good. All right. Hey, welcome back. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I, uh, I'm i going to start off here. I got a lot to go over this week, but uh, some of the stuff I won't spend too much time on. But this first one, I watched uh, Tacoma FD. Uh, it's a sitcom on True TV. Really, the only thing I watch on True TV is Impractical Jokers. I'm a big fan of that show. I, I'm a big fan of Brian Quinn on that show because I listen to podcasts, tell him Steve Dave. So I love, I love Impractical Jokers. I really don't watch a lot else on there except for Carbon Hour Effect. I do watch that when it's on. Um, so as far as their sitcoms, I have not been a fan. Uh, and so... I did want to give this a watch, though, because it's created by the uh, Broken Lizard comedy troupe um, and uh, two of the members, Kevin Heffernan and uh, Steve Lemmy. And um, so if you, you know, if you like movies like uh, like Super Troopers or Beer Fest or Club Dread, um, this might be something that you want to check out. Um, The two guys from uh, Broken Lizard uh, are the guys that play Farva and Mac from Super Troopers, if you were curious. But uh, Tacoma FD takes place in a firehouse in the wettest city in America. Light on blazes that need extinguishing. They are the firefighters who are always ready to fight fires. But in this wet city, they find themselves tackling the less glamorous elements of the job. Leading the firehouse crew are Chief Terry McConkie and Captain Eddie Penisi, which it looks like it's spelled like penis with an I at the end. Um, it, actually, it is penis with an I at the end. Um, but yeah, so it's like it's always raining. Like when you watch the first episode, it's always raining. And so they like they have a lot of time where they're not doing anything but fucking around. Um, the show is funny. It starts off with uh, with uh, the two guys, uh, Kevin Heffernan and Steve Lemmy, like in a car doing this cracker challenge where they're trying to eat six crackers at once in under a <laughs> in under a minute and they're saying there's like like Kevin Heffernan's like you know like they said it wasn't possible you know like running a mile in under two minutes and the other guy's like yeah that isn't possible no one's ever done that and so it's kind of funny like um then 
Kevin Heffernan, he, he, he does it and then claims it's because he has an abnormally wet mouth and just <laughs> silly conversations. And then like things that they do here that are kind of funny, like with the guys in the fire department pranking one another. And then like instead of like the classic like firemen like rescuing a kitty from a tree, there is a scene of them rescuing an alpaca from a child's playset in the backyard, and the alpaca is spitting bile at them <laughs> the entire time. And it's just stupid fun. If you're not a fan of these guys, you're not going to like this show. But if you're like me, I'm a big fan of, like, you know, the the Broken Lizard guys, and, and I love Beer Fest. I love Super Troopers. I love Super Troopers, too. I love this show. I give it a Tupperware, and that's because I'm biased. Um, but I did think it was really funny, and the pranks that they play on each other are really funny. And um, I think this is another reason uh, to watch True TV. So I would highly recommend this one uh, if you are a fan of Broken Lizard. So, yeah, Tupperware, the fuck out of Tacoma FD, in my opinion. Nice. So, um, let's see here. Let's talk about us. I, I Listen, first, everybody... Um, me and Neil recorded a spoiler uh, section that you're going to be able to hear after the end music. Uh, it was just me and Neil doing this because I thought that Jake didn't watch this. And so, Jake, you've seen us and I feel terrible now. I, I did it for your benefit because I knew Neil wanted to spoil this movie, but I didn't want to spoil it while you were on the podcast. And come to find out you've seen it. Now I feel like a jackass. <laughs> No, like it's that. it's no big deal. Surely I will make you feel like less of a jackass when I accidentally fucking spoil this thing. Uh, <laughs> so. Please don't, for our listeners' sake. Um, the ones that haven't seen it, because like that's the whole reason I have a spoiler section, Han dies. So don't like you know don't try. Fuck it I'm up. Like, my palms are like sweaty. Don't right now. come on. This is a big movie. Knock it off. Um, no, I, I wouldn't do it. I didn't even do Han dies on purpose. I know. I don't want to have to edit. Um, do it for my sake. But uh, I guess I'll get your rating for uh, the movie. What did you? What would you rate uh, us? I would give it um, a very very high taste. It. Um, I only got to see the movie one time. I, I kind of feel like I definitely need to see it again. I feel like with more thought and maybe like even possibly reading a couple think pieces, I could come around to Tupperware and Tupperware in this movie. Um, for me, like the whole second act was almost flawless. I, I just really loved it. I mean, such a hard tone to hit where horror that actually works is horror where I, you know, feel that anxiety and still like the levity of some good laughs too. And just, you know, Peel just nails that like no one else can right now. And really great performances also. Just, you know, seeing a lot of work from a lot of the actors in this movie. And just for me, the reason it's not a Tupperware is I'm just not comfortable with the ending yet. I don't know that it stuck the landing for me. So other than that, I, I absolutely love this movie. I definitely am going to see it again. I recommend people seeing this in the theater. Um, I saw it with a lot of people, and that made it a really great experience as well. Um, you know, just so many of the fun horror tropes, but kind of turned up on their end. And yeah, I thought this was fantastic. Um, also, the lighting, I really noticed a lot in this movie. Just the framework and the lighting of the shots was really ingenious in a lot of places lots of natural light it never looked like it was on a set and just some of the choices of where the light sources were coming from especially like on the um theme park area and near the beach scenes i thought were really incredible choices so yeah this was a really great movie i highly recommend it 
Neil, uh, I guess, you know, like we talk about it later, but, um, you know, like overall, I guess, non-spoiler thoughts and rating. Uh, I definitely thought it was a beautiful film. Jordan Peele has a great eye. Uh, the performances were outstanding across the board. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o obviously was absolutely incredible and she deserves an Oscar nomination for this playing both of those characters. Um, I, 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 I really appreciate this movie for it's it's for, for trying to say a lot and for trying to do a lot of stuff. And, and there's technically it's it's absolutely wonderful, but I didn't enjoy it a whole lot. So I, I gave it a taste it. Uh, I've seen it twice. I'll probably see it again in the theater um, just to try and understand it a little bit more. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I uh, upon first watch, and you'll hear about this later if if you stick around for the spoiler section. Upon first watch, I gave it a taste. It, um, you know, that was just watching it the first time through. I feel like this is a different movie the second time you watch it because you're you're mm-hmm. given knowledge at the end of this movie, and uh, once you're given that knowledge, you can go in the second time and kind of like watch it from a different perspective. And that's what I did in the, the second time I watched this movie, uh, and I Tupperware it after the second watch. I, I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Um, you know, like, Jake, still the ending, as far as, like, what you're saying, it doesn't, like, for me, it, that, that ending, like, is, like, eh, whatever. It's other things. Um, you know, like, they, I'm talking about the final shot in the movie. Like, whatever. I mean, it's other things in the movie that kind of, like, stood out to me and, uh, there's a lot of meaning and like uh, uh, different uh, different ways to interpret this movie. So uh, yeah, it went from taste it to a Tupperware just upon my second viewing. This is a movie I think that you have to watch multiple times, uh, at least twice. Um, in my yeah, opinion. definitely. I regretted not being able to see it a second time because I really do feel like my my rating is kind of fluid. Yeah. It was just hard to kind of completely process where I sat with the movie. Yeah, not not really paying attention to the metaphors and kind of the perceptions the first time around more focused on the, the anxiety that the movie was serving me. Sure. Yeah. 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 Second watch. I, and I had a week between viewings and Neil, you had the same, like we watched it on Mm -hmm. that initial Thursday release and then we waited a week (laughs) and watched it on the next Thursday. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, stick around after the, uh, end credits music. Um, I'll have me and Neil's spoiler discussion in, in there that you can listen to where we kind of get deeper into this movie. Um, it, yeah, and I ahead. do think that one of the most important aspects of this movie is that it makes you think and, and try and just see exactly what he was trying to say. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I also like that it doesn't paint Peel himself as a one-trick pony. I, by the end of this movie, I'm even more excited to see his third movie. Oh, yeah. I feel, I feel like he's avoided kind of the M. Night curse a little bit with this movie. And I, I'm excited for him. I can't wait to see what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, speaking of Peel, uh, tomorrow uh, we're going to get uh, the first episode or episodes, I'm not sure, of uh, Twilight Zone. Fuck yes. On yeah, I'm excited for that. It's getting kind of some shitty reviews I've seen. Oh, I've, I've heard nothing but people raving about it. So I guess it depends on like what outlets you're reading and what critics you're listening to. Yeah, I, I'm still super excited. It's one of my all-time favorite shows, and I love that um, Peel has kind of told you some of the older episodes you should go back and watch that he'll be referencing in this new series. Yeah, I, I from the critics that I've heard that have 
were given screeners for the first four episodes, they said that this is just more, you know, Jordan Peele brilliance. I I haven't read the the negative reviews. I've I've only heard positive stuff. Yeah, honestly, Brian, it's only been in the last twenty four hours that I've been seeing that because I, I guess a lot more people have had access to. Um, seen whatever they're going to show tomorrow okay okay yeah um I, real quick i want to talk about uh i'm not going to get into spoilers on this one i just really want to talk about the oa part two on netflix it was released last week and um i was a big fan of the oa season one i tupperware the first season i thought it was brilliant um you know me, me dan and uh you know uh, uh ashley did a uh a review a bonus episode on it i loved it so much um Probably not going to have a bonus episode on it this year, people. But um, I did a rewatch of part one because, like, part one came out, like, in October of 2017. So it had been, like, over a year and a half since I watched the OA. So I, I felt like going into part two, I would be kind of – I'd have to, like, gain my bearings and be a little lost. And so I did a complete rewatch of the first eight episodes before I jumped back into this world and um, and I'm glad I did that. Uh, but um, part two takes like what you learn from part one and just runs in places that you've never dreamed or you never thought, you know, like I think some people's theories were a little bit uh, <laughs> um, as far as like where season two could go. I think some people's theories were a little bit. uh they pulled back like they didn't go. I think I think part two is not as reserved as some of the theories were. Part two is just batshit crazy, in my opinion. Like it, <laughs> it goes to some wild, wild, wild places. Like I was not expecting part two to be this fucking crazy. Um, and by the end of part two, you'll either be like, what the fuck? I hate this. Or you're going to be like, oh, my God, this is just what? And then like... <laughs> Or you're just going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that they're swinging for the fences, that they actually did what they just did now. And I can't wait to see how season three plays out. Uh, part three plays out. Um, I, for one, at first. Was I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about the ending of part two. It's. I want to love it, but in a way, it's just. <laughs> it's. um Oh, God, I want to say this, but I don't want to spoil anything either, because I think I we're getting into some weird like part two just goes into like like we we've we've wondered about the like part one questions like what what's the afterlife and alternate alternate dimensions. Part two expounds upon that and um, it's not reserved. It, it doesn't pull back. It, it It goes all out and. And we see some crazy shit happen in part two. And part two ends with another, like, fucking doozy of a cliffhanger that I was not expecting. Like, when what we saw happen at the end of part two and they call Prairie what they call her at the end of part two. I was just like, what the fuck is happening with this show? And if you've seen part two, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I'd be curious, like for people that have watched part two, like what you thought about that ending. Um, I also loved seeing in this season, um, uh, Bria Vinate from, uh, the Florida project. She has like a small recurring role in this season. I thought it was really cool to see her show up in it. 
but it was just great seeing like Jason Isaacs all back, like the original cast back, and it was just great. I I am going to Tupperware the OA Part Two. It was fucking ballsy. There's some Lovecraftian shit going on in this one that kind of blew me away. Watch it if, if you haven't watched Part One, get on it. Just get on it. Like if you love the leftovers on HBO or or Westworld or um, even Legion, like watch this like you're missing out if you are not watching the oa and um give it three episodes give it three episodes uh of of that first season and then by the time you get to season two it is it's the same show but it's completely different and um i fucking love it i can't wait to see what uh brit marling and uh zal batmanglish give us in the third season i cannot wait i think that they are just just fucking brilliant so um, the OA Part 2, I give it a Tupperware. Um, moving on. I, Jake, did you have anything this week for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Um, I briefly wanted to talk about, I um, started reading, I got kind of a hankering to read some Marvel books. I got really excited about the uh, Jonathan Hickman X-Men announcement that happened while we were at C2E2, and it just kind of made me want to catch up on some of the uh, current 616 Marvel comics. So I actually read um, the first seven issues of the new run of Amazing Spider-Man by a uh, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley. And man, it is a Tupperware. I have not enjoyed some classic Marvel comics like this in a long time. Uh, Not that I wasn't a fan of what Dan Slott was doing in his incredible run, but it is nice to just kind of breathe some fresh air on the Spider-Man mythos and let a new writer, especially someone as talented as Nick Spencer, get a go at it. And man, he's done some really fun stuff here. It's just just in six issues, it's loaded with like classic Spider-Man rogues. I mean, you got the lizard and you got a Craven setup setup going on and Mysterio and Kingpin and just Rhino and just a dozen other big Spider-Man villains kind of all weaved into this first six issue story, which is a really fascinating story in itself where, um, Nick Spencer has split Spider-Man into two separate identities. Um, one is the Spider-Man character and one is the Peter Parker, Peter Parker character. And through like a mishap in science and Kurt, Kurt Connors college class, he gets split into these two beings, which at first is the perfect thing. I mean, Peter Parker is able to not miss any appointments, go on all of his dates, have healthy relationships with Aunt May. And at the same time, not feel, you know, that, responsibility that he always feels to save everything because his Spider-Man half is also out there just doing it all. So it seems like everything is just perfect for Peter Parker now. And as I'm sure everyone knows, it's not the case and things kind of spiral out of control and the personalities of both sides kind of begin to get stronger and stronger and stronger to where they, you know, eventually both figure out that they need both sides of the coin to be whole. And it's just a really great exploration of the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and why he does that work in the first place. And I thought just this really firmly established itself as, you know, one of the premier Marvel comics probably right now. I don't hear much talk about a lot of the current ongoing Marvel books being all that great. So it was nice to read something like this. And Ryan Otley is just an incredible artist. Um, I know he's an invincible guy, and I've just never 
picked that up. It's something that's been recommended a million times, but I've just never read it. So this is kind of my first exposure to Otley. And I mean, his pencil work is just incredible. He does this trick where he kind of, it reminds me of like Hocus Pocus a little bit, where there's just a real subtle difference between the left panel and the right panel. And there's either great gags used by that trick or just great drama imposed by just seeing kind of the subtle changes in people's facial expressions when being confronted with something. And just a lot of really cool art tricks that I haven't, I've never seen anyone do with just talking head stuff going on here. And the action scenes themselves look incredible. So really powerful Craven the Hunter. I believe that's what the next arc is going to be about. And I'm really excited to read that because it's been a long time since I read a good Craven story. They kind of since last hunt, not really uh, held him up to the standards he should be. So I think Nick Spencer can handle. I'm excited. So, yeah, you can get this on Amazon for like 10 bucks. You know, you get the first six issues and a nice little trade paperback. I highly recommend it if you're a fan of Spider-Man and you haven't read it in a long time. So, and I'm not spoiling like five or six just big things that happen right in these first six issues that kind of bring it back to the Spider-Man comic that you might be more familiar with from 10 years ago. Yeah, I love Nick Spencer. Like, uh, ever since I read Superior Foes of Spider-Man, I was just like, and that had nothing to do with Spider-Man. It was just like, spider-man's like c-list villains and shit and so that was such a great book and it had great humor um and then there's a fantastic nod to that in this series where one of peter parker's roommates is the boomerang oh nice (laughs) um and then uh he did a book for image called the fix which was fantastic and i loved that book and that was that was great um but uh, other Marvel books that are going on right now that are really good, of course, uh, people have been raving about like uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider from Donny Cates, uh, where it's like the Punisher is now uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and that is uh, that goes back in time, I believe. Like, don't quote me here, but goes back in time to kill baby Thanos, but can't do it, and so like is basically just <laughs> going around uh, with baby Thanos on like adventures and shit, and then. Um, Gail Simone's writing Domino, um, which is great. Oh, and that's cool. Donnie, I also I, I read the uh, first five issues of the Jason Aaron and McGinnis Avengers run. And it, it was decent enough, but it was the first time I'd ever seen that cosmic Ghost Rider character. They're kind of building him up to be what seems to be a team member. He's still doing like kind of a B storyline, but I imagine they're showing that because he's eventually going to become an Avenger. It's a pretty, pretty interesting character. It seems like he's very scared to be Ghost Rider. His inner monologue is always very afraid of everything that's happening. I saw, I read that first issue of that. That was like with, uh, wasn't like the Black Order involved in that one? And uh, The Celestials, dead Celestials were raining from the sky. Yeah, I remember, re- I, I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was all right. Um, it was it was just okay. Um, yeah. By issue three, it gets a little bit better. Um, they introduce Loki as a main player in the storyline, and that kind of spices it up a little bit, but it's still nowhere near as good as the spider-man relaunch another one to read that people are raving about is uh venom by donny cates like i i don't know he's gone back in the past and like changed some of the stuff with venom and i guess some of the origin and stuff like that i i i dropped off of it but for the people that people that kept on it are raving about it i I thought the first issue was okay, but like every everybody I've talked to absolutely loves Donny Cates' run on Venom. So, and this is this is back to Eddie Brock being Venom. Flash Thompson's not been Venom anymore. Yeah, it's so. it's not Flash Thompson. Like, yeah, it's not Flash Thompson. 
it's not it's not it's not that's one thing i'm very confused about i missed it of something that happened where it seems like that didn't even doesn't even exist anymore or something Mm. so very strange but i mean you know convoluted that's how comics get when there's Mm. 50 titles under one banner it's going to be a few hiccups neil let's talk about nosferatu on okay amc we we got this is coming out we found out uh yesterday this is actually going to premiere on a, the amc network uh we on june 2nd and uh neil we got to watch this early at c2e2 they had the first screening at south by southwest uh and then they had a second screening at c2e2 and we showed up to watch the screening um it's uh nasferatu is uh on amc it's uh going to be on amc it's based on the novel of the same name by joe hill who is the uh, son of uh, famed author stephen king uh the show follows vic mcqueen a young working class artist who discovers that she has a supernatural ability to track the seemingly immortal charlie manx manx feeds off the souls of children then deposits what remains of them into Christmas land, a twisted Christmas village of Manx's imagination where every day is Christmas and unhappiness is against the law. Vic must strive to defeat Manx and rescue his victims without losing her mind or falling victim to him herself. Um, so, Neil, when it says, like, in the synopsis, when it says it follows Vic McQueen, a young, <laughs> wor- wor- you know, young working-class artist... That indicates that we're going to get a time jump, right? Because that's not what we got here. No, it's not what we got at all. Right. Because, like, I know she's into art and comics when we are first introduced to her in this show. But she's a teenager when we are first introduced. She's a high schooler. She's a high schooler. And so, like, it makes sense that we have a time jump because it seemed weird. And we both talked about this afterwards. (laughs) She's 26. The actor who's playing this girl, Ashley Cummings is 26 years old. She does not look like a teenager. She doesn't, and they try to make her look like a teenager, and she just doesn't. And then her mom is being played by Virginia Cole, who in reality is only nine years older than this actual (laughs) actor. So it looked like they were sisters. It was such Mm -hmm. a weird thing. So I'm imagining by the second or third episode, we're going to get a time jump here, right? I would hope so. Because I didn't, I didn't find the high school drama interesting at all uh, in what they were in that first episode. So I really do hope that they move forward in time and we get, you know, something five years later. They should have just like had that. a different fucking actress play this yeah. role of Vic McQueen in the first episode. Then it's so weird. It, it, it was off-putting the whole time. I thought it was weir- really weird trying to, like, they're trying to convince me that this girl is in high school. I, I don't know. I just wasn't buying it. Me either. Yeah, there, there was a lot of elements of the pilot that I really did not like. I, I, I thought it was really convoluted. Um, I, I, did, I, I never yeah. got a sense of, of who anybody really was. And they, I, I, I don't know. It, We'll talk, we'll talk, let's break it down. I mean, I want to talk yeah. about this. You've got Zachary Quinto is going to be the like you know we all know him as Spock, um, you know in the in the JJ Abrams stuff, and he's playing Charlie Manx in this one, the villain. Um, and then uh, let's see here. I, I, we got a few other actors here. Uh, I want to, but I want to talk about 
you know, I haven't read the book, so I know a lot of either. people that have read the book. You haven't either, Neil, right? No. Yeah. No. So I know a lot of people that have read the book are really excited for this. They love the book, so they're really excited for the show. So, like, watching the first episode for them might be a completely different experience. Like, they might love it or mm-hmm. might even hate it more than we didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to say I hated this. I can't say I hated this. I I didn't hate it. I, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Um, it, it just as a pilot, it didn't. Yes, it didn't sell it for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. The show it it starts off in this house where this kid, this young boy, can't sleep, and he's and he he tries to see if he can go sleep in his mom's room in her bed, and. Uh, Unfortunately, she's getting fucked fucked by this rando guy (laughs) and just getting railed in that bed. And her kid's like, oh, yeah, just getting railed. uh, You mean literally? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's getting fucked by this guy. This guy's fucking the shit out of her. And uh, the kid is like, mom, can I can I sleep with you tonight? And she's like, no, you you know, you can't. And she doesn't say, like, I'm getting railed, but like she's. You know, just a rando dude fucking her in bed. So the kid, then what happens then? Does the kid like just like hear a noise outside or something? He goes to the TV and then he hears a noise outside. Yeah, he's watching TV. Then he something happens outside and he and he well, the car pulls up. Yeah, and then there's that uh, other guy who's in the house with the needle. Yeah, who and he like goes outside because there's. Toys inside sees, the yeah, it's car. Like a, there's like this. Is, is it like a, it's like a Rolls Royce or something? It's yeah, a, it's like real, a like a Phantom too. Yeah. from you know like the uh, Last Crusade style. Yeah, and so like uh, you can see like it's all lit up inside this car. It's a nice. It's like and then all these Christmas presents, like all these presents, and the kids like kid goes in. The kid gets in the car because of the presents, and then mm-hmm. this, uh, and then. Uh, um, <laughs> the the dude the fucking mis- the mom yeah. gets killed. The dude fucking the mom gets killed, and then we see a very old looking uh, Zachary Quinto as the driver of this car. Mm-mm. And then the 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 mom gets killed out in the front lawn trying to get her, trying to get her kid from being abducted by uh, old Zachary Quinto and <laughs> and the uh, mustachioed villain. <laughs> yeah, so. with fucked up teeth. Yeah, and then <laughs> basically Zachary Quinto is telling this kid we're we're off to Christmas Land where it's mm-hmm. everywhere, every, you know where it's illegal to to be sad or whatever. We're off to Christmas Land. Yeah, it's against the law. Yeah, it's against the law to be sad. It's all everybody's happy in Christmas Land. So I don't know. For me, like the the most interesting character in this, and a lot more happens. That's not just. Oh, what, yeah. It's not just that's about just the opening scene. Yeah, that's just the opening scene. It's not just about like old man Quinto going around <laughs> snatching up kids. Um, I like the kid's babysitter. Was she the babysitter of that kid when she shows up? I thought she was a very interesting character that we didn't spend a I, lot of time with. I don't know what her okay. So I think she was like a tutor or something. She's a librarian. She's a librarian, yeah. but yeah, she was a tutor. Yeah, yeah. And she shows up at the crime scene and, yeah. and basically gets this cop to tell her everything that happened. Right. And I, I do love the earrings um, that she had on. Oh yeah, she's well. She's got tiles. this. She's got these Scrabble tiles. Yeah, um, as earrings. One says F and one says U. F U. And then like. She's also got like this. Uh, the it's the the actor is Maggie Lee, 
Uh, the the char- excuse me, the character's name is Maggie Lee, and mm-hmm. it's played by uh, Jakara Smith, and she's got this uh, Scrabble bag that kind of like yeah. gives her clues to the universe or something. It's like she puts her hand in this bag, and like you literally see like her hand kind of like disappear in this bag, like it's a all the way up to like mid biceps, right? It's, it's crazy. It's like it a, goes all the way into this bag, and it's a really cool effect. It is a cool effect, and she'll ask the bag a question, and then like she pulls out like the Scrabble, you know, tiles, and like arranges them to give her like this vague answer. Like, it's mm-hmm. never, like, the direct answer, but it gives her a hint or a clue, you What's know? the Wraith. That's the first one. Yeah. And, the uh, car is the Wraith. I found out, like, the actress uh, here is, uh, she's a YouTube celebrity. Huh. Yeah, she does, like, uh, inter- like she does makeup videos and social commentary stuff. So they, she must have a pretty big following, so they pulled her off of YouTube. So, um, okay. There's also this, like old wooden covered bridge that also kind of like gives you answers and, and takes you to the things that you, that, uh, that Vic you need needs. to find. Yeah. It's the weird thing is like Vic, she can travel through this old covered bridge, but in reality we find out that this bridge was torn down like 15 years before, like they, they had a, they demolished it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but see, so it, but it appears for her and she'll there's that scene where she like her her dad lost his watch right mm-hmm. and she goes through the bridge and on the other side of the bridge it takes her to where her dad's watch is so it takes her to the things that she needs right and right you know it's it's <laughs> it's bizarre I, I mean it's it's really bizarre and then you know, we find the father in this one, her father, we, we think, like, I thought he was a really sweet guy. And then later on, we find out, like, he's beating the mother and stuff. And Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like the actor who plays the father. He was um, in The Punisher season one. Um, I, I, I think he, he did. I, mean, I thought the performances overall were good. Yeah. I mean, I have to give the, the pilot a low taste it just because I didn't think it did its job of selling me this show, but I'm, uh, but I am intrigued by the show. I, I don't know. It's a really weird, like thing that's going on in my you know, head about this. You know what? I, I, th- I agree with you. I'm going to give it a taste. It, I, I agree with you. Like the, and the pilot. Yeah. I won't give away the ending. I won't give away the ending, but it, that we get another scene of Zachary Quinto and the boy. And mm-hmm. kind of like what's going on there. I won't give away what happens. Um, I can give the pilot a taste it. And, and the thing is, but the pilot did sell me on the fact that I think that there's a lot of elements in this show that I find interesting enough that I want to stick around for the mystery and what's going on here. Yeah, I'll give it the standard three episodes yeah. just to yeah. you know see if it's going in a good direction. I thought it, it was a little fragmented for me. I, w- I kind of wish they had... had rearrange some of the scenes so maybe we got most of the Vic stuff all at once yeah and then we sprinkled in the other stuff later on instead of jumping around so much in the very beginning right it uh it, it just was really confusing to me as far as like what was happening where we were right yeah it, yeah I, I agree it's 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 a it's definitely a weird show and every time the mom and dad got in a fight we could expect to mm-hmm. see a like a, a scene of 
the daughter on that bike, that bike, you know, <laughs> dirt bike. Yeah, it's like it's now it's motocross. Like you know, here we go with the motocross show with the girl. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it was weird. I, I felt like yeah. this is coming out. Did it feel finished to you? I don't know. It just no. felt like a very rough kind of. Yeah, it felt like they just kind of threw something out almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part was the right before it, before it started with the yes for Atu. Oh God, yeah. Oh, that- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so me and Neil were sitting like uh, the 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 lady that's uh, like the the MC comes out and she's all like, "Are you guys ready for Nosferatu?" And me and Neil had a joke earlier that I had mentioned earlier, and she goes, "Are you guys ready to watch Nosferatu?" Oh, she no, she called it Nosferatu. Are you guys ready to watch Nosferatu? And me and Neil yell. Yes, Ferratu. <laughs> and so, um, you know, like all of a sudden, like Neil starts talking to her and I look over at Neil and like she's talking to us. She thought that we had like corrected her on the way she pronounced it. And so we were like, no, you said no, Ferratu. And we just said yes, Ferratu. And she got the joke and she thought it was funny. And then the, the next, like the, the main host can't, comes out, right? Mm-hmm. And then the she's, one from Buffy. The one from Buffy, yeah. And then she comes out and she's like, I got a kick out of hearing the guys call it yes, Ferratu. Uh, you should tweet that to AMC. So that was fun. I, I, that was super fun. Very interactive, an interactive moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that was my favorite part of the whole yeah. experience. Yeah, that, that was the best part of the whole thing. I don't know. There, there was some. There was some Stephen King Easter eggs in there too. In oh the yeah, show. totally. Yeah. That, those were like you know, it's fun to notice those things if yeah. you know Stephen King lore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think Scrabble sales are going to go up after this show. <laughs> no, they're probably pretty steady anyway. Those people take it seriously. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I watched. Um, <laughs> I watched. Uh, I hold on. I watched like part of the Highwaymen. I haven't watched. I haven't, it's the new uh, Kevin Costner. Um, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. Show it's about the the police officers that uh, come out of retirement to catch Bonnie and Clyde. It, it's directed by John Lee Hancock, and I think he's like the director who did like The Blind Side and some other movies that I kind of like. Um, this one's on Netflix. I, I'm about forty minutes from finishing this one. Um, I can't rate it, but it, if I had to, I'll give it a taste. It. I'm in no rush to finish this thing. I, I'll be honest with you. It, it's it's fine. It, it's 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 okay. I think like you know we're getting to see the other side of it. I, but in honest in all honesty, like the most exciting part of like the Bonnie and Clyde stuff is Bonnie and Clyde. I don't think it's like the old police officers that are trying to hunt them down. They're tasked with hunting them down and and bringing them in or catching them or whatever. I. I I don't know. I'm still like, Netflix as far as the movies are concerned is just not blowing me away. I'm going to finish it. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know, in two weeks when I come back, if, you know, I'll, I'll be like, oh, my God, the last 40 fucking minutes of the highway, man. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Tupper fucking where? But like right now, it's just like, it's OK. It's fine. You got two great actors here. And I, I think they're, they're doing they're acting their asses off here. They're not phoning it in. But I don't know. It's. It's just, I think it's just the story itself is not 
I mean, Bonnie and Clyde are interesting. That's that's who I want to see. I don't care about the old fucking farts trying to catch them. I, it's just not working for me. So I, I give it a taste it overall right now with forty minutes left. So I'm not, and I'm not <laughs> rushing back. Yeah. I could have. I could forward two weeks, and you never mention this show ever again. <laughs> yeah, I'll finish. No, I am gonna finish. I got forty minutes left. I'll I'll finish it. I just. There was something else that I wanted to watch. Like I was like, "Fuck, I could sit here and finish this fucking thing, or I can go to the theater and watch Hotel Mumbai." Uh, and so that's what I did. I just like one, I had like twenty minutes before we re- started recording, Neil. Um, after I had just mm-hmm. gotten out of Hotel Mumbai, so I haven't even had a lot of time to kind of like process this movie. Uh, it's the true story of the Taj Hotel terrorist attack in Mumbai. This happened back in two thousand eight. Hotel staff risk their lives to keep everyone safe as people make unthinkable sacrifices to protect themselves and their families. Um, this one stars, it's got a great cast, a really great cast. You've got uh, Dev Patel in this one, I, you know, from uh, a Slumdog Millionaire, and then he was in Lion. Um, you've got Jason Isaacs in this one. Army Hammer is in this movie. Just a great cast. And um, I will be honest with you i'm this was a hard watch not because it was a bad movie but just because of this the subject matter and like what's happening in the movie i give it a tupperware overall this is um uh a fantastic film it's directed fantastic um you really get to like know Dev Patel's character in this is I I love this guy I absolutely love his character he is so good in this movie there's a uh, there's a scene where like people are brought together in this hotel from you know all over the world um, and uh, you know uh, and here they are like you know Jason Isaac's character play he plays a, a a Russian guy and you've got Army Hammer there with his wife and and they've just got a newborn child. And their nannies with them, and you know that's the thing. It's like you're watching this, and there's times where like the baby, you're worried about the baby's safety. These guys that are these terrorists strategically plan to hit certain places in Mumbai, and they were very like down to like the minute of like what they strategically were going to do in these places. And like, so they were very organized. They'd been planning this for a while. These guys, uh, and they still don't know, like the, the, these guys from Pakistan that came here and did these attacks, they still don't know who, like they haven't brought any of the guys that plan these attacks to justice. So, I mean, this is, this was something that was organized and they would hit different places and it wasn't like they would go in there and immediately like, Oh, let's get hostages. As soon as they walked into a place, they, they're taking uh, semi-automatic you know, rifles and they are just gunning people down, just gunning them down, like walking into a restaurant, throwing a grenade in there and then walking in and gunning people down. Like, and people are running through the streets. People are piling over each other trying to get away from these guys. It was just a very calculated thing, but also it was just like just killing, just massive killings. And it's hard to watch. It's very hard to watch. But um. You've got uh, Dev Patel's character, like I was saying. He's one of the hotel staff there. And there's an amazing scene in this movie where, um, you know, uh, this woman is seeing these, th- these guys going around killing people. And she sees Dev Patel's character, and he's wearing a turban. 
and she's one of the guests there. And so she goes to one of the hotel staff and they're all like, they're all locked behind this. They're in this commerce room, which is like this uh, restaurant bar. That's very exclusive. That's kind of like cut off from the hotel. So they're well hidden in this room. And, and this white woman is very uncomfortable with um, his, uh, his character wearing the turban and his facial hair and so she tells another guy in the staff there that she's very uncomfortable with this. So the guy from the staff goes to uh, Dev Patel's character and says, you know, she's requested that you take off the turban. And she's uh, not take off the turban, but like she just doesn't want to see you. Like if you could just leave, you're making her uncomfortable. Jesus. I know. I know. I know. I, but see, what, what, what's amazing about this scene, Neil, what happens, what transpires here, which was beautiful. And like I'm, I'm fucking like brought to tears over this fucking scene like when i was watching it and like even thinking about it like it's it's fucking amazing everybody has to see this is in that moment like this guy could have done one of two things he could have just walked out of the room like he was told to number two he could have he could have uh gone up to that lady and been like fuck you you know like you know he could have done that he could have been like fuck you we're all in this and like i'm not that i'm not this i'm not that and we see that happen a lot online where like people see things that they don't understand and like people gang up on people online and start to yell at them which i'm not saying like this woman's in the right she's in the wrong right and we know she's in the wrong for feeling that way we do but what happens here is like instead of like him going in there and yelling at her he changes this woman by going up to her and says hi this is and you know gives his name and this is my family and starts showing her pictures of like him wearing the turban with his family, his young, young child and his, and his wife and them smiling and taking pictures by trees and like hanging out as a family. And he says, this turban is, I've had this since I was a boy and it represents courage and it, and it, and uh, for me to take it off, I would be bringing shame on my family. And then he looks at her and he says, would you like me to take this off for you now? Because I will like totally, <laughs> totally giving her, the, giving her, wow. the, giving her the respect that she does not deserve in this moment. Like, like, you know, like some of like, like the, what she said would get a lot of people heated. And here we have like a man who's like taking the high road and, you know, not coming back at her and yell, but just explaining to her, hi, this is my family. This is the turban, what it means. Um, and, you know, she looks at him and she says, no, you don't have to take it off. She he changed her like That's like awesome. it, it's powerful. Oh, my God, it's powerful for and like, um, you know, like this is in the middle of the movie. And like here I am, like, <laughs> you know, and I've watched people get gunned down and like that. It's it, but like this is a powerful moment, too. It, this is a powerful film. I, I, I Tupperware this. It's, there's some stuff that's hard to watch. Um and uh, but it also shows you things from like the terrorist point of view, which I was surprised about. Like there's a scene where one of the terrorists is calling back home and and his family saying, so, how's training going? Like uh, and like he's been going around killing people and you get to see stuff from like his perspective. It is this movie is so deep and um, powerful. And um, I, 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 I cannot believe how amazing this film was. Um, it's a thriller. It's a thriller slash drama and um man powerful movie um tupperware uh you will uh you will be on the edge of your seat for nearly two hours like this movie starts 
Um, and you get you barely get any breathing room in this movie. It feels like you're being held hostage this whole time uh, watching these characters. And then at the end of the movie, it shows you some uh, actual footage from, you know, like uh, the people that survived uh, this ordeal and, um, you know, how they all came back to, uh, to the hotel, um, you know, you know, a year or so later, year or two later and, uh, and, uh, got to spend time with one another. But Jason Isaac's performance is amazing in this army hammer does a great job. Uh, but Dev Patel is the standout in this one. I've, I've always liked this guy and everything I've seen him in, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, I highly, highly recommend hotel Mumbai. Like this might not be for everybody to see, uh, because it is, it's un, it's it's unrelenting, but this is also what happened. Like this is part of that history that happened, um, you know, uh, ten years ago. So they didn't pull back. This is it's very graphic. It's very violent. Yeah, I hate it when movies sugarcoat things on the other end of the spectrum. Right? It's like if you're going to tell the story, let's tell the story and yeah. not Hollywood mm. it up. Yeah, I mean, I think that there were some things that they did in this one to make it more interesting. You know, like I could tell, like as soon as like you know, like a character like walked into a room, and then like one of the terrorists like walked into a place where they would have been able to see them, but just missed them. You know, like some of this it happens a lot in this movie, and I can see how how they had to do that for this movie to keep it keep you know the tension and and you know the suspense. But overall, it's a fantastic movie. Um, nice, Neil. Did you did you have anything for good pop, bad pop? I have a couple of things. Yeah. Um, one real quick is uh, I've I've caught up to Doom Patrol to the most recent episode. I think this might be uh, my favorite superhero show ever. Wow! At this point, wow. it, it does stuff where they do de- the characters are dealing with trauma to such an extent, like. They, they all have these really personal issues that they're all going through, and they're this newest episode. They actually start talking to each other and working, starting to work through these issues. Um, and, and and it's one of the few few shows that shows that actually has some real character growth from beginning to where we are now. It, it's each of these characters is being affected by the others in a very profound way. I mean, there's crazy shit going on all the time, mm-hmm. but it's the humanity that they're all trying to latch onto within themselves and then to connect to with each other. That makes it really powerful. Um, and I, I hated cyborg when he first showed up and he's getting better. He's not as irritating as I first found him. So that that's a good thing, um, but it, it, there's just so much that's going on in the show, and, and the meta ness of it with the Alan Tudyk narrating, as well as being the villain, and just the weird shit that happens within each episode. It, there's just so much to this show that I I had no expectations for. It's really surprised me, and it's become absolutely incredible in in my opinion. Uh, I love I, I love I fucking Tupperware the hell out of Doom Patrol. It That's is so awesome. good. I'm, I'm through the first three episodes and like I'm kind of like I'm trying to give Cyborg a chance because like I, mm-hmm. I, I figured like it kind of makes sense to me like that we're not going to get the Cyborg that we see like in the movies or, mm-hmm. or in, even in the comics. Like this would have to be like a Cyborg that fits in this kind of like weird 
Doom Patrol world that we're getting here. And there's got to be a reason that they've written him this way and that he's acting this way. So, yeah, I'm seeing growth from him as well. And and his character has become (laughs) not such a piece of like boring shit. Yeah. uh, yeah, That he was in the beginning. Um, And and I like the fact that he's. He's kind of the reason why the plot is going forward in a lot of ways, but he's not the focus of the story. Mm. Um, he's just a part of it. And it's just really – it's a, such an ensemble show. I, I, I just fucking love it. It's yeah. so good. I love Brendan Fraser as Robot oh, Man. So good. You know, it's so good. But um, also, uh, is it Negative Man? Uh, yeah, Matt Bomer. Man, alive. That character, the layers on that character. It's, it's incredible. So good. So good. It, yeah. In this most recent episode, it's uh, called Therapy Patrol. Uh, it's They actually show like a scene from each character's childhood and how that like that moment in their lives has affected them going forward, even before they got these weird powers mm. and how that's how it's screwing up what they can do now um, rather than letting them get better. Hmm. It's really, it's really yeah. fascinating. I've, I've always liked uh, when superhero stuff um, deals with real issues that re- regular people have. Yeah. 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 No. Agreed, dude. Um, yeah, it's great. I'm through three episodes. You're making, how many episodes are out now? Six? Seven, Seven. I believe. Yeah. You're making me like want to, like just binge like the next oh yeah four episodes yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I, I, I really need to get back to this show too i i really loved the pilot i don't know why i didn't get back and watch more of it yeah it's it's fantastic um it's definitely weird i mean i as, as you guys know deadpool is my favorite character and it's got a lot of those elements of the wackiness from the some of the Deadpool comics, mm. which which I really appreciate. Uh, there's just <laughs> some of some stuff that happens is just so off the wall. You have no idea where it's going, yeah. and I, I love that element of of not being able to predict it. Uh, it's you know, it just makes me so excited for Star Girl. I, I love mm-hmm. Joel, I love Joel McHale, so I can't like he's going to be in the show, oh, and yeah. I can't wait to see Joel McHale in that. Um, and, uh, Swamp Thing, and then even the, the Harley Quinn animated show, like, I cannot oh. wait for that. Mm. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco from, uh, The Big Bang Theory is gonna voice Harley Quinn in that. We got our first, like, look, uh, at the animation from that show recently. It was fun, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the DC Universe is, as between Titans and, yeah. and Doom Patrol already, it's, it's, I, I, they haven't had a miss as far as I can tell. Dude, I'm watching. Hold on. Check this out. I I am watching the old Shazam show from like <laughs> 19, like the 1974. Like, wow. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I didn't grow up with that show because, uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't born yet. And <laughs> I know it, I think it was on syndication, though, like on nickelodeon or something at one time but i i i never wore i i don't remember watching the show so like i think it was like a saturday morning type of thing you know and um Hmm. i'm watching the show and it's i'm getting a kick out of it because it's 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 like the production is like by today's standards is like really bad but (laughs) but like on the flip side like i get a kick out of this show it's like um, 
every show's got, every episode's got a great lesson for kids, like a really good <laughs> lesson for kids. And I, I, I appreciate shows like back, like back in the day that at, at the end of every show, like, you know, like G.I. Joe, they always had like, you know, like that, uh, you know, yeah, uh, Sergeant Slaughter moment. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and. Oh, what did they always say? Uh, and and knowing is half the battle, you know. Like there's a, there's the, well, at the end of, at the end of the Shazam show, like you've actually got you know Captain Marvel. Uh, they could call him that back then, um, but uh, uh, he would come out there and say, "Hey, today you learned a valuable lesson about you know like not." Um, jerking off in public you know like like <laughs> you can get ar- you can get arrested for that you know like he, he's telling you like you learned a good lesson about this and that and it's funny though because like every episode ends with like just him like it's a it's a every episode ends with him doing something that is just a feat of strength like he has to you know it, it requires in this moment that he lift something or you know run really fast or something just a just a feat of strength that he has to perform that'll solve uh, the world's problems at the end there so um, <laughs> I, I'm getting a kick out of it I, it's it's, a, it's addictive I cannot stop watching it the the uh, special effects are terrible and it's kind of uh, endeared me to the show and um, I don't know why I continue. It's one of those things like late at night. I'm just like, man, I don't want to watch like I don't want to watch uh, an episode of the OA right now. I don't want to watch uh, anything too deep, you know, where I have to think too hard. And you just watch this fucking Shazam show. And it's, just, yeah. it's, it's this little, candy. Yeah, it's this young boy that hangs out with this old man. Uh, <laughs> this this guy named Mentor. They, and everybody calls him Mentor. Like it's not like, you know, it, you know, it's like real names like, uh, you know, Jason Clark or something or Jason Biggs or something. That's <laughs> the American pie kid. But like everybody just calls him mentor. I think one guy might have called him Mr. Mentor at one time, which I was like, whoa, Mr. Mentor. But it's just like this old guy. That hangs out <laughs> That's with my it. father. It's weird. <laughs> it's this weird old guy, young guy relationship that nobody questioned back then, which now is a big deal. Because like now you would never get back to the future. You would never see Marty, this young 17-year-old guy, hanging out with an older guy. You would never get that. Because like now everybody's like, ah, he's, eh, he's a pedophile. He's fucking that kid. You know, like it, it just doesn't happen anymore. Like back then, I, I don't know, people were people innocent back then that we didn't care why this 17-year-old kid was hanging out with a fucking 50 year old guy I <laughs> yeah we i guess we we were just uh, things were innocent we didn't think anything of it yeah it's weird though right marty hanging out with uh, doc brown you know oh yeah well, Jake, yeah it is very odd I, I i always felt like there was drug dealing going on behind the scenes <laughs> it's, it's just bizarre you know like <laughs> it's weird it's really fucking in uh if you read uh if you look up online, they, they did come out with uh, the reason of how, like, they met. You can read about oh, it. Oh, I, I have read that. I, yeah. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, they kind of tried to make it less weird. It didn't really work so well. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a kid, I didn't question it. But that movie's weird. You can't make that movie now. You can't have a movie where, like, uh, the mother is, like, wanting to fuck her son. Right? Oh, it's just on HBO. Yeah, I mean, I, and the movie, I think the movie doesn't play it, like, you know the characters don't have the knowledge, but yeah, even yeah, it is very strange. Oh, dude, she wanted before they kissed. She wanted to fuck him. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying she doesn't know that he's her son. Oh, I know. Like, the, yeah, I know. But like, that doesn't matter anymore in the world that we live in now. They wouldn't have done. They won't do that now. Like Game of Thrones. 
They could do that there. Yeah, yeah. but like no, the modern day, like modern, like oh, if they, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 like yeah, like sure, yeah, incest is no big deal in Game of Thrones, whatever, you know. Yeah, mm. well, I mean, it's not modern day and Back to the Future either because they travel back to the past. But it was modern day back then. It was 1985. <laughs> so I'm saying weird. if the movie was made today, yeah, and they go back, like, fuck off, Jake. <laughs> you're saying it's okay it's okay in, i asked for that it's it's okay in 1955 if mom wants to fuck her son yeah but that's not that's not like what she, that's not her motivations dude anytime 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 you are romantically involved with anyone you always have there's always the knowledge that this could lead to a sexual encounter okay you always have to be wary that it could be your time traveled kid. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm no, that's not coming into play here. I'm saying that anytime you're interested in somebody in that way, you always know that there could be a moment when you're like whipping out genitalia and fucking each other. You know what I mean? Hopefully. And I'm, I'm saying that. What the? Why the fuck are we talking about this? I know. I'm a, I, don't, I agree with these statements that you're making. I don't. I don't yeah. get where we're going. I don't know. <laughs> I just. I love how I talk about sex and it's whipping out genitalia. <laughs> That's hot. There we go. Like, yeah, no subtlety at all. No shit. It. Yeah, it's like two gunslingers. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Ten paces and turn around. Ten paces, turn around, and then fuck my brains out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yes, for off to. <laughs> uh, Dumbo saw Dumbo this week. Yeah, how was yeah. that? Uh, I yeah uh, yeah, it's directed by Tim Burton. We got Colin Farrell, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVita. Danny DeVita. Did I say Danny DeVita? <laughs> Danny DeVita. Got a Danny DeVita. We got a he Danny DeVita. Only green M and M's. Yeah, Danny DeVita. <laughs> uh, Eva Green uh, and Alan Arkin is in this one. I love Alan Arkin. I love Alan Arkin too. Anyway, uh, here we go. Um, you know, it. This is. It looks like a Tim Burton film, but it feels like the least Tim Burtony film I've ever watched. <laughs> it, it's weird. Um, and here we have Dumbo, like, the cartoon is literally just, like, a few minutes over an hour, and here we've got, like, nearly two hours to work with the character and kind of, like, flesh this out. Um, none of the characters, as far as, like, the animal-based characters talk. It's, like, you know, so, you know, we do get Timothy Q. Mouse in this one. Um, he doesn't talk. Uh, Dumbo doesn't talk. Nobody talks. Uh, we don't have the racist crows. If you had that question, no, there are no racist crows in this one. Um, they left that out completely. Uh, are there woke crows? No, there there are no woke crows. Crows either. <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm sorry. Um, no, I mean we we just we uh, yeah the black crows make an appearance in this one. The band. The, the band. Dude looks like he's gonna die any second. Man, he's really yeah. wasted away at this point. Yeah, the, the, the band, the black crows, shows up in the movie. Um, I you know what? I I will just give this one. It's it's nothing I will ever watch again. I'm gonna give it a solid taste. It there's it's it's just it's not a great movie. It's they 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 do some new stuff with the character here. Um, they give it a different ending too. I think it's more of a 
hi, it's here's your 2019 ending, you know, and like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so um, th- there's that. I will say that Colin Farrell is great in this movie. Like, I Tupperware Colin Farrell. Like, the, I'm buying everything he's fucking doing. Like, when Colin Farrell, like, starts talking to this fucking little dumpy elephant and says, you don't need that feather to fly, Dumbo. Like, I believe him, you know? Like, he is, no, he, I'm not even joking right now. Colin Farrell acts, he does not phone it in. He acts his ass off in this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> Eva Green, who I love, I loved Eva Green in the, in the Sin City movie. She was fantastic in that movie. Eva Green uh, gives the most bland performance I've ever seen uh, from <sighs> Eva Green here, and it's, uh, it's terrible. Um, Danny DeVito really didn't do anything for me in this movie, and I love Danny DeVito. I've been going back and watching Taxi reruns. Like, I've been watching the old Taxi. Oh, nice. I yeah, that show's fantastic. It's great. Oh, and I've been – oh, God. There's a gag in – see, now I'm going to go down a fucking taxi. <laughs> I'm gonna go, Better that than Dumbo, it sounds like. It's, Dumbo's a taste it, people. Well, watch it when it comes out. This is nothing you have to see in the theater. Watch it when it comes out, like on Redbox or if uh, – it's on HBO or something like that. This is nothing that you have to see in the theater. There's um, visually – All the stuff's cool. elephant stuff. Oh, that's bullshit. Fucking uh, bullshit, dude. Um, uh, of course Disney's not going to do an alcohol-induced elephant, right? I was hoping they would. Oh, <laughs> totally didn't do it. It's um, – like the best part of the original. It's not yes. – it's, it's in this movie, but it's not – it's not what it was – in the Dumbo movie, in the in the animated one, it, it's Man, in. That the, seemed like a natural moment for a Tim Burton Dumbo I movie, know, too, right? I, yeah, it, that's why I'm saying like this is, it's Tim Burton, and you can look around and you kind of feel like it's Tim Burton, but it's the least Tim Burtony movie I've ever seen. So that sucks, yeah. man. I've been looking forward to Michael Keaton and him doing something together for uh-huh. so long because it you know it's been so long, and a lot of Burton's best movies are with Keaton, so it's unfortunate that. We finally get the two of them back together yeah. again, and it's for some Disney rehash that seems like it's not quite worth it. But Keaton wasn't a good villain in this either. Sorry. Uh, wasn't. Love Keaton. Loved him in The Founder. I love Keaton, but loved him in Batman. I love Keaton in everything. Uh, Gung Ho. Love that fucking movie. The uh, other guys. He's so good in yeah. the, the other guys. Yeah. Uh, fuck, even Mr. Mom. I know it's like uh, today, like everybody's like, ah, Mr. Mom, you know, it's terrible, you know, and but um, I, I, I loved him. I, loved, I just love Michael Keaton. I think he's great. Anyway, oh, this taxi bit that I watched that was fucking hilarious. Let me tell you about this. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a scene in Taxi where, uh, oh, God, which, which cabbie was it? Which cabbie was it? I want to say it's Alex Riga, which was uh, Judd Hirsch's character, but I could be wrong. Here. No, I think it was Jeff Conaway. Yeah, it was Jeff Conaway. Mm. Uh, Jeff Conaway from Greece. Um, recently died, I think. Oh, wow. Jeff Conaway uh, died in 2011, I believe. Um, but uh, he's in the cab, and a guy comes into his cab and uh, is holding him up with a gun. And um, I think he, like, pulls out a gun, so they got guns pointing at each other. <laughs> and, so the, the, so, and so Jeff Conaway's like, you know, I'm, I'm not letting you take my cab fare. And the other guy's like, well, I'm not leaving until you give it to me. So they're holding each other up for, like, ever. And so, like, the, sa- the, scene, the scene, like, jumps forward in time. And you see that uh, the window is, like, all fogged up. They've been in there so long, the window's fogged up. And so 
you see them wipe off the window. <laughs> this is what's funny about this. Somebody like a cop in the meantime has left a parking ticket on the car. <laughs> And they both start laughing because the cop leaves a parking ticket, but he didn't see that these guys were holding guns at each other this entire time inside the car. This is going on. It's a funny scene. And they start laughing about it. It's a hilarious scene. That Taxi's fucking brilliant. A great, great show. fucking show. Baby yeah, face. That's a, that's a great show. Baby face Tony Danza. My God. Tony Danza, baby face. He's like 20 something in this show. Even 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 fucking Judd Hirsch is like in his mid thirties. Christopher Lloyd was what in his forties for this one. Christopher Lloyd he didn't show up in the show until like the second season, mm-hmm. and then he uh, they liked him so much he became a regular. Andy Kaufman's on the show. Mm-hmm. Jesus, fucking uh, yeah, Danny DeVito. God, what a great show! So good. It was a great show. Anyway. Surprised they haven't rebooted that. I guess they did, right? They had like a Queen Latifah movie. Yeah, I never watched that. Yeah, me neither. Fallon's in it too, I think. Yeah. Oh, is he? Jimmy Fallon? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I remember them making a taxi movie remake. I could be wrong about the cast. I thought it was Fallon and Queen Latifah. I think you're but, right. Let's <laughs> uh, see here. What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's disappointing that the Dumbo wasn't good. I, I I actually had really high hopes for that. I kind of want Burton to find form again. It seems like he gets close and then just falls right back into the same bullshit again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, not a Burton fan, so it's not surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, I love me some Edward Scissorhands and some Beetlejuice and you know those first two Batman movies, but then yes. it's mostly crap after that. His stuff in the '80s was great, or in early '90s was great, but after that, it just I used to, I used to put Sleepy Hollow on in order to fall asleep because it would take me ten yeah. minutes. I got, I got how much, how much more shit do I got? Okay, I got three more things and I'm done. Then I'm fucking I got, done. I got one more. Jesus Christ, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. I saw the, I watched the Dirt on uh, Netflix. This is the story of how Motley Crue came to be one of the most notorious rock and roll groups in history and it's directed by jeff tremaine um jeff tremaine is the guy from all the uh jackass and uh uh bad grandpa stuff like he's that you know it, it, if you're familiar with jackass if you're a big fan you know who jeff tremaine is um it's based on uh on on a the book that tommy lee mcmars vince neal and nikki six all the band members had uh, had a part in um it stars uh, Machine Gun Kelly as Tommy Lee, uh, Douglas Booth as Nikki Six. Uh, how's this guy's pronoun? Ewan Rion, the guy from Game of Thrones. Oh, is Ewan Ron. Ewan Ron. Ewan Rion. He's also in Misfits. Yeah. He plays Mick Mars in this. Uh, Daniel Weber plays Vince Neil. And um, Pete Davidson is also in this. Sh- <laughs> uh, he plays <laughs> their manager. Um, you know what? I really like this. I, you know, I. You gotta understand, like uh, I don't know these these uh, these musical biopics. We're getting a lot of them. You know what I mean? We got the Johnny Cash one initially, um, and then it, 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 now we're getting a bunch of them. You know what was a Bohemian Rhapsody was the the, the newest one that we just got, and what's the, the John uh, one? What's that? 
The Elton John one. Well, yeah, that's coming out. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, props to that for sticking with the R rating. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Good for them. And they're not skimping on, like, you know, his sexuality at all in that one. So good for them. Looking forward to that. Movie. Yeah, I read that. The studio, like, asked him to, and they were like, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I like, I'm going to give this a high taste. It, I, I, it's a lot of fun and it just kind of like goes through uh, their career and their, you know, their stardom and their, you know, like where they started and where they got to. And, and they didn't, they didn't pull back on some stuff. Like it shows the debauchery. It shows like some of the, the crazy shit that they do on tour. It's got the nudity. It's got them like having sex on the road. It's got the groupies, everything. And they don't pull back. Like, they go into, like, Vince Neil with his daughter dying. Like, I didn't think that they were going to. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to do that. And, like, I remember when that happened, you know. And, you know, Vince Neil has been, he's struggled. He's, I guarantee, still, it still haunts him and hurts him. Like, um, you know, Mm -hmm. I've I've seen him in interviews. I've seen him on shows and how it affects him. And, um, you know, um, that was rough, you know, um, for him. So, and. And, you know, these guys were executive producers on this show, on this movie. And I was surprised that Vince Neil let them use this in the movie. Um, but it was it was powerful, you know. So um, and as I was watching the movie, I noticed that uh, the lead singer that they get to replace Vince Neil in the in the movie was Anthony Vincent. And Anthony Vincent is the guy that sings our news bumper. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Um, he's, uh, he did a, he was on Fiverr and he had a gig called 10 second songs and if, you can follow this guy on uh, Facebook and you can look him up under 10 second songs. And, um, he was super talented on Fiverr. So I had him do like three bumpers for us. He did the news one. He did the old, I haven't played it in a while, but it was, uh, um, let me see if I have it here. No, I don't. Have, it was the Pop Culture Leftovers movie review where he would sing that like in heavy metal style. Oh, I love that one. And he Jake did. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, Jake sucks. <laughs> so he does that one. But he also. I'm going to see if I can play this. I hope this is it. But he did one. We, back, Jake, when we were going to do. Um, we were going to do top 20 lists. Like okay, we were gonna, and you had, oh, I, I, I remember this now. Yeah, we were gonna do top twenty lists, um, like a bonus episode. Like, oh, these are our top twenty favorite, you know, TV shows of all time. This is our top twenty favorite movies of all time. Like, we were gonna do different top twenty shows, and then have those as like bonus episodes. So I had him, and we've never done it. So I had him sing a top twenty list, um, bumper. I'm gonna see if this plays right now. I don't. I can't promise you it will play. Let me pause. All right. Yeah, it's not going to play. My computer's fucking up and Skype's being a bitch. Um, but anyway, maybe I'll, maybe I'll play that bumper in the future. But yeah, Anthony Vincent uh, uh, did uh, three bumpers for us, and one was at top 21. But, uh, and it's really cool. Like, this guy's range is just incredible, like what he can do. Um, but yeah, I'll give it a high taste. I, I, I thought it was great. I, I, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, if you watch this, if you're a fan of, like, Motley Crue, um, and you know, just a fan of like uh, all the bands that came out of the Sunset Strip back in the day, and, and the glam rock and all that shit. Like, I, and I am. Um, then you'll really enjoy this. And I, I love Jeff Tremaine. It was like all these. It's perfect, Jeff Tremaine on this, and just to show us like the fun that went on with like being in the band, but also show us like the struggles that they had, like Nikki Six with the heroin and everything. Like, it really hit on everything. It, 
I mean, at times it felt like, um, you know, like I was watching, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, those, those, uh, those little fucking, like, Lifetime movies. You know what I mean? Where, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, here's the Saved by the Bell cast and, like, the, the shit that, you know, here's the, the... Where are they now? Where are they now? Like, the, well, the, no, not even that. Like, the dark side of, like, of, of, like, the Saved by the Bell cast. Like, when they had that whole... Mm-hmm. That that TV movie that showed like what was going oh. on behind the scenes and like you know you know Slater's fucking all these you know fans of the show and like Zach and uh, Lisa um, uh, Mark Paul Gosler and uh, what's her fucking name I can't remember but they had they, they had a relationship off the set um, and um, uh, Lark Voorhees excuse me yeah they had a relationship off the set but. Like, uh, she, she was, uh, her, I think her family was, was it, were they Jehovah's Witnesses or something? So she had like a religious background. And so like, it was hard for them to be together and I don't know all this stuff, but it just kind of felt like one of those types of movies at times, the way it was filmed. But like on the flip side, like, okay, here's, here's a fucking nude woman. So it's like, this is not a lifetime movie. Um, (laughs) There's a scene where Tommy Lee goes down on a woman and you watch her literally squirt out of her vagina. So like, yeah. So like, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it may look. Is this a Netflix original movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's Netflix original. Yeah. So they're, so they can do something decent. Uh, Yeah. It's, yeah, it's good. I mean, but you know, yeah, it's good. It's a high taste it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to Tupperware it, but it's a high taste it from me. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was a high taste it for Tommy Lee in between that girl's legs, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. They, they, their fucking stories are legendary. Like, I can't even talk about some of the stories that these, you know, dude, I, cause we heard stories like growing up. Like, you know, we would talk about them. Like, me and my friends, we'd talk about like, I can't even talk about them on the podcast. So anyway, I uh, uh, saw the beach bum. Um, have you guys seen the trailers for this one? Yes. yes. Okay. The plot follows the misadventures of Moondog, uh, a rebellious burnout who only knows how to live his life by his own rules. Uh, and Moondog is played by Matthew McConaughey, uh, Snoop Dogg, Isla Fisher, Zac Efron, Jimmy Buffett, and Martin, Lawrence, Martin Lawrence, and Jonah Hill also star in this. One. This is Martin Lawrence's first film appearance in eight years. Uh, I found wow. out, um, and like you know, this this I guess this role, like everybody was like, ah, oh, this this character is made for Matthew McConaughey. I heard that they actually offered this role to Gary Oldman first, and he turned it down. <laughs> Gary Oldman, wow. Yeah. Uh, following the release of Spring Breakers and a stint of Florida Life, writer director Harmony Korine penned the Beach Bum quote based. Loosely on a set of characters he was hanging out with in the Keys. Journalist Zach Barron noted that Corinne wrote the film swiftly, and then, as he did with Spring Breakers, Corinne cast a mix of well-known actors. And that's the movie we get here. It feels like it was something that was just kind of, like, thrown together. Um, It has funny and interesting moments, but as like a full movie, it is not great. Um, at an hour and a half, this is way too long. I think like this should have been cut down to 45 minutes as a short film. Oh, wow. Um, you're like nearly into like 45. You, okay, here's the thing. You're 45 minutes into this movie before the movie reveals like what you think is going to be the plot of the film going forward. 
But then the movie doesn't even care about that because this character is so reckless and fucked up on drugs and alcohol that really nothing matters that this movie throws <laughs> out. It, it's 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 crazy. There's this part where this, this character is got a lot of money. The character has fame and. Then the money is taken away from the character. He's given stipulations on how to get the money back. And then you're like, okay, here's going to be our big growth moment with the character. And none of that happens. It's just more crazy shit and character doing drugs and drinking. And just it's but there are moments that I absolutely love. I'm going to give this movie a low taste it. But there are Tupperware moments in this movie. Martin Lawrence, his character that whole scene with his character is fucking great. It's the it's one of the best reasons to watch this movie if you are going to watch it. Like mm. Martin Lawrence's character, like go, takes does these dolphin tour, like this dolphin tour where he takes people out to to see dolphins and shit. Martin Lawrence is fucking hilarious in this. I'd say next to Martin Lawrence in this movie, Zac Efron was actually kind of enjoyable in this film. He plays uh, a guy who's in rehab. With Moondog, and uh, he's kind of, he's kind of a fucked up guy. He um, his uh, he his dad was a uh, a pastor, so like here he is, like they should, he's like listening to like um, what's that what's that band Creed? Can you take me higher? Yes. And like Moon <laughs> Dog's like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's a Christian rock band. He's like, it's kind of cool, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, like it's it's kind of funny. I think I feel like this movie is like based in like the early two thousands or something. I don't know. Um, overall, this movie is just a nonsensical clusterfuck. Uh, there's characters that you're not going to be able to identify with at all. Um, I don't think anybody. I don't know. I mean, I don't, not a lot of people in their life can afford to just get like high and drunk all the time and just have uh, you know millions of dollars at their disposal. And I don't know. It's crazy. Like I don't know. I think you have to be high to enjoy the movie. To be quite honest with you, and <laughs> I'm not saying like uh, you know go go out and get high and watch the film, but uh, you know. I don't know. Wouldn't hurt. Um, but uh, if, yeah, if if you if you if you've been prescribed by a doctor, and, uh, if you need it for your glaucoma, then uh, smoke up and watch the beach bum. I don't know. Or out here in California, you can do it no matter what. There you go. All you California residents, just get high and watch this fucking thing because it was it's it's weird. It's it's a weird fucking movie. I did laugh out loud at a few parts in this movie that were hysterical. But overall, I just wasn't a huge fan. I also saw Gloria Bell. Um, not going to talk too much about this one. Um, it's uh, about a free-spirited woman in her 50s seeks out love at uh, L.A. dance clubs. And uh, this is a new A24 film starring Julianne Moore. It's got John Turturro in it, Michael Cera's in it, Brad Garrett's in it. Um, I did enjoy it. Y- you've got this woman, Gloria. She's been divorced for 12 years. And uh, she's she's working. And then on the weekends, she goes to these, uh, you know, clubs and uh, she's looking for romance. And it kind of shows you that, like, if you let like baggage control you, like it can affect your dating life. And and uh, not necessarily I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about her either. Um, it, it, it also gives you these uh, funny moments of Gloria, like realizing that she's too good for the treatment that she gets from 
from from this guy that she's seeing and that she doesn't have to take it. And there's a pretty hysterical moment um, in this movie where she, she stands up for herself. Um, Julianne Moore and John Turturro are really good in this movie. And um, if you've, I don't know, if you've ever wanted to see like multiple scenes of John Turturro and Julianne Moore fucking each other, you're going to get it in this movie, man. I'm not <laughs> even kidding you. There are like three separate scenes of just... I don't know. I've had my fill of John Turturro fucking Julianne Moore. I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, I'll, I'm going to give this movie a high taste it. Uh, it was going to be a taste it until kind of like there was one scene that really kind of like I loved. Um, I'll also say that Sean Astin is wasted in this movie. It's like he doesn't even need to be in this fucking movie. Mm, but, that's uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Neil, what, what do you got? Okay, um, so I got into Chicago a couple days early last week, and on Thursday I was wandering around and I, I decided to go to a bookstore. Uh, it's called Afterwards. It's in Old Town, Chicago. And so I was wandering around. It's this great old bookstore. It's a couple stories. There's a, the bottom floor is uh, the basement, so super low ceilings, just rows upon rows of books. And in the counterculture section, I... Uh, was drawn to this cover. Uh, it's a red cover. It says Stan Lee. It's got a pencil drawing of him, and the subtitle is The Man Behind Marvel. It's by a guy named Bob Batchelor. And so it's basically the biography of Stan Lee. And I'm about two thirds of the way through right now. It's a Tupperware all the way. It's, <laughs> it's There's so much about his life that I didn't know. Um, from his upbringing and his parents. Yep. I knew it. Fuck. I, I lost him. I'm going to call him back. Sorry about that. It dropped. The call dropped. I, I knew Skype was going to drop on us. But, uh, Neil, you were talking about this uh, Stan Lee book. Yeah. Um, and so it, it basically talks about how his early childhood family life influenced him into become a workaholic and, uh, how he got into the industry and what one of the most fascinating things that I read early on in the book that really stuck out to me was that he um he was in the Army Signal Corps in World War Two. Um then he was based stateside so he could actually continue working for Timely Comics while he was also working for the Army. And he uh with the Signal Corps he produced uh, instructional films and other information material for the, the for the troops. Uh, one of which was um, about VD and how not to get it. And to, 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 it was basically a poster saying, telling the troops to go get regular checkups from the doctors that are around. And uh, he, he worked in this division with um, the Oscar-winning director uh, Frank Capra. Uh, he's done a fuck ton of movies. Uh, also, a cartoonist for The New Yorker named Charles Adams, who created The Adams Family. And uh, fucking Dr. Seuss was one of them oh, as wow. well. Wow. Yeah. So there was a great group of really talented artists working in the Army in World War II. And it's a, it's a really fascinating book. I Tupperware it. I'm, as I said, I'm only two-thirds of the way through. Um, right now, uh, it's during the 70s when there was the big downturn in the comics uh, industry. And the, the DC and Marvel were being bought by bigger corporations so it's a it's a really fascinating story of of, of stan lee and just kind of his ethos uh 
and how he has created some of the most iconic characters of all time. Okay, so what was this called again? Stan Lee, The Man Behind Marvel by Bob Batchelor. Okay. Now, yeah, that sounds really interesting. That sounds really cool. It's really good. It's really fucking good. And I'll, at the end of each chapter, he ends it in kind of a Stan Lee-esque exclamation. Uh, so it's kind of corny and kind of funny and just kind of it's exciting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's fun. I wonder, I wonder right. who's going to play Stan Lee in the Stan Lee biopic <laughs> eventually. It'll be some. It'll I be was some, just thinking the same thing. Yeah, it, <laughs> see, the thing, they'll get some sexy young actor to do it, right? That you never <laughs> well, think. He was a really good looking guy when oh, he was yeah. young. I'm not saying. Did, have you ever seen the picture of Tom Holland and, and young Stan Lee? Oh, yeah, yeah. They look exactly alike. Well, fuck it. Let's have Tom Holland do it. Ah, somebody out there is listening to me like, what, are you, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Google <laughs> Google Tom Holland, uh, Stan Lee, um, I don't know, doppelganger or lookalike, and you'll see the Probably. picture that I'm talking about. Like, they look exactly alike. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Hair and all, even kind of. Yeah. So, yeah, that sounds cool. One of these days we'll get that, uh, we'll get that movie. It'll happen. Oh, trust yeah. me. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Five years or less, I bet. I, I'm right there with you, Jake. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I wa- oh, thank God. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I saw, uh, I was a big fan of the movie, so I wanted to watch the, uh, premiere of the TV show of, uh, what we do in the shadows. Um, Neil, have you ever seen the film? I love that movie. Me, it's one of my favorites. Me too. Uh, Taika Waititi movie. Um, it's, uh, the series, uh, on FX is based on the 2014 film. Uh, it's, uh, written by, uh, Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. And, um, it's set in Staten Island and follows three vampires who have been roommates for hundreds and hundreds of years. But from, uh, unexpected visit from their ancient master of the old country, they must find a way to conquer Staten Island for the vampire race before he awakens from his slumber. So, um, the, you've got this ancient master that it talks about here is actually played by Doug Jones. Oh, and, shit. Uh, you find out that he had a sexual affair with uh, two of the vampires that actually um, <laughs> these two vampires, Nadja and uh, Laszlo, they're a couple. And uh, unbeknownst to both of them, they've both had sex with this uh Mass- this this uh, this ancient master. Um, so, in the show, it's just like the movie. It's being filmed like a documentary. It's a, it's played. It's a comedy, and it's it's played as such. But it's 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 being filmed like these vampires are in a documentary, and the vampires are well aware that they're being filmed by a film crew. And uh, there's also one-on-one confessionals that happen, you know, just like in the movie. And you've got uh, our main cast here is uh, Kayvon Novak as Nandor. He's a vampire who once was part of the Ottoman Empire. He thinks that he's the leader of the group. Um, Matt Berry is Laszlo. And uh, he's, uh, you know, uh, the vampire that was bitten by Nadia. And uh, he's now her lover. And then... um, Natasha Dimitro plays Nadia, and um, she is in a relationship with Laszlo, but on the side, she's secretly seeing a mortal man that she thinks is her last lover, Gregor, reincarnated. So <laughs> she's stalking this guy, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's, 
And then you've got this actor, uh, Harvey Guyon, as Guillermo, and that's Nandor's familiar, and he's served Nandor for 10 years, and he wants to become a vampire now after, after 10 years of service because he is a huge fan of Armand from Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> Antonio Banderas. Yes. Yep. Um, he even shows, like, a picture of him, like, dressed as Armand when he was like a child like like Armand cosplay I guess it was and I think they, they show awesome. they show a picture of like I think they show a picture of him holding like a photo of Armand I um the show also has uh, Beanie Feldstein um as Jenna and and then also this actor uh Hayden Setso as Jonathan these are uh two LARPing friends, so live action role play friends that Guillermo <laughs> lures for the vampires to like eat. And um, so I'll talk about Beanie Feltz now. Okay, yeah, she's, she's the girl from Lady Bird, if you've seen Lady Bird. And she plays uh, uh, Sir Sharona's best friend in Lady Bird. Okay. And uh, she's also in the upcoming movie uh, Booksmart. That looks fucking hilarious if you haven't oh, seen. Oh, that does look hilarious. Yeah, so she's in. If you haven't seen the trailer for that, watch it. I think there's oh, a yeah, red I'm band. So excited for that. Yeah, I think there's a red band trailer for it, and it looks really good. But anyway, there's also a new vampire, and this I love this. This is like my favorite addition to this. There's a new type of vampire, and it's Mark Prosh, and he plays Colin, and he's an energy vampire. And basically, he just he can drain humans and vampires of their energy by boring them to death <laughs> with like mind numbing conversation. And so he's a day walker. So he's like free to roam around during the day and at nighttime. And it's basically I think it's just a human that just bores people to death. But like he can like he can literally like drain the energy from the vampires just by him talking. And it's pretty fucking hilarious. Um, You know, like when I watched this, I was I was worried that it was going to be kind of like when you go see like a play that has like all these big name actors and then when you watch that same play on the road with like not the big name actors playing these it's not like that like this is i feel like after the first episode like i might love this just as much as i love the movie I, it's That's awesome yeah it's wow. really fun it's really good taika watiti though did direct the first episode um mm. so um but i don't know how involved him and jermaine clement are throughout the entire season but um, this first episode was really, really fun, and I really enjoyed it. And it's funny. And, um, yeah, this I, I think this is one I'm going to watch week to week. I, I, really, I really love um, the movie, and I think the show is just as great. So I Tupperware it. I think it's great. Is it a half hour or hour? Half hour. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, like, 25 minutes at the end of the day awesome. for it. So. And that is all I got. <laughs> Thank God. Cool. Jesus Christ. The long mm. section. <laughs> we should just call it Good Pop No Stop. Because, like, we just fucking. <laughs> you know, it just never fucking ends. It's just like this uh, constant diarrhea run of, eh, and I watch this and I watch that. Like, half <laughs> of it's so much my. Shit yeah, that's out there. 75% of it's my fault. Because I just. I watch so much stuff. Like, I just. I, 
I don't know. I love. I'm like uh, you know, like uh, Johnny Five when I'm. You know, <laughs> input, I'm, input, input. You know, yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm just flipping through the pages like this stupid looking dorky robot guy. <laughs> you ever uh, cosplay after Johnny Five now? Yeah, Johnny Five, Johnny Five. <laughs> oh my god! Well, are we ever gonna get a uh, fucking uh, a short circuit? Reboot, they'll do that, right? Won't they? Oh, yeah, let's do it horror movie style this time. Oh. Well, they're doing that with fucking the new Chucky. He's a robot. Oh, yeah. Dude, with this with this Mark Hamill casting of him as the voice of Chucky, they've got to be doing something. I think there's there's got to be a twist in here. It just he oh, can't yeah. just be a fucking robot. Like I'm thinking to myself, like the like the owner of this uh, toy company, this robotics company, is this eccentric guy played by Mark Hamill who's now dead or something. And it's, <laughs> like it sounds like puppet master thing. Oh, fucking Puppet Master was great. I love pu- I haven't seen the I haven't watched the new one. They came out with a a new Puppet Master movie recently. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that too. I saw like a, yeah. a quick blurb on it online. I did read the comics. Uh it was what what company did the comics? The comics Sounds like IDW. No, it's not IDW. It's Action Lab. Action oh. Lab Comics uh got the rights to the Puppet Master um franchise and uh the comics were a lot of fun i had a blast reading those comics that's cool were they like prequel comics like explaining some of the characters or were they just random stories of them causing chaos random stories they go back to like in the first issue they go back to the hotel from the first film which was really cool. oh that's cool so it's like the it's the hotel from the first film but it's like years later and uh that first movie is so fucking good with all those like different psychics and stuff like that meeting up in that house it was incredible loved it Anyway, um, yeah. What do we Ah, news! We got news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's the lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Alright, gangsters fuck news this week, people. Um, I don't watch a ton of anime. You guys know this, but I have been watching and raving about this new show called The Promised Neverland. Um... I watch it week to week, and I'm in love with this anime. I uh, just found out it's getting a season two. Uh, and if you are not watching this, uh, you can watch it on Crunchyroll, High Dive, or Hulu. Uh, it's available on all three. And uh, Jake, if you have the VRV, you know how VRV is pronounced? I went to the panel. It's not pronounced <laughs> VRV. It's pronounced Verve. I never would have known. Neither would I. I went to the Verve panel. Um, and, um, I don't know, that was, it was kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, really? They didn't promote themselves very well? Yeah, they did. I mean, they promoted themselves, and they showed, like, all the different services they had on there. But then they spent, like, uh, 15 minutes showing, like, this new show, um, that was going to come out on the 28th on one of the, on one of the, on one of the Verb, um, channels, and it was, like, not a good show, but anyway. That's the wizard one you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, it was wizard. I didn't want to call him out, but it was 
pretty crappy. <laughs> it was Way pretty, to go, Neil. It was a, it, it's a funny concept. The, the concept of the show. I don't, it, Neil's my number one. You can do whatever the fuck. You, Neil, if you, <laughs> Neil, if you were to literally like right now, if you wanted to drop trow and just take a shit during this podcast, I would let you get away with that. Like right now. Thinking about it. And what you're listening to is Neil take a shit right now. Um, but no, it's a sh- it's a show called Wizard W Z R D. It's a um, it's a, kind of like a uh, like a college campuses like uh, cable access show. Uh, it's presented that way. It's like. It's presented as like if you are um, if you didn't get that uh, acceptance letter to Hogwarts, you can go to this uh, community college for wizards, and it's it looks just like a regular community college, and you see like like the library in a community college, and like you know like these cheap little photos of like witches like flying their broomsticks, and like a it's a funny concept it just wasn't it just didn't play off well and they had like a skit where like a vampire was saying like hey come on out to the blood drive give blood and it's basically just a trap to lure you in there so you can suck your blood i don't know it's just like some of the jokes were low-hanging and some of the acting wasn't great i don't know it just was at wizard why am i talking about this i didn't want to talk about fucking wizard no it's fine just i I just thought it was funny because the lack of vowels in both their company name and the show name oh yeah 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 great point neil um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> can i buy a vowel can neil buy a joke um not from not from verb you can no you know um but I, uh, the promise neverland if you're not watching this one, please watch it. it, it it's it, it, if you don't like anime, or, or maybe you don't know if you don't like anime. Give this one a shot. I I, I think uh, um, you'll enjoy. It. And if you don't have any of those services, uh, it's coming to Toonami on April 13th. So um, you can watch it on Toonami. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Saturday nights on Adult Swim is Toonami. And then you can you can uh, starting on April 13th, uh, they're going to show The Promised Neverland. So Please watch this show. It, it's absolutely fantastic, and it is getting a season two, so you, you can know when you're watching season one that it, you're not just going to be left on a cliffhanger. But um, really, really great show. It's a basically these kids are uh, um, they live in this house. Um, they have a, a woman take care. It's like an orphanage, and this woman they call mom takes care of them, uh, and uh, once they get adopted, uh, they. Uh, you know, they, they 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 leave and they never come back. Now, what happens is uh, this girl leaves like her her stuffed animal that she loves so much. It, she's getting adopted, so some of the other kids go out to find her and give her her doll back. And what they stumble upon is her not being adopted or leaving the you know orphanage um, with her new family. They find her body in like this liquid and she is demon food, a food for demons. So like these kids are being harvested and they are being raised to be demon food. And the kids learn the truth here. And it's all about them trying to find an escape from this place, but things aren't as easy as they seem to maybe get out of this place. And, uh, um, I, I thought this whole season was fantastic. Um, me and True Breezy, one of our listeners on uh, Twitter, we've kind of been exchanging back and forth about this show. Like, you know, she loves it as well. So I highly recommend um, 
to watch uh, The Promised Neverland. Really good shit. Season one is wrapped, too. Yeah. Uh, season finale was just on Thursday, I think. So I just watched it uh, a couple days ago. And oh, my God. So fucking good. Cannot wait for season two. Really looking forward to it. Um, Josh Cooley, the director uh, for Toy Story 4, confirmed on social media that Don Rickles will be the voice of Mr. Potato Head in uh, Toy, Toy Story 4, uh, even though the comedian passed away in April of 2017. So he started off a tweet with a quote from Don Rickles himself that said, quote, some people say funny things, I say things funny. And then Cooley goes on to say, all of his pieces may be replaceable, but his voice is not. Honored, he signed on for Toy Story 4. Honored, he's in Toy Story 4. So apparently before he died uh, in the contract, it sounds like he's given Pixar permission to use archival recordings. And they'll be able to piece Don Rickles' voice into Toy Story 4 somehow. Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, you know, it's never the same when they have to alter the voice. I mean, you know, R.I.P. Slinky Dog. You know, he mm-hmm. unfortunately they didn't get the same treatment there, and you you can absolutely tell it's not yeah. Jim Varney anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's great, great news. Yeah, um, what are your thoughts on that Toy Story Four trailer, Jake? I feel like you're. I'll be honest with you. I feel like you're going to be more forgiving than I am. I don't know. I didn't like it very much. I'm I, right there with you. I, it's just too much. It's just too goddamn depressing at this point. It's almost like, man, and it's crazy depressing. Like, and there wasn't really any like knee slapping funny moments between the ventriloquist dolls and the kid constantly crying. I was just like, ah, this I don't story this. does not need to be told about a little girl making a fork. You know, like <laughs> it's fucking yeah. dumb. This little girl makes a little toy fork, a little fork man, forky, whatever the fuck. And then uh, the, he's like, fuck this. You know, I want to be I, I, you know, I want somebody to use me as a eating utensil. Fuck this. I'm out. Peace. And like Woody's like, no, you're this little uh, girl's toy and uh, I got to go hunt you down. This just seems stupid. And then uh, it, it's like this movie does not like part three ended so perfectly. This movie does not need to be made. I feel like this is just like a. I don't know. I understand. Like they're saying, like, we had another story to tell. And it's like, OK, at the end of the day, you might. You might tell a great story. I don't know. But going in, I don't think this story needs to be told, and I don't yeah. care. Yeah, man. What fucking kid is this for, too? Like, it's so dark. Like, the, yeah. the whole Forky thing. He's like, he, like, questions his existence. Basically said, like, <laughs> he basically wishes he didn't exist and literally throws himself out the window in effort to kill himself. Yeah, this is in like the a, trailer. This is like uh, like 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 Island of Dr. Moreau. Like he's created something <laughs> that just wants to die, right? Yeah, he's a freak of fucking nature. Yeah. Spork. It's like yeah, it, kill me, just kill me, you know? Like even it, yeah, even it's not far removed from that. It's not. Like even the even the fucking <laughs> the belly creature in Total Recall, the uh, Quato, oh, yeah. like wants to <laughs> Quato doesn't want to die and that's a freaking nature. Like Quato is like, yeah, sure, I'll show up every once in a while and uh give you, you know, some uh some advice here, you know? Uh I'll yeah. pop out of this I'll pop out of this guy's belly as his eyes roll back into his fucking head and join this conversation every once in a while. God, that's one of the most violent fucking movies ever. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Total Recall, that first one. No, I love it, too. I love yeah, it, too. It's so, so good. good. Uh, more, some more quick hating on the Toy Story 4 trailer. I yeah. also thought it's super obvious 
of the twist that uh, Bo Peep is the villain right here on the first full length trailer. So yawn for that. I just yeah, yeah I, I I am not uh, this movie just why why I hate to say it's a cash grab but it just feels like but it is yeah it is I mean you know like I'm looking forward to like uh, you know Pixar doing you know new stuff and I it, it feels like here we are we're still you know 25 26 years later or whatever we're still doing shit with Toy Story and it's like come on I don't know yeah, it's like hard to even know if it'll be the last anymore either, right? It's like every one, it feels like they're not going to do it anymore, and then it's one more time. Yeah, we're back. We got another story to tell. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm a little bit alone in the camp that I don't even think Toy Story 3 was very necessary. I, I actually think we could have ended it too. Oh, I love Toy Story 3. I thought it was really gone. Yeah, uh, I found Huggy Bear to be kind of a yawner of a villain too. I didn't like. I wasn't a big fan of. I know you. I know you love two, but I wasn't a big fan of two. That was like my least favorite of the Toy Stories. Yeah, yeah, so. and I, I know I'm a little bit alone in that camp, but two is by far my favorite. Um, and that's the reason, like, why it's not my top uh, animated trilogy of all time. Like, uh, um, you know, the uh, the dragon movies. Those I love those. This is great. So. Ugh. I finally just got a hold of those on digital, so I'm going to be able to watch those first two movies now. Let's uh, see. News uh, from Dark Horizons here. Uh, I know other outlets were reporting it, but I'll read it from Dark Horizons. 12-year-old Captain Marvel actress uh, McKenna Grace, who plays young Carol Danvers in the film, is in talks for the leading role in Jason Reitman's new supernatural adventure film, Ghostbusters 3 at Sony Pictures. This was first, like, they were in talks. No, it's confirmed now. Um, the... Uh, director for the movie uh jason reitman came out and said that yes um all these castings are are legit so uh finn wolfhard uh has been cast as her brother and uh carrie coon from the leftovers is playing her single mother um and so this is going to get a july 10th 2020 release uh this is happening so uh here's the thing Do you think that they are going to have a connection to the original Ghostbusters? Could these be the grandkids of Venkman or Egon Spengler or, you know, one of these one of the original Ghostbusters here? Yeah, I think that's very likely. I think they're going to make very blatant connections between the original movies and this one from kind of the stuff I've seen Jason Reitman say on Twitter about this film. It seems like they're going to connect this to the original first two movies as much as feasibly possible. So I could see that very likely be in the case that there's some relation here with characters from the past franchise. I think so too. Um, here we go, but we're getting kids here. Is this, uh, is this what you want? I mean, are they going to, are they going to go? Like, it feels like this is, they're getting the fucking kid from stranger things for crying out loud. We're getting fucking Finn Wolfhard from stranger things is going to be in this movie. It feels like this is very stranger things inspired and like, you know, like getting these kids in here to, be the Ghostbusters. So are they, I mean, are they gonna, are they gonna go all out with like a, like a, like a real PG 13 kind of rating here? Um, and make this a little bit more adult or is this going to be like a kid's movie? I, I hope that they're, I hope with, I hope with this one that, uh, I don't, I don't want to see a kid's movie as far as like the Ghostbusters concerned, to be quite honest with you. You know, I'm not saying I want to see, 
It's not like I want to see actually like, you know, like Dan Aykroyd in the first one. I, it's not like I really want to see a ghost blowing him, you know, like I don't need that. <laughs> but no, I, but that's I get what you're saying. That's kind of what's so brilliant about the original movie is that it works on both levels. Yeah. Like, right. When we saw it and we were eight, yeah. it was just awesome because of the high concept like science fiction shit going on. But then when you see it, when you're like fucking 16, you're like, oh, my God, there's like 800 sex jokes in this yeah, movie. Exactly. Yeah, the gatekeeper and the keymaster. The keymaster's the penis. <laughs> keymaster's the penis, and the gatekeeper's the vagina. You know, it's just a. I don't know. It's all Vinkman, Vinkman's entire character was over my head at eight years old. Oh sure, mm-hmm. yeah. The whole like, there's a lot of sexual innuendos in the movie, and we didn't catch it when we were kids. We were just like, oh my gosh, it's a big marshmallow man. You know, like we didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Slimer. Yeah, Yay! right. So. <laughs> I just hope yeah, that that's, they, what's, that's what's so brilliant. I hope this new movie tries to achieve that 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 same level that yeah. all the eight year olds want to see it and enjoy it and aren't bored, and all the adults are cracking up at some of the more risque humor. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you thinking, Neil? Yeah. Well, I mean, Finn Wolfhard must be getting close to being eighteen by now, right? Jesus Christ! I, mean, I think he's I think he's like nineteen now, dude. I yeah. Don't, I mean, so like, he, yeah. He, He's playing. He must be playing a you know young adult, and he's like character. he's like seven foot tall now. Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> he's like he's like um, he's like the center for like the Clippers now. It's <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. So so Neil, it's okay for Thanos to fall in love with Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I I just think that they. I, I hope they don't have a real connection to the original movies as far as being fam, uh, family members or anything like that. I just hope that they they find the, the car in the barn or whatever and start going on adventures or, or, or something. I, I, I don't know what to think about it. Why, um, why, 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 why do you want to distance it from the original? Like, why? What's the – like? Wh- how would how would that I want to know how that's going to harm the film? Well, if, I don't if, think it would necessarily harm it. It just I I I, I want to see something a little more original than uh, oh, this is Venkman's grandson uh, <laughs> taking up the family business. I guess uh, I mean it's I don't I mean it's I don't know if it's like like okay like how more original it's going to be for like well here's. You know, Susie and Billy, and they're not related to Ghostbusters. Wow. It's just. Wow. But all the original <laughs> cast are here, too. No, I, yeah. we don't know. Well, I mean, we don't know who's going to show up, except for Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd. I'm sure they're beating down the door to get in this movie. Like, Bill Murray's not, you know, I don't know if Bill Murray's going to make an appearance in this or not, but. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I I don't have a problem either way. To be I, like, it, it could be like they could yeah. be totally unrelated, or they could be one hundred percent the grandkids of one of these characters. And I don't think it'll hurt either way. I I don't know. I have a hard time seeing this as being as good as the original in any way. I um, agree. I, I I don't really need this movie. I don't really want this movie. Uh, I do like I mean, I like all the cast members. And if they have a good story that they really want to tell in this universe, fine. Uh, But if they're just trying to make money off of the fact that the last one didn't do as well as. 
Oh, that's a they good. Wanted that's to. a good. That's a good sign to quit too. Like, here's the thing. Like, you know, they've been making Ghostbusters comic books for for years now. <laughs> there's a ton of stories I think that they can tell in this universe. Like, I, I, there's something I love about proton packs. You know, I just mm-hmm. you know, and like, uh, just kind of like catching the ghosts and like ectoplasm and all this stuff. I love that stuff. I love this whole world. And I think like if you do get like the right writers in there to. I think you can I think we can have a great Ghostbusters movie again. Will it ever beat the first one? Like, oh god, probably not. Like no. that's like like first off, <laughs> no. Well, first off, hold on. Here's the thing. And I want to this is kind of a weird thing to kind of compare it to. But and I know it sounds crazy, but for us growing up, we watched a movie called The Karate Kid and we absolutely loved The Karate Kid. I I'd say like Neil, you're a big fan of The Karate Kid, right? No. Really? Shut the fuck up. No, I never really wa- I, fuck I watched Fuck you. It. Fuck you. You're not my number one. Um, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? You- I, I mean, I liked it just fine. I, I never watched it when I was a kid. I didn't watch it until I was okay, a, a, okay. a teenager. Jake. Oh, God. Please, Jake. Yeah, dude. I'm catching flies with chopsticks right this second. Thank you. Jake loved it. I, I loved it, too. Like, I grew up, you know... it. And I think a lot of that has to do with I love the Rocky movies, like uh, the underdog story. Like, didn't wasn't Karate Kid and Rocky written by the same guy? Uh, I did not know that. Can you look? Can you find out? Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. like, here's the thing. Like, um, I loved the I feel like, I feel like I feel like Joe Rogan talking to Jamie. Hey, can you look that up? Um, I'm sorry. You're, Jake, you're not my Jamie. You're my co-host, and I apologize for fucking, like, giving you... I didn't even know that was an insult I, to you. Apologize. I know. <laughs> I just feel like I'm giving you... I feel like I'm delegating, like, some asshole. You know what I mean? Like, I'm some asshole, like, delegating a job here, you know? Um, but anyway, I, for me, like, growing up, I asked the wrong guy. Sylvester so Stallone st- wrote Rocky. So he wrote... He was the only writer on that one? Oh, director. Director, excuse me. Director, I apologize. Oh, yeah. My bad. Director. Um, but, uh, um, what was I saying? Correct. Okay. He thank directed you. Rocky, Karate Kid, Karate Kid 2, and the much loved Rocky 5. Right. Okay. All right. So, um, when I watched Karate Kid, I loved it. I should have started with you, Jake, not ask Neil. Like, <laughs> Neil ruined this for me. Like, who doesn't like fucking Karate Kid? I watched yeah, it, dude. I liked it, but uh, what the I fuck? It was funny, you know. Jesus yeah, I Christ. It. I, it was good shit. Yeah. What year did that come out? And who gives a fuck? You didn't like it. 89. Does it, does it, uh, 84 is when Karate Kid came out. Oh, I'm looking at two. Yeah, I was one when that came out, so... I didn't have the same weight as it did for somebody who was a little older. Yeah. One. Yeah, that's, that's, that's your excuse. You were one. <laughs> God, all I did was fucking stand on shit and do the crane kick. Man, I, you see, here's the thing. But when I watched Karate Kid, I loved that movie. And I was like, oh, my God. And then they did Karate Kid, the new reboot with uh, Jackie Chan and Will Smith's little fucking kid. Oh, Jaden. Here's the thing, though, Jake is that kids that grew up with that Jaden Smith, and I know this sounds like blasphemy, but kids that grew up with that Jaden Smith version love that version over the Ralph Macchio version. It's true. And I'm not saying all, yeah. ki- not, I'm not saying all kids, but a lot of kids, like, now, that, now that they're growing up, and they, they're, they, they are that age of like Jaden Smith now, they're an adult, 
they're coming out and they're saying, I like the Jaden Smith version. Like that's my, that's my karate kid. I know this sounds crazy, but, but it's true. I'm not, I'm not no, making it is true. This up. You see the same phenomenon with even star Wars. Like right. a, a lot of the biggest prequel defenders yes. are the people that were eight to 12 when those movies came out that could appreciate Jar Jar Binks and his antics. Like they, they, they grew up laughing at Jar Jar Binks. You know, they weren't like jaded, like, like me <laughs> when I was watching, you know, fucking stupid, you know, like I, I was just like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? I, somebody, I don't know, take a lightsaber to his fucking head. And, um, but so like, uh, what's my fucking point here? This new Ghostbusters, the kids that are watching this new one with these kids fighting ghosts and shit like this could be their Ghostbusters. And so for us, of course, it, nothing's ever going to beat that first movie. It's not like I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, fuck that one with Bill Murray and Aykroyd and, you know, uh, Harold Ramis. And uh, Ernie Hudson, that's ah, garbage. No, we're always going to love that movie over whatever we get. I mean, there, there's that nostalgia. But for, like, kids that grow up on this new Ghostbusters, like, that might be, if the movie's good, that might be their Ghostbusters going forward. They might not be able to watch, like, the old one and, and uh, get it like we do, you know? So, I, I, you know. I hear that. And, and, like, it's probably the same with, like, the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles for some kids. Like, that's their Ninja Turtles. It's not my Ninja Turtles. Yeah. No, no kids like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Definitive answer. (laughs) Are they rebooting that already, too? Oh, probably. I think they are. I think they are rebooting the Turtles. It sounds right. Like, I heard something like that. I swear I read that blurb, like, a couple months ago. Yeah. Um... My Marvel News Time. Yeah. Is that how I introduce it? Marvel News Time. <laughs> right? Is that the new bumper? Marvel News Time. And my voice trails off. Mar- Marvel I News like time. it. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. yeah, fuck it. I'm not playing the bumper. Da-da-da, da-da-da. Yeah, Marvel News. Um, Marvel News. We've uh, news from Deadline. Uh, sources are saying that Girl Interrupted Oscar winner Angelina, jo- Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Yeah, I fucked up her name. Fuck you. Oh, yeah. Let's. Hey, let's laugh at him struggle. I was laughing at Neil's outrageous laugh. Let's laugh at Brian's struggle here. You, you try. You try reading as much shit as I do on this goddamn show, Neil. You do it for one fucking week, you son of a bitch. Every fucking week, I gotta read shit. And I do this shit for four to five hours. You do it. You keep it. Oh yeah. Now you're now you're you're about ready to pass out from being an asshole, aren't Neil you? Neil needs a fucking paper bag. Jesus Christ! It's not that funny. I fucked up her name. Get over it. Let's compose yourself, you son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Brian's struggling. Hilarity ensues. Fuck you. Um, yeah. Anyway, Angelina Jolie is in talks for Chloe Zhao's feature take on the Jack. I'm not that angry, people. Uh, <laughs> Chloe Zhao's feature take on the Jack Kirby title, The Eternals, uh, from Disney and Marvel. And uh, it's about near immortal beings, the Eternals, and their more gargantuan antagonists, the Deviants who were created by the cosmic beings called Celestials. Um, so uh, it's not certain which uh, role Angelina Jolie is going to play. Um, and uh, Disney provided no comments about the news. 
And uh, let's see here. So um, back in 2000, we don't really know 100% what the movie's going to be about. Um, but back in 2018, the rap reported that uh, multiple screenwriters were tapped to focus on a story that revolves around the female eternal known as Cersei. Then later, in September of 2018, we learned of the rumor that the story would be a love story between Icarus, a man fueled by cosmic energy, and Cersei, who relishes moving against the humans. Um, In the comics, Cersei lives among the humans and uses her illusions to entertain them. Uh, She then eventually settles down in New York City and becomes a party planner. That sounds fun. Um, So... uh, you know, so I think like it is going to take we are going to go back in the past on this one. I believe it's going to start off, but I think it eventually will take us to present day. As for Angelina Jolie playing Cersei, I don't know. Like that seems like our best guess here. Do you think that Angelina Jolie is going to play a character like long term or do you think like this is like a one movie and done? I don't know. It feels like this movie to me is going to have a big kind of like ensemble cast. And I don't know if she's going to be the focus on it. She may as well be Cersei. And um, I don't know. What, what are you guys thinking? I, I just, I don't know if I see Angelina G- Jolie sticking around for this long term. Yeah, that's kind of where my head's at. I mean, you know, she's, you know, got, can get pretty much any project she wants. And I'm sure she wants to probably make some more movies. And it's just such a commitment to, you know, sign these big Marvel multi-picture deals. Um, I kind of have a feeling that she's probably going to be a one and done excited I, I, to see what she brings to the table though. I, I think she may do like a three picture deal where, um, you know, she'd do this movie. Then she may appear briefly in, you know, a couple of movies down the line. Would, okay. Um, hold on. When they announce that three picture deal, do you think the headline will be three turtles? <laughs> no. Okay. Right. You know, it fuck you so hard, man. <laughs> oh man. Right. You can sir see your way off the podcast. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, it's Will she be? Yeah. Will she be playing Cersei though? Like the main, the main character? Like I don't know. From what I've seen on like Screen Rant and on Twitter and whatnot, that's what people are assuming. But we have no fucking idea what this yeah. movie even is. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. I mean, like everything that I've, you know, like the rap is just reporting rumors and and things like that. But I, I can see some of this stuff happening. Like it would be a. You know, revolving around Cersei and and the love story between her and Icarus, and um, I can see that happening. But I I can also see it ended up in modern day, which leads me to believe like this is not just like a one and done movie itself. Like this, these characters would like live on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, You know, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what Jolie does. I I mean, she's taken a five year break from acting. She hasn't done anything since 2014. So like, she's you know directed a couple movies, like you know, Unbroken and then uh, a documentary. And then I think she did another movie. So she's, she's done some movies here. She, and she's got Maleficent coming up. She might be kind of just like wanting to do something with Marvel here. She might be making the time to, to make a little bit of a commitment. Like Neil saying, like a three picture deal with Marvel. So we'll see. I, 
And that's an interesting point with her kind of not doing as much as she had been doing lately. I mean, this might be a way for her just to get some income and, you know, still stay in the in the notoriety for a bit. Yeah. Well, it also seems like everybody who's been doing these last, you know, slate of Marvel movies has just been having a great time doing it. And so yeah. maybe she's heard something from her former co-stars that, hey, just come on board and have a good time and make some money and you know, influence the next generation of people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause like, uh, you do a, you do anything Marvel movie, like any Marvel movie, excuse me. Like that's a legacy. And I think like, you know, you know, 20 years from now, people are still going to be watching these movies and like kids will be watching these movies and they'll, they'll remember her, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, that they'll remember her as maybe Cersei or whoever she's playing in the Eternals movies, like, you know, 20 years later. That's why a lot of actors star in these kids movies, because they know these kids are going to grow up and, you know, who knows like what's going to happen to their careers, like later on down the road, like they might get, you know, they might get plucked. <laughs> plucked uh, to, uh, to just to play a small role in something mm-hmm. that might you know restart their careers later on just because like some but somebody remembered like that role that they played in the inspector gadget movie or you know some, you know <laughs> so and maybe one of her one of her many kids asked her why she hadn't been in a marvel movie or something and, That's and true. she's yeah says, okay yeah, yeah yeah it's very true um and that was the Oh, my God. You hear about that all the time with actors saying, like, oh, my kids wanted to see me do something like this. And so that's why mm-hmm. I did it, you know? Yeah, you do hear it. Robert Redford, I think, was saying that when he was in Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, what was it? Ralph Macchio was talking about that at the Cobra Kai panel at C2E2. Like, he, he was asked to be on um, How I Met Your Mother, and he said no because his character didn't get, like, the the, the lines that he wanted. And so his kids found out and they they were older, older kids at the time. And, um, they were like, what the fuck? Why did you turn that down? And so like, <laughs> you know, um, so he ended it's up, why Richard Harris did Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some, I know some other actors. Have, I know, um, uh, Denzel Washington, his kids wanted him to be like in an action movie. And so he did that movie with, uh, Russell Crowe. I can't remember the, that sci-fi film, that action movie. Cause he hadn't done any action. He hadn't been like an action star, but he did. Like, it was in the nineties when he did this. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It was an okay movie. Um, it wasn't great, but it was all right. Hey, uh, more Morbius videos are starting to leak. We got some, uh, Morbius, uh, set videos and photos are starting to leak here. And we're seeing, uh, Jared Leto as Morbius. Um, we saw him, in this most recent leak, in an orange prison jumpsuit tied up to wire rigging, and he's either jumping or flying. If I had to guess, it looks like he's flying by the way he's kind of like positioned himself. Um, and then we also saw our first shots of Matt Smith as the villain of the film, uh, Loxius Crown. They spotted him on set on the 26th, and uh, he was shown in, in the scene kind of like staring down Leto. And I was, he was wearing, like, a suit and tie and then, like, this coat over that. And uh, I guess he's going to become Hunger from the comics. I, I'll be honest. I'm not familiar with the characters. Me either. So. What? You weren't reading the Morbius, the Living Vampire solo book? Oh, man. It's, <laughs> it's at the top of my to-do list, but no. Oh, man. I got all those Rise of the Midnight Suns titles. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Nah, it's not my thing. Tyrese Gibson is rumored to have a role in this one. Um uh, 
Daniel Espinosa is directing this movie. He directed uh, Safe House with uh, Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds, and he uh, directed Life with Ryan Reynolds, which uh, we thought at one time could be the prequel to <laughs> Venom, um, showing how the virus got to Earth, which is crazy because this movie is a spinoff set in the same universe as Venom. Yeah, that is wild. Really? Like, yeah. Venom didn't kind of prove that wrong by any means. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Morbius is going to follow uh, the character of uh, Dr. Michael Morbius, who's a biochemist uh, who attempts to cure a fatal blood disease by injecting himself with a treatment serum derived from bats. And that serum transforms him into the anti-hero Morbius, who has all the qualities of the vampire, including a taste for human blood. And so... Um, I- you kind of just know that's going to go wrong right from the jump, right? Eh, nothing could go wrong. I'll just inject this bat serum into my body. <laughs> it's comics. It's... Oh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was trying to become Batman. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm a vampire. <laughs> Damn it! Well, you know, Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider. I mean, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, but that was an accident. He didn't, like, self-induce it into himself. Well, this, I mean, you know, this guy's trying to, he's, uh, there's a reason he's using bat blood, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it like some Mr. Freeze shit? Isn't oh. he trying to, like, heal some loved one? I don't know. It's stupid. It's all stupid. It's, uh, we've got a guy turning into a, a bat guy. It's, it's, I, it's <laughs> right? I know. I just, I, the self-inducing of it made, made me laugh. He's a scientist, you know? Yeah, it's like experiment. Yeah, that makes it even more hilarious. I know. It's, it's just, uh, that's from the comics. They might change it up here. I don't know. I'm not trying to defend this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. They've got Adria Arjona. She's playing Martine Bancroft, who is Morbius's fiance in the movie. And then, you know, what a probably happen is like you know he's got this bloodlust and so you know she might uh she might you know he might worry about like oh my god i i love her but i, I want to fucking bite into that goddamn vein on her neck and so like this honestly this feels like the formula for venom in my opinion like you've got this you know anti-hero that turns into this creature right and then like the girlfriend might be at risk of being harmed by the anti-hero. Like, that's what happened in fucking Venom. Like, he he turns into Venom, and he's telling her to, like, get away from me. And she's like, no, we're, I'm taking you to the hospital. Like, And I feel like a lot of that will happen. <laughs> the same scenes will happen, yeah. Yeah, I feel, yeah. You know, I feel like, in a way... They've got, like, Sony, Sony's kind of found maybe their formula here. Like, you know, Marvel has their formula for their movies and, and it's been working for them. And I feel like Sony has maybe found their formula for their films, like where they're getting these. And this, and this, this is my opinion on like their formula is getting big stars to act in these big budget movies that are actually B films. They're B films in my, like, like Venom was a B film the way it played yeah. out. But it's, oh yeah, it's and I feel like that's what they're doing with Morbius. They're just gonna have fun with this character and um, get big stars to act in these big budget B movies. And I don't know. I, mean, I, I just I don't love think the Venom. Fun, 
Yeah, I just don't think the fun is is going to be as inherent in this movie as it was in Venom. You guys were having a fucking blast talking about this fucking scientist self-injecting himself with a bat serum. <laughs> like, they could literally just kind of do that in a silly fucking way. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying it can't be done, but it just, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I can't see Sony wanting to go real serious with this one. And I don't know, man. I I, 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 I I think it's good. it might be just as goofy as fucking Venom, for all we know. And, and we might get Jared Leto throwing himself into this character and overacting, just kind of like Tom Hardy like gave it his all in Venom, and it just seemed to work. It was just bizarre enough. to For me, it worked. I know some people hated that movie, but I, I kind of love Venom. I, I liked it a lot. It was ridiculous and stupid, yeah. but it was super fun. Oh, and it's not its not a, true to the character at all. But I, No, not even close. I don't know. I, I fucking loved it. Yeah, but, I, think it's, I think it's an apt point. I just worry a bit more about Morbius because I'm a lot more fatigued when it comes to uh, vampires than when it comes to symbiotes. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not worried about Morbius. This movie could be greater pilot crap i don't care either one way or the other and i think the general public kind of shares that feeling too i mean that's why shows like what we do in the shadows exist i think vampires kind of are a joke in pop culture now so it'll be interesting to see if this movie can kind of overcome that stigma god i think like twilight has fucked up a lot of people it really has (laughs) it really has twilight i think and rice took part of this too i love well yeah i mean i loved uh I love that first interview with the vampire. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Uh, When you get to about Mimnock, the whole thing starts to fall apart. Um, But I, you know, I I think, I don't know, I don't think Sony's going to kind of, I think they found this formula, and we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I, also, I don't see Leto being as game to be in a camp fest as, as Tom Hardy either. That's but. what I was about to bring up is I don't think that he has the same self-deprecation that Tom Hardy has. I, I don't I have never seen Leto really make fun of himself, whereas Tom Hardy seems willing to do pretty much anything. Mm. Yeah, or do things that are meant to be perceived as campy, which Hardy right. is obviously doing in Venom. Like, Bane, I just don't, too. That's the part of the formula that's kind of weird to me is Leto playing along with it. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't know either way. I just, I, 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 he is the X factor in this. Like, if if it was up to me, they wouldn't have cast Leto in this Morbius role. Um, they would have cast a different actor altogether to do this role. You know. Um, I would have been fine if they would have cast Tom Hardy in this role. Like, just, like, <laughs> just have him play every yes, single every fucking part. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and don't connect these movies to be like this Sinister Six thing yes. at the end. Just like, just have like all these fucking <laughs> movies just be okay. Yeah, we're gonna get Craven, and it's Tom fucking Hardy. Like, yeah, let's do it. I don't give a shit. You know. I don't know. I, yeah, That'd be amazing. I, yeah, just like uh, this. Yeah, three-headed monster where they, we just get Tom Hardy playing every fucking <laughs> role. <laughs> Tom Hardy's cardiac. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hardiac. Uh, no. It was so easy. Like I can't believe somebody else didn't say it. <laughs> That's good. I'm there. Yeah. You know what? I'm not. There's uh, new footage of Dark Phoenix shown at WonderCon. I'm not even going to fuck it. Yeah, look it up. Find it. Just uh, Google it. 
WonderCon Dark Phoenix footage. Google it and you can read about it. I'm not going to get into it. Um, yeah. Wise decision. Yeah. Let's move into DC news. <laughs> That's like, it's like, it, it was weird because it was like, I say, let's move into DC news. And then there was a pause and I'm like, am I past the point where I can play the bumper now. <laughs> yeah, I just we, I have to be quiet because I'm not hearing the bumper. So the second you mention something like that, I just shut up. Well, it was like it was like for that for me in that moment, I hadn't played the bumper. I know you guys can't hear it. But for me, it was like, did I I felt like I was still at that moment where I could possibly play it or, <laughs> or you know what I mean? Or if I or if the pause was it too long? And then when I dwelled on that, I was like, okay, we are way past the point where I can play this fucking bumper. It's definitely expired now. Yeah, it's gone now. Like, there's no way I can play this bumper now to where it's, to where it seems like a seamless thing. You know what I mean? Like, wow, yeah. this this guy's got his shit together. He's on top of the bumpers. No, it was kind of like one of those things where I, I, I introduced the segment and I, I, I didn't have my jingles pulled up. So I had to pull those up. Then I had my eyes had to focus on like where the DC bumper was by that time. Now, now I'm questioning whether I should even play it. No, we are we are down the road, motherfucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> we are too far down that road. <laughs> right? I see you play it anyway. Ah, fuck it. Here we go. DC bumper. Last night. Batman destroy my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Wasn't that satisfying? Anyway. <laughs> you gotta play it. One of our reviews named themselves after that bumper. That's episode. true. That's true. Zack Snyder had a huge week uh, this week. And um, I got a lot to talk about here what's uh what's going on with him um so let's uh let's start off with uh he kind of i don't know did he lose his mind during the q a session yes really okay because i'm gonna i'm you know what did you read it or did you listen to it uh i read it okay because when you read what he said it sounds like he's really lost his mind as opposed to like when you listen to it, which fuck now that you guys aren't hearing my bumpers, you won't be able to hear this. Unfortunately, I, you know, I'm going to get it pulled up so everybody else can listen to it. But when you, when you listen to it, Jake, it's, it's, it doesn't come off as crazy angry as it does when you read it. Okay. I, I can see that. I can see how they would have spent this. So, yeah, anyway, he um he he did they, they had a they they had a Q&A session um after a, a Watchmen screening event. They they screened three movies, I believe, and and it was uh uh Dawn of the Dead, Watchmen, and then Batman v Superman. And after the Watchmen screening, um this is where he talked about uh his version of Batman killing people, which, you know, Originally in the comics, Batman had killed, like, if you go back way in the comics until, like, the change. Like in the 30s. Yeah, like. Um, the Bill Finger stuff. The the late 30s. And I think Batman came out in 39. So it would be, like, uh, uh, 40s and stuff like that. Until, like, the comics code kind of, like, changed everything. And, and uh, then they kind of, like, 
reinvented that into the character. Like he, he's got a code where he doesn't kill, you know, even uh, Batman in, in the Burton film killed. So, um, a lot of people, when they read this quote by Snyder, it sounds like he's like lost his mind over this. Um, he says, uh, what is it? he sounds, he says like, once you've lost your virginity to, and he's talking about, he's talking about the Watchmen movie. He goes like, once you've lost your virginity to this fucking movie, you know, like, you know, um, and it just kind of goes off. I, I'm going to play this. I, let me play this here. I think our listeners will be able to hear it. God damn it. You, here, mother, I'm so sick of my computer tonight. It's pissing me off. <laughs> like, here we go. Oh, like Batman killed a guy. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 I'm like, wake the fuck up. It's like, yes. it's like, yes. you know, that's all. So, so like, I, I guess that's like, that's what I'm saying about like, you know, once you've like lost your virginity to this fucking movie and then you come and say to me something about like, oh, my superhero wouldn't do that. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm like down the fucking road on that yeah. you know what I mean so and it's a cool point of view look I'm 100% fine with it there, it's a cool point of view to be like my heroes are still innocent you know my heroes didn't fucking you know lie to America my heroes didn't you know embezzle money from their corp. my heroes didn't fucking commit any atrocities I'm like that's cool but you're living in a fucking dream world okay so alright so I just played it for our listeners when you when you listen to it Jake when you listen to it Neil like it's different than when you read it when you read it it just sounds angry and he's dropping f-bombs when you listen to it you've got a guy here who's like very passionate about like how he wants to handle these characters. Like he doesn't believe that you can have a guy. Um, he believes that you can write him that way, I guess, but like, he doesn't believe that you can have a guy um, in every situation that can't not kill. Right. It's hard. I don't know. It, it's one of those things where like, in the comics and stuff like that, Batman will, there'll be a bunch of like villains and stuff like that. And that you've got to like write it so that Batman goes in there and like maybe throws in like a, some kind of like a smoke bomb and like, you know, they can't see him and now he's got to like knock him out and like, you know, string him up by their legs and stuff like that. He's just kind of like, we live in a world where people do bad things and some people need to, you know, some people like he's a vigilante and like he takes it into his own hands and stuff like that. And, and, and yeah, his, his, he's like, get over it. My Batman kills. Like that's, you, you can't have like the squeaky clean hero here. Like this is just how it is in my, and so like, I'm not saying like I agree with him, but when you listen to him say it, it's totally different than like reading it. It just sounds really angry. When you read it, yeah, wake the fuck up. Batman kills people. Yeah, I, it, just listen. But you need to listen to it, Jake. I think you. I, I think reading it, you're gonna. 
you've got Zack Snyder yes. saying this, and he's being cheered on by the fans. They're wooing him, and he's well, he's, they're there for him, sure. And but he's really getting into it, and it doesn't come off as like angry, and it comes off a lot funnier than it sounds when you read it. And I know, Jake, you're not a fan of Zack Snyder, so anytime you have a chance to like rip into this guy, you're gonna go for it. I get it. I get it. And if in in all honesty, like if he would have came out and lost his mind here and just kind of like um if I felt like this was like over um overly angry uh and just spewing with hate, um no I just feel like this was a guy that's passionate about his opinion and he was kind of going off like yeah, this is like this was my Batman. This is the Batman that I wrote and blah 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 blah. I don't feel like it was kind of like him going crazy and be like, Fuck you You know, like yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's just my that's my two cents on this. Yeah, I could see how it was taken out of context. Like I could see how he's not like a raving angry lunatic. I still find the the content of what he's saying to be very questionable, right? Like we I get it, like accidents are going to happen and when you're blowing buildings up and shit there's going to be casualties but i just the directness of of batman killing in his interpretation is just something that i'm not the biggest fan of mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i i personally am not a fan of uh of 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 batman being a killer um i always thought it was uh interesting when we got you know thomas wayne who was like the gun-toting Batman, you know, in the alternate, uh, you know, universe, I, I thought that that I always felt that that was interesting. But I, I really kind of did like Batman's code of not killing. But I don't like I, you know, if Zack Snyder wants to do that in his movies. I mean, you know, I. Yeah, I get it. I just yeah. found it very hypocritical that he would cite so much homage to um, Dark Knight Returns, which is almost mostly about gun violence in a lot of ways. And then this is what he does. It just seems kind of like he didn't know what he was fucking talking about. But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, that's not the Batman that I want to see. I, my main point for like bringing that whole thing up is I feel like I like, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about this and they're just reading it. And no, I, I'm really fascinated and want to hear it now. I you need to send me that link. Is it just on YouTube or whatever? Um, it's actually, uh, somebody recorded it and then uploaded it to Reddit. Um, I think, oh, okay. I think whatever yeah, was, the Reddit I think whatever was on, uh, YouTube has been pulled down, but, uh, I was, I, I, I played it off of Reddit and I have the link here, but, uh, it's, it, I think it is different when you watch it. I, I just think like, it's no more different than when I get passionate about certain things and I'm, you know, so I, that's how I saw it. You know, like that was his version of Batman that he wanted to give us. And not that I'm saying like I agree with it, but I don't know. Um, he was also asked uh, during uh, this. Uh, it was a fundraiser event. Uh, he was asked by a fan and it was actually recorded. A fan asked him if a Snyder cut of Justice League exists. And uh, he's on video saying all I can say is, sure, there's a cut. It's done. I have a cut. I have a bunch of them. So it's not like that's up to them. He's talking about Warner Brothers. And then another video supports the statement and uh, kind of reveals here that uh, it just needs a few CGI, a uh, few CG tweaks. So apparently there's actually there was there could have been three versions of this movie. The first move, the first version of this movie was the um, they had written uh, ju- basically they had written Justice League 2. 
before um, Batman v. Uh, Batman. Excuse me. They had written Justice League before Batman v. Superman came out. Um, they had it ready to go. Him and Chris Terrio. What happened was that, uh, that makes sense too. What happened was, and so they had that original version. What happened was Batman v Superman came out. It had negative response from a lot of people. Some people loved it. Some people didn't like it. Um, and so Warner Brothers asked them to change a few things. So they had to go back in and change it. And that's what we would would get if we got the Snyder cut. If we got the Snyder cut. That's what we would get. We would not get the original Chris Terrio Snyder version. We would get what they filmed. And then, of course, we got the third version, which was when Joss Whedon stepped in after Zack Snyder left the project. Um, so apparently there, there is a Snyder cut that does exist. <laughs> they would have to, you know, uh, give it the CG treatment that it needs. And, you know, in a few scenes, some of the scenes are just like there's no CG added. So, um but it apparently does exist. I'm curious hmm. what Warner Brothers thinks about all this kind of stuff. What's Snyder doing? Is he still going to do movies for Warner Brothers? Or is, it feels like he's done with them, right? They can't, he'll they can't show like up. this kind of shit. He'll, 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 no, he, I mean, he'll still show up as an executive producer on, like, you know, Wonder Woman 84 because he he's the one who cast Gal Gadot, you know? So um, he'll still show up, I believe, as, like, an executive producer for a while but he's done he's done him and deborah are done he's got that zombie project that movie that he's working on for netflix okay yeah i i just can't he's got to be burning bridges with netflix uh, not netflix but with warner brothers saying stuff like this because i don't think they ever have any intention of releasing any other cut than what we got of justice league is it up to them though i mean see is like yes right well see i'm the reason i'm asking is like um uh, he since he uh, with his cut doesn't he have access to his cut I don't know I'm trying to figure out like how that works yeah, he like, has copies of his cut but it's just like he just can't start selling it yeah yes yeah, it's it's one of those things where like could he show it though like I, I don't think Warner Brothers <laughs> wants that I don't think Warner Brothers wants you to see what potentially you could like more than what they released and then affect your attitude towards their future movies that haven't even come out yet. I, I, Warner Brothers wants nothing to do with the Snyder Cut, and if it's up to them, it'll never be shown, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, but there's money to be made there. It's It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for them to... Hold on, it, there is money to be made. I mean, if they were to just come out with it, there would there would be people that would buy this on digital. Um, does it benefit them, though? You know, I, I don't think it benefits Warner Brothers to come out with something where we've only seen, like, the second part in what could be, like, a trilogy here. Like, the first movie was Batman v Superman, then we had Justice League, and then, like, they were going to continue with that story in, like, another movie. And, and you know, I... We, it's... That's a great point. So, like, at this point, even if they released this second... Snyder, this this Snyder cut, how satisfying is that? Because we'll never get that the final piece, right? I yeah, mean, it's, a, it's a relic of a universe that won't ever exist anymore. Right? Yeah, it, like right. So. It's like watching Amazing Spider-Man two again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no there, there's no there's no follow up. We're not going to get like that Sinister Six film that we were promised. Like, I, I'm fine yeah, with that. Norman Osborn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or not Norman Osborn. So. Um, 
Snyder uh, revealed what he had planned for uh, the Justice League was originally a, a lot darker. Um, <laughs> he said the the original Justice League that Chris and I wrote, we didn't even shoot. Um, the actual idea, the hard, the hard idea, the scary idea we never filmed because the studio was like, that's crazy. Uh, when this movie came out, understand that Chris Terrio and I had finished the script to Justice League before Batman v Superman came out. Some people didn't like the movie, a vocal minority. So they said, there's a lot of stuff we don't want you to do. So we did a rewrite that uh, from that script. We were really nervous after that response. The truth is that the nightmare sequence in this movie was always my idea that all of that would eventually be explained and we would end up in a distant future where Darkseid has taken over Earth um, and a few members of the Justice League that had survived in that world were fighting. Uh, the reports from the session continue saying it seems on this future Earth, it would appear Superman had succumbed to the anti-life equation. There's now a few surviving members, including Batman, the Flash, and a broken cyborg, all working to send the Flash back to warn Bruce. We saw that in Batman v Superman. Yes. It was the scene where um, the Flash shows up and he's like, oh, I'm here too early. Does he have a mustache, too, in that yes. scene? Yes, yes. So like, like, like for all the stuff, and I know we like we Jake, we made jokes about this, um, about how like in Justice League, like how like man, man, they they uh, they retcon so much of this stuff, then they're not paying attention to it. They did like that's the thing, like J- like Zack Snyder had a vision for all of this stuff, and I'm not saying like this movie would have been good. I'm just saying like all the stuff that we saw that was played out in Batman v Superman would have been like followed up on in his versions but like you know the studio involvement here with them saying no you need to tweak this and tweak that and then finally we just get you know Joss Whedon on it and it kind of like did away with everything and so apparently like we saw like the first time they tried to send Flash back in Batman v Superman and there was like another point where they were going to send Flash back and um so a lot of it apparently dealt with trying to prevent the death of Lois Lane at the hands of Darkseid, um, which would lead Superman succumbing to the anti-life equation and him blaming Batman for Lois's death. So the Flash has to transport himself back in time to stop Lois's murder. This is basically the Injustice storyline. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of, oh my God, it's a lot of um, more of Snyder like, taking different comic book events and and fucking injustice isn't even canon that's like a like an elseworld story and like him throwing it into like the dceu canon here and then it sounds like we've got like you know flashpoint going on as well this is what snyder does it's like a bigger mess than bbs so um this is just kind of like what snyder does and it, it's a, I don't know, as for as much as, like, and I think, like, dude, I feel like Snyder, he's a huge fan of comics and these events and stuff like that. I just feel like he, I don't know, dude, I feel like he's, like, he's, he's, he like, gets the grandeur of it. <laughs> it's like, he's, like, on, it's like he's on cocaine or something, and he's, like, oh, my God, all my favorite stories, I'm going to throw them into one movie, you know? And yeah, you just get, yeah. it's crazy. It's nuts. It's a little too much. Um, did you hear? Yeah, the guy knows how to frame a shot. I, I mean, as much as I hate on Snyder, I, I don't hate on like 
it's it's just what the storytelling that he that he does. And, but man, I mean, the guy frames a shot fucking gorgeously. You know, I I still visually love, he's a great director. I still think that I still think Dawn of the Dead, Three Hundred, and Watchmen, and even Man of Steel are fantastic movies. I, you know, I, I yeah, you know, and I know we differ there, but I I. I love Dawn of the Dead. I know, I know yeah. you do. I know you do. I know you like Dawn, Dawn of the, the Dead. Great. James Gunn script. I know, but I, I, th- those are those, those are Zack Snyder films that I, I think are just absolute Tupperwares. I think they're fantastic. All four of those, in my opinion. So, um, <laughs> I'm looking at his uh, filmography right now, and yeah, I like Dawn of the Dead, and that's it. Yeah, fuck both of my you. My second then. favorite Zack Snyder film is probably Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch was terrible. He, he. Uh, I didn't say it was good. I he, said it was my second favorite <laughs> Zack Snyder movie. Uh, no, I'm, I never that. said that you liked it. I was also giving my opinion here, but I, I like Sucker Punch is like he wrote and directed that one, and it's just like, uh, man, stay away from writing. I, I like it when <laughs> he, he can direct. Like when he did Watchmen, I, I don't know, man. It's like. <sighs> He just did the story and he did, you know, he did Watchmen the story. He changed, I think he changed some things for the better. Like they didn't battle the big giant octopus at the end and stuff like that. And then um, 300 was great. But I feel like when he gets with the comic book properties, like, man, he just threw, he threw way too much into that Batman v Superman movie. Um, and then this is where I feel like he did kind of lose his mind. And I'm, I'm glad that this was not done. And, I don't know. Some people kind of want to see this, and I, I think you're crazy if you want... I don't know. This is nuts. He was talking in this Q&A, and he talked about the Martha scene and how in the original draft... Oh, you guys think that that's silly? Wait until you fucking hear about this shit. Um, in the original draft of the movie, there was a bigger twist that was involved in this, and I don't have the quotes from this from the Q&A, but I can break it down and how this originally would have played out had we seen this draft. Basically, we find out that when Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne are gunned down in the alley, Thomas dies, but Martha survives. And then she's put into witness protection for fear of her life as Bruce lives with Alfred. And thinks that both of his parents are dead. So in witness protection, they place Martha Wayne in witness protection in Kansas, where she marries a man by the name of Jonathan Kent, and they end up raising Superman together. So she's they find out in Batman v Superman that their mother... Batman finds out his mom's still alive and and they find out that they were both raised kind of by the same woman. And so there's that connection there. That's batshit crazy. Now that's fucking nuts. Stupid. Yeah, jeez. I, I don't know what the deal with the Martha stuff is. That's that is batshit crazy. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I can imagine those flashback scenes. That's <laughs> some of the worst shit i've ever heard it's awful yeah i don't know i don't know yeah i mean the martha scene will forever live in like pop culture infamy right like it's yeah. just so crazy oh god oh it's so terrible it's so ben terrible. affleck's voice is just so bad yeah what did you say that name 
Oh, I'm so glad he's not Batman anymore. I do not care about the Affleck Batman supporters, the Batfleck supporters. I, I just thought, I think he's the worst Batman, and I think he's, well, as far as, like... <laughs> Yeah, I know. We can get into we can get into Clooney and Kilmer, Clooney. but like, I like Clooney better. Honestly, I thought he did the fucking like Bruce Wayne stuff better. Yeah, I didn't. Like, I actually like Kilmer a lot. Yeah, I, I thought, thought his script was shit, but yeah. I thought he did a decent job. I was not a fan of like Affleck. I think like the people that like the Affleck stuff, but not all of them. You might genuinely like Affleck as Batman. I felt like the action scenes were well choreographed. I, I think that that has nothing to do with no. his performance. <laughs> ben Affleck wasn't doing Exactly. Yeah. That's my whole thing. And I, I don't think people understand that. Like, I was not impressed by his Bruce Wayne. I was not impressed by him uh, as Batman. Um, and I think, like, the fighting, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about, that's some of the best fighting stuff I like the action choreographed stuff I've seen Batman ever do in a movie I am not gonna I'm not gonna say oh yeah thank you Ben Affleck for that like <laughs> that was not that was not Ben Affleck people no I, I did like the uh conceit of of him using a voice changer but again that's not Ben Affleck doing that it's it affects people yeah uh, let's 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 end that uh, and uh, let's, let's well let's I want to move into Star Wars news because we got this new episode nine um, poster. It's not a poster. We don't know if it's a poster, but it's it, it's not been confirmed that it's like the official movie poster for episode nine. But it is believed to be officially licensed art for the upcoming movie. So like this might be something that we see on toys or displays at like Target, things like that. And um, here's what MakingStarWars.net had to say about it. Uh, content has uh, Star Wars Episode Nine content has leaked onto the internet this morning via the Geekiverse. We have a sheet of characters and what appears to be a poster, like the ones you might buy at retail. Uh, this content is actually pretty cool to see because it confirms a lot of information I've come across in the last year. If you look closely, you can see the Y-Wings and even the Orange X-Wing we grabbed a pick of earlier in the year from Black Park. Uh, Black Park is a set that they that uh, that a lot of stuff has been filmed on the Black Park set, um, and it goes on to say we've been reporting the Knights of Ren would be in Star Wars Episode Nine for a long time, with a footnote that they ha- all have special abilities, and finally the Red Stormtroopers that report to the Knights of Ren and Kylo are also shown. There's a lot of stuff that was confirmed. Making Star Wars uh, talked about the Knights of Ren coming back in this movie. Um, I'm going to talk about that later here. They also talked about, um, you know, BB Wren's little uh, BB-8. Uh, BB-8's little... <laughs> I want to see some BB Wren. Fuck yes. They also talked about... Guys, this is not going to be the last time I'm going to fuck up my words this podcast, okay? No, I, no, right? I was making fun. I was celebrating it. I know, right? But I was saying, like, BB-8, there's been rumors, and we talked about it on the podcast before. BB-8 having, like, a little sidekick... Um, in this movie that's confirmed on the poster and I'll talk about that a little bit more um but they go on to talk about this poster a little bit more they talk about uh the weird things from the poster the alien next to Finn guys I am trying to fight off my cat right now and I apologize <laughs> I heard the battle <laughs> damn it ye I love you so much he he but you can't do this right now buddy um the alien next to Finn in the poster uh, is a digital mock-up and not the suit filmed on set. 
The Red Stormtroopers do not appear to be the final versions as far as they know, and the same goes for the Knights of Ren. Uh, there's always a chance that these were to be fixed before the items hit retail. Uh, we can't say 100%, but we think uh, we might need to save a little space in our heads for that possibility. Um, the images give us a good look at Zori. Based on uh, what their sources tell them, that's Carrie Russell's character. And based on the information that they got, um, they can't see how it's not the same character because her suit was previously described as a rose gold, extremely fancy stormtrooper. And the costume supposedly has the armor split into triangles on a purple suit. Uh, her helmet was also compared to an Olympic cycling helmet. That's exactly what we got on the poster. So um, they also get a uh, we also get a good look at Jana, um, and this confirms what you know they'd been hearing about Jana using a bow, and then even the rumor about three uh, PO and Chewbacca uh, with Chewbacca's bandolier and a bowcaster has been confirmed. Like these these are rumors that MakingStarWars.net had months ago, and we're seeing them all here on this poster. If this poster or this this uh, this licensing art is to be believed. And I, I think it is, I think it's legit. Um, so the rumor was like, there's a scene in star Wars episode nine where C3PO has Chewbacca's bandolier on with, with, with Chewbacca's bowcaster and he's actually holding Ray's staff. So that's been, that's been a scene that they've been talking about for quite a long time. Um, in the poster, we also see, I talked about it earlier, BB eight's little sidekick, for episode nine and the rumored name for this character is Dio and over on Reddit before the artwork even dropped, the droid was described as quote, sort of a sidekick to BB eight. It's little and has sort of a cone shaped head, kind of like a megaphone shape. And if you look at him in the poster, the head is 100% looking like a megaphone. So this is exactly what we got in this art. Um, I want to talk about the Knights of Ren here. Now, keep in mind, like, Empire Magazine claims that there's a one-year time jump from the last film. So when Last Jedi ends and uh, Episode Nine starts, it's been a one-year time jump. So um, the Knights of Ren and making Star Wars that has been uh, talking about them showing up in this film for a long time. And I'm going to read about them from den of geek here. This is old news, but I'm going to read it now. I didn't read it earlier uh, months ago because like I, you know, like it's a rumor. I just kind of like, now that it's showing up in the poster, we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, Denna Geek says, uh, a new rumor that's popped up on Making Star Wars suggests that we'll finally get the answers we've been looking for in Episode 9. In fact, the site has heard from its sources that the Knights of Ren will actually play a big part in the conflicts to come in the final installment of the sequel trilogy. While the following potential plot details are strictly rumors, Making Star Wars has a proven track record of Star Wars scoops. Uh, According to the new report, the Knights of Ren were not present during the events of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. They were in a place called The Beyond. While making Star Wars doesn't go into details about The Beyond itself, it's possible that this place is located somewhere in the Unknown Regions, an uncharted part of the galaxy where the Empire retreated after its final defeat and rebuilt itself as the First Order, or perhaps it's somewhere beyond the edges of the galaxy itself. Kylo Ren apparently sent the Knights of Ren out to explore the beyond, but they reportedly return in episode nine after the Supreme Leader has consolidated his power across what used to be the New Republic. 
Here's where things get interesting. According to Making Star Wars, a major threat to the galaxy arrives from the beyond. An enemy that forces Kylo Ren and Rey to fight alongside each other once again. Going the games of Game of Thrones route, it sounds like the good guys and the bad guys will have to rally around a much bigger cause in order to repel the invaders. Uh, Making Star Wars speculates that perhaps the Knights of Ren turn on their master and become the threat that the uh, that both the First Order and the Resistance have to stop. But it's unclear just how big this particular faction is, and only a small groups have appeared in the movies, so it's likely that the new enemy is a much bigger force that no one is expecting. Perhaps it followed the Knights of Ren back to their galaxy. Um, so, basically, like, okay, so... Where have the Knights of Ren been? Like, all we've seen of the Knights of Ren is in The Force Awakens from Rey's vision when she touches uh, the, the Luke's saber. We get, we get a vision of, like, the Knights of Ren in the rain, okay? And we haven't seen these guys pop up anyway. We, we really know nothing about the Knights of Ren. And so now with them showing up on this poster, now we can, like, look back at the MakingStarWars.net rumors, and they're saying... The Knights of Ren were sent out by Kylo to explore the universe. I don't know. Did he send them to look for, like, Sith holocrons? Like, we know that Kylo Ren is obsessed with his grandfather, like, with Darth Vader. Like, and, and at that time, maybe he was, like, looking for a way to bring him back or something. Maybe he was having them uh, go to these outer edges of the galaxy to like seek out some kind of like Sith temple or Sith holocrons or collect something. I don't know. He's obsessed with uh, his grandfather and, and, and I think maybe the Sith. So. Yeah, I could see it. I could see them being sent out for something that's potentially plot important too. I mean, it's definitely going to be a point made out of it, right? We're going to, well, yeah. I don't think it's just going to be a throwaway why we haven't seen him for the last two movies. Yeah. I, I bet there's yeah. probably an important plot related, related device. Well, I mean, what they've we, been getting. I don't know. I think we've both kind of waffled on the Knights of Ren at one time. I thought like they're going to be a big part of the story going forward after the last Jedi. I was kind of like, okay, maybe they'll show up in a comic book now with JJ coming back. I, I think they're going to be a bigger part of the story. I don't think this is going to be something that we're going to read about in a novel. We, there might be additional stories about the Knights of Ren and, and stuff like that in novels. But I, but it, as far as like them coming back into the forefront here, I, I think this is a big possibility. And with them coming back and like with them maybe bringing a bigger danger, like this could set up future movies. There could be a new threat in the galaxy once this movie is over, whatever they bring back could set up future possible films. For all we know, Ryan Johnson's new trilogy that he's working on could deal with like what they're because we know that Ryan Johnson's movies, his trilogy is going to uh, they're going to be going to places in the universe we've never been to in Star Wars. This, it could be about this. It could be about this shit. Right. Yeah. Very well. Very well. Whatever it is. And Knights of Ren, when they go out there, they turn on their master. And you know what? It sounds like making Star Wars that it's not 100 percent sure, but it sounds like the Knights of Ren might come back with additional abilities. Could there be something out there that's 
different than the dark side or the force or something could and, and could what we've seen in the in uh, in the last Jedi where it seems like the force has kind of like opened itself up to new force users whereas before it was kind of like you know yeah the force is like in the Skywalker family and like yeah we did see like other Jedi but it seems like now like the force is open to everybody does it seem like the force is opening itself up because it knows that there's this new threat that's coming and like now it has to combat this new threat that's coming back like maybe the Knights of Ren are only the first wave of this threat okay you know, like there's got maybe there's more. And like that could be like where episode uh, 10, 11 and 12 go to. I, I don't know. It's all speculation, of course. Yeah, it's really interesting. I do think the Knights of Ren coming back makes a lot of sense. Lots to unpack there. But first and foremost, I, I do agree that we're going to see lots of Knights of Ren. I do think they're going to play a big part. I think just even beyond like the plot. I think it's kind of a move like J.J. Abrams is going to do to kind of get back into the good graces of some of the shittier Star Wars fans that complained about lack of closure from Episode 7 to 8, right? Here's a concept that everyone complained about not having more of, and we can give that to them, and maybe that'll get them to shut up about, you know, Snoke Uh, stuff or Ray's lineage stuff. Well, I I think that... uh I think that J.J. always had a story to tell about the Knights of Ren. So it's kind of, you know, like, here's, I mean, here's here's that story, right? You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, too. I, I think I think both things kind of come into play here. Um, I think people will be happy that the Knights of Ren are going to be featured in this movie. I, and I'm happy that they're going to be featured. And, you know, that's kind of one of the fun Star Wars traditions is to kind of throw this concept out and then not deal with it for a while and then come back to it later. You know, that's mm. ever since the clone wars not, and there's been plenty of other examples of this. That's just kind of a thing, right? You don't know what's going to be just background noise and what's eventually going to come to the forefront. And that's kind of what's fun about the universe. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I do like what you're talking about, about like them maybe hunting down holocrons or, and just possibly being connected to Ryan Johnson's thing where we're seeing yeah. a bunch of different areas and stuff. See, the thing is that with the holocrons, is it something that has not been introduced into the movies? That's that's a uh, that's a Star Wars Rebels thing, you know, so doesn't matter now, though, because Han Solo ruined that and we ah. just do it. We can do whatever the fuck. I don't know. We'll see. Let's we'll see. <laughs> Darth Maul fucking cry, you know, his lineage all exists in the fucking cartoons and we can throw him in at the end of the movie. So all bets are off the table when it comes to that shit to me anymore. Uh, do you think do you think they're going to pull from some of the uh, expanded universe stuff and use like a Yuzhan Vong analog maybe in this one? Mm, I feel like that stuff's yet to come, right? With all the rumors we've heard about what D&D are going to be doing with their Star Wars stuff, I think that's more in line with with their stuff. Yeah, they're doing – they're supposedly doing like uh, Knights of the Old Republic is like the the rumor. But I mean like the Yuzhen Vong is is, – I don't know if you read any of those books – um, but that's when Luke's got a son and all that kind of shit and they come and they, they you know, they kill Chewie and Anakin Solo and all that stuff. Oh uh, God. That's like way past the Kevin Anderson stuff and that, yeah, and that yeah, timeline. Yeah. I, I'm, but they came from outside the galaxy and the, the force had to adapt, uh, it's, it's, it's potential in order for the new Jedi, which is basically just Luke and the solo twins, 
Um, so they it had to adapt to, to combat this new force that didn't really register with the force. Um, so when you're talking about the Knights of Ren going out to this other place, maybe that they've, they've encountered some other galaxy beings that don't have the same connection to the force. And so the force has to adapt in order to combat it. That's my speculation. That has nothing to do with like what making star Wars said. Yeah. It's interesting though. I could see that being very well the case. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see what the night that poster was really neat to see. Um, I, I do have a question about the poster. Uh, what's yeah. the ship between the uh, the orange X-wing and the Y-wing? Is that an A-wing? I, the blue one? I can't tell. I, I'll be honest with you. I can't tell. Like it's the picture's not like HD. Super either. low res. Yeah, I can't tell. Yeah, raising the spot that is traditionally where you put the villain in a Star Wars poster. That's true. That's why I still don't think that this. I, I don't think this is a poster. It feels like it's going to be used for like store displays and stuff like that. And like maybe, I, I see that too. It does feel like a compilation of images. It doesn't feel right. like um, yeah. it's slick enough to be the poster. It's not cohesive enough. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What do you think about the red uh, stormtroopers there at the bottom? Oh, I think that's cool. I'm excited for that. These are. I'm wondering. And these aren't like the, these aren't like Snoke's red guards, you know, that we saw. You know, these are these are these are this is like they look like traditional stormtroopers. Are they going to be fire weapon based? Do you think? Like, what what's the deal with the red? I guess is as good as mine. I, I think it has to do with you know um, now that Kylo's in charge. You know, it's something. Oh, that's interesting, and probably not. I guess we saw just fucking white stormtroopers. Flamethrowing fucking shit in the seventh movie. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I'm, I'm looking for. I I I think. Uh, you think we're gonna get that first trailer uh, and the uh, the uh, title announcement at uh, celebration? I think that's a hundred percent. That's yeah. what this coming weekend or next weekend? Is, is it next weekend? Next weekend? We're gonna get yeah. it early enough to have it plastered before um, in-game movie. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think too. I think uh, absolutely. It was nice seeing. I saw the the Endgame trailer in theaters, which was awesome. The the second. Oh one. yeah. So I forget. Yeah, me too. When I saw yeah. us, I saw it actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the was... fucking bright burn in the theater for the first. Are time. Are you serious? Oh my god! I oh. can't wait for that. Yeah, I've oh, seen that. Exciting. I've seen that in the theater like two or three times now. Really? Yeah, yeah I hadn't yeah. seen that one in the oh, theater yeah. yet. I was super hyped to see it. Yeah. That's all I got, you sons of fucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's all right. I'm getting guess, excited getting closer to Star Wars season. It's starting to get me hyped. I hate it when we have episodes where Jake just gets to make fun of Zack Snyder the whole time. <laughs> I fuck it. It's, it's the fucking worst. I said some nice stuff about him. Ah, yeah, fuck. It's just the whole t- the whole time. Jake thinks he's at a fucking Comedy Central roast. Like he's fucking, you know, like the old Rat Pack and shit. There's fucking Dean Martin up there, Jake, you know. <laughs> Fuck you, Zack Snyder. <laughs> Don of the... You know, I don't know. Don yeah. of the... No, no, no. Whatever. I, I, I ain't got a joke. Insert joke here. I ain't got nothing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a little Jake Zack Snyder roast. <laughs> Wake the fuck up, man! I don't like Zack Snyder. I know, I know. That's why I, you know, there's certain things. There's certain things like it's like I'm like fuck. There's this big news this week, but I gotta, 
Uh, flip side, it's 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 a double edged sword because then I got to listen to your ass the entire time. You know, cool. <laughs> one of my favorite pop culture <laughs> leftover moments is early on because I missed the first episode, which was trailer talk, and you guys talked about the Man of Steel. And you basically gushed about the trailer. And I remember coming on for my very first episode <laughs> and bringing that pop. <laughs> oh, I thought the trailer was shit. And <laughs> all three of you guys were like, oh, fuck. That's I hate you. God damn it. This guy. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. I was just as surprised as, as much as you guys were looking forward to it. I remember I was like, oh, wow. Anyways, what are we? Shazam next week? Shazam next week. Yeah, we'll see. I hope I love it. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope it's not another trailer, you know, bait and tease. Yeah, I hope I love it. Neil, thank you, sir. Thank you. It was nice seeing you again in Chicago, man. Yeah, I had a great fucking time yeah. again at C2E2. It was great to see everybody that came back. Yeah. And great to meet the new people who yeah. showed up for the first time. and Meet uh, Greg and June. It was fantastic. Yeah, and then Greg Smith with his book that I bought. Yeah, what a, what a great guy. I love Greg. He's a good guy. Yeah. Greg, you need, to come, out, you need to come out next year and then come out with us. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I guess – so he, he's been – you know, talking on the Facebook page, and he he stayed with a friend who lived about an hour away from the city. Mm. So he had issues with being out late. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, thank you for being a friend who lives too far <laughs> away. Yeah, and like little Golden Girls. Uh, yeah, was, <laughs> the fuck am I, What's wrong with me? It's it's late. That's it, it is late for you. Yeah. Get, yeah. Getting punch drunk. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't been drinking at all tonight. Wow, I've had like a bottle of wine. Jesus. Yeah, I could tell when you were explaining those Star Wars theories that you were. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is good shit. <laughs> it's coherent. Yeah, towards the end of the show, well, kind of. I mean, earlier you guys are. Oh, Brian said something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's only funny because we love you. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's only uh, yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian, your speech is a mockery. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let me into, uh, into your number one laugh. You're, you're just. <laughs> 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 Yeah, you're still my number one, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it was, oh man, it was that great. It was great fucking Friday night was ridiculous. You coming back? Oh. You coming back next year? You coming out? Oh fuck yeah! Fucking it, actually, it actually worked out better for me it being earlier mm. as far as work goes because we generally have jobs start piling up. Like when I came back, uh, on I got back to work on Wednesday, uh-huh. and it was just like, hey, glad you're back. You have a lot of fucking shit to do now. <laughs> so, uh, it's been a it's been a long week. Wow, I've been back. Wow, in five days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I fucking love going out there, and yeah, it, I, it was really great to have a day on either side of the convention to just kind of explore the city. There you go. Yeah, like on because um, Sunday night we went to Hepner's house, which is super fun, just to kind of you know shut down a little bit from all the craziness of the weekend and just sit around and talk with some good people. Then on a Monday, uh, Amanda Albers and I went and got bloody Mary's and then we went up and did the 360 Chicago thing at the top of the Hancock building. And 
just kind of did some fun touristy stuff both days so it was super fun yeah yeah it's uh it's a blast it goes it goes by so quickly though right i mm-hmm. mean ah, it's, it's a blur it's just so much fun yeah yeah, yeah, it's like Friday night, uh, Friday, and then everybody, hey, everybody's excited to see everybody, and then next thing you know, man, it's it's Sunday, and we're saying goodbye. So I mean, it's just it goes by, and you know, I don't know. Hopefully, ho- hopefully next year, um, I'll be able. You know, it'd be nice to get out there a little earlier and stay a little later, like you did, Neil, and maybe spend oh, yeah. more time with people. So we'll see. And hopefully next year we'll have a lot of the same people coming back and, and, and then some new oh, people yeah. showing up. And I, you know, we need to get Brooke back out there. Hopefully, you yeah. know, hopefully, uh, you know, Dan West might be able to make it back. Who knows? Who knows going to come? Jesse Candelori and, and Leo Bateman, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. I miss both those two. And yeah. I will cry if Greg's not there again next year. <laughs> oh, Greg, Lenty, man. Greg Lenty. <laughs> God, I love Greg. Greg's great. That whole uh, the whole week. Oh my God, the Doogie Wanda shit. Like people, <laughs> if you, see, here's the thing. Like if, if if you missed not having an episode last week, the whole thing is like everybody that came out to C two E two in Chicago, um, they got like they got. Like, it's not. It's like a, you got everybody got like a personal episode, didn't they, Jake? It was so oh, much yeah. fun. Like it, and everybody was. It was great. It was just. So, it was so much fun. Um, a lot of yeah, sto- stories that can't that can't even be told on the egg, podcast. Stories that cannot even be told. Like yeah, oh exactly. Boy. So uh, I did get a g- cool scoop uh, when Martin Starr and uh, John Francis Daly walked by us. And we, you and I, went and talked to him, Brian. Yeah, uh, I asked Martin Starr if his character in uh, the new Spider-Man movies is the same as his character in the Incredible Hulk. He said they are definitely not the same character. Oh. Yeah, that's so right. That's yeah, hundred percent confirmed that there are two different characters. There you go. Yeah, splash that up on the front page of the fucking <laughs> Tribune or something. I don't know. No, that's cool. That's cool. And I like my conversation with uh, uh, Jonathan Francis Daly. Kind of went. Like, it went like this. <laughs> Apparently, so I found out today that my lighting company uh-huh. uh, did his wedding. A couple of years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I was like, God damn it! Why didn't I know this? Oh, yeah, you guys could have talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey I bore you with some lighting facts right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he loves. I've been jettisoned. I'm sure that's the one thing he thinks about back on about his wedding is uh, he doesn't even think about like how beautiful the bride was. He's just like, man, oh. the lighting that day was just. Perfect. Thank you. I inch Edison. I I do Edison. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and I got to spend I got to spend like like twenty minutes talking with Ming Chen, which was fantastic. I'm big fan of um, the comic book man and and Mike and Ming and um, tell him Steve Dave and he shows up on that podcast all the time and we just kind of shot the shit for like twenty minutes. Such a nice guy. Um, Told him that. we started talking about you know his podcast my podcast and i told him about you know he's talking about his new mixer and and then he asked me the name of my podcast and he, he jake i kid you not ming chen like and it was just a nice gesture he like pulled out his phone and he said i'm subscribing right now and he showed me that he subscribed to, P- awesome. to pcl what a nice guy and he said if you're ever up at, out in new jersey 
you know, come out and you can record with me and Mike. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, but you know, it, I know that'll never happen, but it was just, it was just the, just the thought that counts and just a sweet, genuinely great guy. So yeah, I mean, if you ever get the chance to meet Ming Chen, I highly recommend it. He's pretty awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, CT which is great. Getting to meet, you know, getting to hang out with all our, you know, pop yeah. culture leftover friends. Yeah. And, and getting to hobnob with all the uh, comic book artists and writers. It's just, they're just so accessible, and you can just kind of shoot the shit with, like, some of your favorite creators. It's yeah. fucking amazing. It's awesome. And walking into strangers farts that's thank you i love that that's my favorite thing about c2e2 it's like there's so many people and you're walking around and all of a sudden it's like oh my god then my nose hairs are burning and somebody's dropped ass and you're literally inside of somebody's swampy ass asshole for that moment i think eric marable was responsible for 80 percent of that oh my god i'm not lying it happened a few times to me this week this past weekend Jesus, it was insane. So, all right, guys, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week with Shazam. See ya. Yeah, peace out, y'all. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, welcome to the uh, bonus part of the episode where we're going to be talking about our thoughts about us. Uh, Neil, thanks a lot for joining me, man. Oh, for sure. I'm really fucking excited to talk about this with you. And I know that you've seen it twice now, haven't you? Yes. Okay. Yes, I saw it again on Thursday. So did I. I saw it the Thursday opening night, and then I watched it again this week on Thursday. Dude, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, this is a movie I think you have to watch twice. Oh, at least, at least twice. I think like, even if you, if you, if, if you hated it, 
you still you should still watch it again. Exactly. Um, <laughs> if you're unsure about how you felt after the first time you watched it, you need to watch it again. I, yeah, Neil, I, I'm telling you, OK, let me read the synopsis for this one. Uh, in order to get away from their busy lives, the Wilson family takes a vacation to Santa Cruz, California, with the plan of spending time with their friends, the Tyler family. On a day at the beach, their young son, Jason, almost wanders off, causing his mother, Adelaide, to become protective of her family. That night, four mysterious people break into Adelaide's childhood home where they're staying. The family is shocked to find out that the intruders look look like them only with grotesque appearances. So this one's directed, written and directed by uh, Jordan Peele. Uh, like it's, it stars Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, uh, Tim Heidecker, uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, and then Anna Jopp, who plays Starfire. Mm-hmm. She played the mother uh, in this. Uh, she played uh, Lupita Nyong'o's mother in the flashback scenes. But um, I don't know. Um, I guess we can kind of like give our overall like rating here real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Now that you've seen it, second time i mean give me your rating the first time if it stayed the same if it changed and then i'll give you my rating the first time and if it stayed the same or changed so i saw it uh, when i was in chicago uh last thursday with uh, amanda albers she and i went and saw it and uh, i didn't know exactly how I, wanted, how I felt about it when i was got out of there um it's definitely i definitely thought it was worth watching and after seeing it the second time I still have a lot of, of, of thoughts about it. I, I thought it was a great movie. It was beautifully made. I mean, the, the cinematography and everything is gorgeous. The acting is incredible. Um, I, I don't, don't necessarily like it that much, though. It, it's I, I mean, I, I'll give it a taste it as just my rating for both viewings. Uh, but I think it's worth watching one, two, three, four, five times, um, even though it wasn't – I didn't like it nearly as much as uh, Get Out. But I think it just was a little deeper than I was expecting, and I don't think I caught everything that he was trying to say, but I saw that he was trying to say a lot more than I was getting, and I think that lessened my enjoyment for it. Okay. Yeah, I uh, f- uh I'm right there with you as far as like the first time I saw it, I I gave it a taste it. And I was just looking at it from like uh just like as a horror film, just kind of like mm-hmm. surface level thoughts of like, you know, like I kind of guessed the twist at the oh, end yeah. pretty early. Um mm-hmm. tell you what, just I'm worried about getting into spoilers, so from this point on, I might spoil the movie. Um, and here we go with like the first, the first kind of like giveaway to me about the ending was the part where the mother said, I just want my little girl back. And like instantly, Mm -hmm. instantly for me, it kind of clicked like, yeah, I don't think this is the same girl. I think there was a switch that was made. I think a switch went through. I think a switch was made. Yeah. That, that little girl was incredible. Um, as far as playing the two different sides of, of of the characters because uh, you could really tell that she was acting so differently and it could have been from the trauma of, of being in a weird place but it, you could it, it seemed like she had that the creepy girl instead of the regular girl yeah yeah um upon my second watch i'm going to give this a tupperware now i had mm. to watch this the second time and i had to look into like some interviews with jordan peele about this um Mm. i looked into the interviews 
after the first watch. Then I went in with those interviews upon second watch. And one of the things that he said to me was, this movie, the ending and whatever you get out of it is how you interpret it. And it's not Mm -hmm. like there's a wrong way to interpret this movie. And so the first thing, I mean, there's a lot of different layers to this and there's a lot of different ways to look at this, Neil. But the first thing that stood out to me, that's kind of like not what everybody else was kind of pulling away from this movie. And there's a lot as far as like social classes and things like that to kind of pull away from this movie. But for me, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Like, I got that and and I'll get into Mm -hmm. some of that, you know. Um, But for me, it wasn't that. Neil, in most of the movies where you're watching where there's like, you know, two characters and they've done a switch. The second character, like the, the, the evil one, and I'm putting up hand quotations. Right, yeah. The evil one that makes it at the end and gives that sinister grin like we saw at the end of this movie. Like mm-hmm. typically, you're like, ooh, creepy, <laughs> sequel, sinister. <laughs> this one, you can't really say that. Like – it's kind of like you can interpret it as an evil grin. I, on the flip side, kind of interpreted it as like she made it. She's not necessarily evil. Like the people that lived below the surface just wanted a taste of that life. And they, they weren't given that opportunity. And she got that opportunity. She fought for it and she survived and she still loved her family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She still loved her family. It's not like because she was one of the tethered, you know, like the 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 surface, the uh, below the surface dwellers, mm-hmm. that she was evil, that she was soulless. Like she was given the opportunity as a surface human, and she lived that life to her fullest. I mean, she started to dance, and she she had children, and she loved her children. She had a good life, and. Um, I think like that's what kind of like separates this. Like you can look at this like other horror movies and it has that classic horror movie movie ending where like, you know, like you think like, you know, uh, invasion of the body snatchers or something crazy. Like where like, like the evil creature survives at the end. It, it jumps into a host and it lives and you're like, Oh no, like this wasn't that. It was that ending, but it wasn't that ending on. Right. Right. right? I, I totally agree with what you're saying here. Um, yeah, and, and like for me, a lot of what made it a little different was the whole idea of really pointing out the nature versus nurture thing, and, and yes. dealing with like so, so. Say you take the the tethered as a symbolism for poverty, which it pretty clearly was. Yeah, and then the the rest of a the the, the, the normal world is for the upper class, and it's you put this. Uh, a poor person into a place where they're given all these advantages and they succeed and they, they have a good life because they've been taken out of this hellhole and placed in a place uh, that they can actually succeed in. And I thought that was, it was uh, the symbolism in this is just so much. And it, it really, you really do need to watch it over. Uh, I'm, I'm going to watch it again, but in the theater, probably um, I did fall asleep during the, um, her little speech down when she's cutting away at the the little people, uh, the the, the, exp- the big exposition dump that they do there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I I dozed off during my second viewing of that because I, I don't like I just don't find it that interesting uh, to explain away everything so in such detail. But um. I, there's just so much to explore and to really think about in the mm-hmm. movie. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in many ways, this is kind of like, like if you do look at it, and it's kind of weird just saying this, like I say when like when you look at it from the surface level, because just like the movie kind of reflects this, like you can look at this from a, like just like surface level horror movie if you want to. Mm-hmm. Like there's in a way there's like nods to Spielberg. We got like the even the Jaws T-shirt, but like <laughs> but like there's like, you know, like that uh, the humor and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. you know, very Spielbergian and stuff like that. But like on the flip side. If you just look at it from like a surface level horror, it's 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 a it's a good movie. Maybe not mm-hmm. great, but like when you start digging in and like looking at the things like you know below the surface, and I I mean like just that metaphor of saying below the surface with this exactly. movie just kind of hits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean like look at little things like when um the when the family is at uh, was that uh, Santa Cruz when that the the boardwalk the boardwalk, the boardwalk yeah. there and they're the father starts to play whack-a-mole like that, like, like literally like (laughs) basically moles popping up out of the ground, trying to get out and trying to, and popping them, popping them, knocking them back down. And that like, that's just like kind of like this movie too, like where they, Mm -hmm. they keep this experiment under the ground and, you know, and, and instead of like, you know, terminating the experiment and terminating the people that live below and killing them, we just kind of like brush it under the rug and try to forget about it. And like, the only thing that's keeping us from them is this fucking escalator, you know? Right. And the escalator (laughs) is like the whole thing with the escalator is it's an escalator that only goes down. And Mm -hmm. so like trying to, I kept trying to think of like, you know, people that are trying to climb the corporate ladder and get themselves out of like poverty like always being like always like there's always something pushing them down. And that's what I kept viewing that like escalator that was going down as totally, totally. I mean, it's again, like the first time I watched it, I enjoyed it. Uh, I I saw the twist coming a mile away. Uh, It was pretty blatant. And I don't think that I don't think the point was to be a Shyamalan and and hide it until the last minute. Yeah, It, 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 it was it's. (laughs) <laughs> it's like there's so many levels to uh, how Jordan Peele has made this movie. His attention to detail is just incredible. I mean, it's almost Kubrickian how detailed every single shot, every single movement, every single camera angle. It, it's just there's just so much, and uh, I, I love it for that. But I didn't, I don't, I didn't find the experience super enjoyable, if, if that makes sense. Like as just watching a movie, yeah, it wasn't wasn't like right. Oh, this is this is the greatest movie ever, and it may actually be the greatest movie ever. But I didn't enjoy it like it was uh, as, as a piece of entertainment as much as a piece of uh, social commentary. Yeah, I just like uh, like I mean there are yeah it's definitely because there are many things that don't make sense in this world, right? Uh-huh. You know, like I I kept thinking to myself like so what if on the surface world, their tethered version of themselves die, like just mm-hmm. sudden heart attack. You know, like what does that mean for the person below? Did they just suddenly drop dead? Too? Right. Like those I, questions, and they, they may seem silly, but like, or mm-hmm. or does that person just not have like a doppelganger up above? You know, right? Um, th- they may seem like a silly question, but you know. I, and then I, I wondered, like, what happened to did did Adelaide when she was younger, when she was a little girl and she got choked by the the other version of herself? Did that mm-hmm. crush her trachea like her voice box or something? Because, like, is that why she talked the way that she did throughout the film? And I kept thinking, like, 
that's the reason that she's the only one that can talk and the others can't. Well, because, yeah, because nobody else from below can talk. Uh, but I think because she was the she was from the surface, she knew how to talk. Mm-hmm. And that, that separated her from the the rest of the people down there. And the, the one who switched places with her and went up to the surface had to learn how to talk to begin with. Yes. And so, and so the one who went down below the original Adelaide. She had she had never she probably didn't use her voice that much. That's why it was so wonky and, and weird sounding is because she wasn't used to talking to anybody. OK. And, she, yeah. and, she, and it was just it was like atrophied, basically, is kind of what I thought. I didn't think it was anything to do with a physical uh, damage to the, to the trachea or anything. Yeah. I remember like she got choked and I was wondering, like, did she, did did her windpipe get crushed or something mm-hmm. to where like that's why she sounded like that? I, I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, um, it, 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 possibly. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's not I think explained. there's so much in this movie that I I don't haven't seen yet. Like I, I haven't been able to analyze yet or, or understand yet. Well, it, it, there's so much. It's one of the crazy. things one of the things that I kind of wanted to get into was how interesting it was as far as like once the switch happens. And, and you're aware of the switch, like how you can go back and like when you watch the movie again, it's a completely different experience, whether that's good oh, yeah. or bad for you. But for me, it was good. I um, I really kind of like was trying to figure out the whole relationship because with her family, like the family situation, you have um, the it's it's hard to label them like red or Adelaide. <laughs> I don't know. You have yeah. the one that was originally on the surface who is now below and mm-hmm. she has taken up a husband down below and then she has given birth to two children below. She was the one that was on the surface originally. And so when she had children with this tethered version of her husband down below, mm-hmm. she's the one that supposedly has a soul. OK. And so. What happened was her children are kind of like half and half, like surface mm-hmm. and below. And then like the same goes for, you know, the version mm-hmm. of Adelaide that's now on the surface that was originally the tethered. So right. she found her like human surface husband. They had children and those children grew up kind of like half from both worlds. Right. Mm hmm. And right. so when you watch this movie, it's really interesting to watch the kids, because what I noticed with the kids upon second viewing with this knowledge is in the movie, the first thing like, well, first thing I noticed, and then I started connecting the dots later on after I kind of like had time to think about this, is the whole scene where the youngest son is uh, battling against his doppelganger, like the mother's going to go like kill this kid with the fire and all that shit, you know, with the, the, the with the car on fire and everything, mm-hmm. the mother's going to go after him with like that, that hot, uh, that uh, fireplace poker. Right. But instead what happens is like the son kind of tells her like, no, I got this, puts his arms out and starts walking backwards. Walking. Yeah. And what, ha- what, like, so they share a soul then, right? It's like, yeah. like a mirrored soul. And so he can kind of like in a way control this kid, I feel like they're, I feel like they're bonded somehow. And so that's why he was able to walk back and the other kid walked back as well. And the other kid caught, caught on fire. I felt like there was kind of like a bond there between them. Same thing with the daughter. I noticed kind of like the daughter was like, you know, they, she was into sports and running and, and, uh, but she wasn't competitive 
at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. She was kind of like, you know, kind of like, I'm done with track or whatever. She doesn't want to run or anything. And then later on, as she's in the in this movie, like we find out like her tethered version is like her eyes just get real wide and she's like ready to, you know, her, her mother says to, you know, chase down the other girl. Like she tells the other girl to run and she's like, she's got to chase her down and kill her. And you can just see that, that competitive spirit in this tethered version of her wanting to like maniacally run her down and kill her. And then all of a sudden, like in this movie, we see her with the golf club over at the Tyler's house, (laughs) killing the twins. And she's got that same look in her eye. Right. Yeah. And so that competitive spirit that her tethered version has is coming out here, but like in the worst way, like in a, I'm going to kill you. way. (laughs) So I just thought like the, the dynamic between, you know, like um, the kids being half and half from, you know, above and below and how it kind of like, they were kind of like drawn together. It was weird. It was because it wasn't something that you saw in like the husband's versions. They like one was just, you know what I mean? It was so, it was bizarre. Well, yeah, because uh, I think Abraham is the is the is um, Winston Duke's below surface character's name. Yeah, I think right. And that Gabriel was a surface name. Yeah, Abraham and Gabe Wilson. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because his his Abraham character was just super, almost like a Frankenstein's monster sort of thing. Yeah, and shambling. Whereas the kids are were very uh, active and uh, doing. The weird ass shit that they were doing, um, and, and it's, it does seem like there was a difference in, but I, yeah, I guess the soul, what you're talking about, um, to well, look at it this way. Look at it this way. It, it connects on such a level, like the kid wearing the the monster mask. You know, um, mm-hmm. the other version of him, the tethered version, moved like a monster. Yeah. <laughs> and made some monstrous noises. I mean, that's because the kid, the kid himself, like put a mask on and wanted to become somebody different because he he felt different. He felt very mm-hmm. different. He felt like an outcast. Like, remember on the beach, like the twins were saying, like, your brother's weird or whatever. Yeah. And that's just how he felt. And so it kind of like that connection between them was because like when you saw I guess you did see kind of a connection, though, between. The other ones, but it's always because they were acting like their other counterpart because like the Tim Heidecker version of himself, the way he mm-hmm. would walk around and stuff like that. You and know? Elizabeth Moss with the yeah. lipstick and yes. uh, cutting herself like plastic surgery. How right. Her surface version had said. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think there was a lot of uh, really deep thought put into how they were going to show the connection between these characters and just – how different they were going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, as an actor, it, I could see how much joy everybody was having in playing these dual roles. Cause that's, that, that's, that's a really fun concept to, to, to delve into is to play one character and then play it's basically it's opposite, but kind of sharing this, the same, uh, soul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I. Uh, let's talk about the number eleven real quick. Um, okay. Uh, did you look up the Bible verse? That it- yeah, I actually did. Um, I do have it right here. Let me read off Jeremiah eleven eleven. We see this throughout the the movie. Uh, Therefore, thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So it's like 
basically for telling like grim punishment, uh, you know, and there's no way to escape. And it right. feel, it, it, you know, like, um, yeah, it there's, feels like there's no Deus Ex Machina, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Agree. Like, like this is it. This is just how it is. Like, you brought this <laughs> upon yourself, and now you gotta, you know, you made your bet. You know, you you made your bed. Now you gotta. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> now you gotta lie. Now it. you gotta lie in it. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I just I'm I'm so deep into everything else that I can't even think about. It. It's just uh, <laughs> I hear you. I totally hear you, man. But it's the just... no, the number eleven comes up quite a bit in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Like, in the second time I started watching this, I started to realize how much it came up. Like, you saw the number eleven, eleven, eleven at the on. Of course, you know uh, the guy holding the sign for Jeremiah right. eleven, eleven. But you also saw the number eleven. Um, there was a time where in uh, the boys' bedroom you saw eleven eleven on the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, the husband's watching the baseball game, and the score for the Giants game is eleven to eleven. Um, I love that he's a Giants fan. Oh, yeah, I'm so happy. Um, That's my local team. Yeah, I, I I could care less about that. <laughs> but but um, and then the the channel that at the beginning of the movie that the girl was watching was channel 11 and she was watching the news at 11 and they were talking ah. and they were talking about the the hands across america thing did you notice the videotapes on the side oh yeah there was i didn't i tried to uh, get a close i tried to the second time i tried to really zone in on those because yeah. i remember noticing them the first time yeah but I, I i couldn't see well enough to see it uh, but they were the goonies was one um shit I had them. I, ha- I had like most. Wasn't one like Poltergeist or something? No, uh-uh. no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I think maybe the right stuff was one, but I'm not sure. Oh, I know <laughs> Goonies was one of them, um, and that had like the and that had the reference because like later on, uh, Adelaide, the tethered version, like the original version that went down there, mm-hmm. um, that could talk. Later on, she says like, "It's our moment down here." And mm-hmm. that's a straight, direct quote from the Goonies. Like, it's right. it's our moment down here. You know, it's our time, <laughs> you know, from Sean Astin. Yeah. So um, I'm trying. Oh, God, I saw like there's like uh, three or four or five movies that you could read the titles to. And uh, a lot of them kind of like uh, were injected into this film um, when they. Oh, they were f- Talking about in this movie uh, at the boardwalk, they were talking about uh, maybe being extras in a film because they were filming a movie there. And this mm-hmm. movie takes place in 1986. Um, they were actually filming at that time uh, The Lost Boys oh, was being filmed. Okay. Um, Interesting. But uh, number 11 was also while they're at the boardwalk and the dad is playing, uh, throwing the ball, like the softball at the milk jugs, uh, the girl she chose chose uh prize number 11 hmm. and that was the michael jackson t-shirt i'm also wondering if the there's a couple of black flag shirts it, worn by characters in this and i'm wondering if the, the symbol for black flag is is the four bars it, that, which looks kind of like um 11 11 11 oh, i'm wondering shit. if that was the reason for it or if there's another reason for the black flag stuff yeah I don't know. That, that's that's cool. I didn't even notice that. Um, the daughter wears that green hoodie that says "Tho" on the front. And Isn't that, that rabbit and Vietnamese or it's something? Rabbit and Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah. And there was rabbits, of course, in this oh, movie. everywhere. Oh God, that's <laughs> and that's all those people ate down there after Bloody the rabbits. Rabbits. Oh my oh, God. Crazy. Yeah. What were the rabbits eating? 
<laughs> There's nothing green down there, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're getting uh, pellets in their little their wall of cages. I don't know, man. I just kind of like after the second watch for me and that realization that I had about how kind of like uh, Jordan Peele has taken the horror genre and kind of flipped it a little bit Mm -hmm. on its head and and made me think like (laughs) I just really appreciated just it's if you if you if I think you really have to look at all the different little things to appreciate this movie and love it. And I think like that's why I do love it now is like and it started with just the simple like at the end of every horror movie where they do something like this and, <laughs> and the supposed evil character gets away and you get that evil grin. You're like, oh, my gosh, you know, they're going to yeah. cause more mayhem. And like in this one, it didn't feel like that. It was like. It felt like a real victory. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And for the character yeah. you had been rooting for this whole time, even though it wasn't the character you were supposed to think it was, it was. Right. You were still rooting for the same character. They yeah. had changed since the beginning. Yeah. It, you just were, it was re- re- revealed to be somebody than you, other than you thought it was. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really want to point out the score for this uh, movie. I thought it was excellent uh the use of i got five on it plus the altered version mm-hmm. um and then all the uh, all the like the music it was just absolutely incredible throughout the movie i <laughs> yeah it was really good what, <laughs> so the about ba- what did the ballet mean to you she says like she peaked at 14 was that like the moment that the want like the one below or the one above like it kind of like clicked yeah, I think that was probably when the 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 switch was complete, where they had finally settled into where they had ended up. I felt like the people below were watching her dance and seeing something like she could do it. She she could do something beautiful, just as mm-hmm. and like that's when the revolution started. Right, like she inspired them. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because in that long ass monologue near the end they there's all the flashbacks of them getting the jumpsuits and yeah. becoming more militarized and very uniform rather than this kind of weird shambly thing that they were been doing before where they're super connected to their above versions yeah. seemed like they 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 were able to sever that connection a little bit and do their their own thing uh one of the things that i read that was interesting i think i read this one on reddit was uh the scene with the frisbee, mm-hmm. how it was a you know a red frisbee that got thrown and it lands on like a um, you know beach blue circle blanket, a, ble- a beach blanket that's full of um, blue polka dots and mm-hmm. the red frisbee lands over the top of one of the blue polka dots perfectly just covers it perfectly mm-hmm. and it just it blends in and that's like kind of like mirrors what happened here like one of them from their world from below the red mm-hmm. and they wear red later in the movie one of the red from below comes up here and tries to you know um fit in with all the the surface dwellers which are the blue dots right mm-hmm. yeah that, <laughs> again the symbolism of this is is fucking insane yeah it's just all over the place and I, i'm sure the next time i watch it because i'm gonna watch this multiple times sure. even though i gave it a taste it yeah just because it, there's so much to really dig into and sink your teeth into that you it, it's an important movie i think 
um, just because it, it's it's a new way of making a movie. I, it, it feels like just Jordan Peele is doing something that we haven't really seen in a, since, say, Stanley Kubrick, where it's 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 just excellent filmmaking. And it really, really does make you think about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like if you just look at that ending and like the final shot in the movie, you know, with the hands across America mm-hmm. and and all that stuff. I mean, you could just look at it as like, OK, this is a lame Shyamalan twist. Like you could, <laughs> you could definitely look under it with you could look at it with that lens. But like I um, I just continued to like just be amazed by like how I viewed the movie completely differently the second time. And like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm sure like just like you, like I will watch this many more times and the movie will continue to kind of like present things to me that I had not thought before. And I will not be wrong for thinking those things because Jordan Peele himself said, like, interpret this movie and the ending the any way you want any way you want to. That's what it's. Yeah, that's what it's there for. It's it's yeah, it's, it's uh, again. I mean, I still stick with my taste at rating for both viewings. I, I, it may go up in the future, but I think he's done something incredibly important, which mm-hmm. is is to put a piece of art out there that features skill levels across the board that are incredibly high from, you know, the acting, the directing, the cinematography, the, the music. It's all at such a high level that – it, 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 you're going to have to watch it over and over again. And your, your opinion of the movie is going to change. I think every time yeah. you watch it, it's you're going to find something new that makes you think about it in a di- totally different light. Yeah. There's the, this is like, as far as like, if this is just a regular horror movie without everything else, I, it, it's a taste it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I still like as, as a horror movie, I still prefer the new Halloween movie that came out. You mm. know, I mean, that was a blast. I had a great time. Um, but for the symbolism and everything else, I, I in, the, in my second viewing of this, I absolutely loved it. And you're not wrong to still be at a taste. It. It's it's mm-hmm. a lot to process. And um, I understand, like you, at the end of the day, you're just saying, like, yeah, it was good. I just it just wasn't fist pumpingly good. And I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy it or I didn't have this experience with it. And and that makes yeah, sense. Everybody's gonna everybody's gonna walk away from this completely different. And for me, oh, yeah. like, there's parts in it where I'm just kind of like, oh, whatever. But at, <laughs> at the end of the day, like I. Like he, Jordan Peele made me think, and mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking about some interesting things and having a lot of fun thinking about it. Not every movie you can do that with. Like I think that's why I loved Halloween so much, is because it, it's just a stupid horror f- film, you know, <laughs> and very nostalgic. And but but mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I, I loved it. We gotta get. We gotta. We gotta end this part though. Oh yeah. But, okay. Cool. Uh, all right, guys. See you next week.